This episode of How To Wrestling was requested by Alex Thompson, one of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling. And hey, if you like this show and you like it being ad free and 100% fan and listener supported, well then head over to that Patreon page because for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to our entire back catalogue of exclusive audio goodies. I'm talking about pay-per-view reviews from AEW and WWE going all the way back to the summer of 2016 as well as that you've got various monthly series that go on there like totally divas where we review all of total divas a new episode by the way has just dropped alongside this one here on the patreon page you've also got roads to the top the the big show show our new series youtube wrestler review where we do a deep dive into the oftentimes confusing and strange youtube channels of the stars of professional wrestling and our all-time fave series and my personal favorite podcast to record in the history of recording podcasts i'm talking about pay-per-view classic where joe sets a brief about the type of classic wrestling show she wants to watch the fans over on patreon vote for it and then we watch and review the pay-per-view these are all in-depth full pay-per-view reviews and they are absolutely fabulous you've got everything in there from the likes of japanese women's wrestling pay-per-views you've got wcw there's some ecw recent offerings from tna or most recent being an awa super show as well as classic wwf golden era attitude era we have dipped our toes into everything and mr billy keeble has even joined us and picked a few awful ones as well along the way if you like the show and you want to support us or you just want to get access to a lot of extra content for very little it's five dollars a month for instant access patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling but enough about that because now well you can check your watch because every number on that clock says vader because it is in fact vader time and it's time for how to vader episode of how to wrestling the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling how to get into wrestling how to understand wrestling and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling and today is going to be an all-time episode because it's time it's time it's how to vader time however once again it's me your old pal the mastodon kevin man joined as i am always in this chronicling and deep diving into all things wrestling the people and things that make it great by Big Van Joe Graham. Hello. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm so good. You've got a big old smile on your face. I'm gonna like throw up from excitement. I fucking love Vader. This this is now just to, to point out, it's a really special monumental thing because this isn't like, you know, like the Bobby Lashley episode where you're like, I really want to do this episode because I already know I love this person. Yeah. This was, you know, following a Tommy Dreamer episode where yeah. this was <laughs> me shooting my shot for, for the innovator of violence. We're now here looking at one of the greatest, if not the greatest, big man in the history of professional wrestling. And folks, let me tell you, if we can do a tenth of the justice of the slow process of you falling in love with this character over the past couple of weeks, with the intense amount of watching we've been doing about the man called Vader. I mean, tell me, what is Vader? Who is Vader? What were your first impressions of this guy? Well, first of all, I want to correct you because I have loved Vader for longer than two weeks. No, but I mean, 
I've really started to love him the, the, yeah. recently. This is, he feels like he's approaching all-time fave territory this oh, week. Oh, no, he... I mean, I don't want to spoil... I, I, fuck it, I'm going to spoil it. He is one of my all-time faves. I absolutely adore him. I think he's so cool. I think I... When I first saw Vader, I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a big guy. He looks kind of scary. But I remember kind of one of the first things I ever heard about him was the match with Mick Foley where Mick's ear came off. Yes, so Mick Foley, when he was in WCW in the mid-90s, and this happened in Germany on a house show, infamously lost his left ear while in a match with Vader. And, you know, that's probably the first experience that you had with Vader. That's the first experience that I had with Vader, I remember reading Mick yeah. Foley's book and that's it. In those, and hearing that, I I don't know where I got this idea from, but I remember hearing something once about it was like implied by someone that Vader like ripped Mick Foley's ear off. It's this, this this legendary status of like here's this scary wrestler who was so badass that he pulled off Mick Foley's ear. You know what happened to Mick Foley was that he got his head cut up in the ropes in a spot called the Hangman spot where you run into the top two ropes and you right. twist around with your neck in between them and your head is caught in there and you go ah and then okay. you know, eventually you come out. He would do that spot all the time. Yeah. In this particular instance, when they were touring in Germany, they had new ring technicians who had. Tighten up the ropes a little bit too tight. And those ropes, by the way, in case you don't know, folks, that's a steel cable, more or less, wrapped up a little bit with some kind of plastic outline on it. And he essentially squeezed the ear off of his own head. Vader happened to be there. But for all intents and purposes, and this is what Vader's all about, is the myth of this extremely imposing, violent man who would take liberties, a bully in the ring. And... If people were going to go, oh yeah, Mick Foley, he went up against Vader and Vader bloody ripped his ear off. Yeah. That that was not outside the realm of possibilities for young wrestling fans growing up hearing things on message boards and in autobiographies. And it kind of like, it worked out quite well for both guys. Like it worked out well for Vader as a heel character because he was supposed to be the scary monster heel. Worked out for Mick Foley because it made him seem like a total badass that he like survived the fight with the I mean, legend v- Mastodon. Visual reminder yeah. of how badass he is. So I can kind of see why it wasn't like overly corrected in people's minds of like, hey, no, 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 it wasn't Vader who did it. You know, it was an accident gone wrong. Because that's like, it's not very wrestling to be like, nah, nah, nah. That cool, exciting thing that you think happened. No, it was really boring and sad instead. I feel that this is a character that we're going to be looking at today where the idea of reputation in wrestling, both with colleagues in wrestling, as in, you know, the people who you wrestle with or the people who you could be paired up against in 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 a match but also amongst fans. And it goes both ways, because I do say there that my early memory of Vader was reading in Mick Foley's book about how he lost his ear. Yeah. And, you know, how scary that was. And, you know, also in that book, talking about the extreme physical liberties that Vader took with Mick Foley's blessing during their matches in WCW. But the first time I saw Vader on, you know, on my screen, I remember I was watching the King of the Ring 1998 pay-per-view with my cousin. And during a match involving Mark Henry... This big red man came tumbling down the ring to do a run-in and fell over as he was doing it. To which Jim Ross just went, it's Vader! And we laughed our socks off because who was this silly man in a mask? Why was he called Vader? We were Star Wars nerds. And me like, all right, man, what's what's going on here? Mm. That's kind of hokey. And like, I barely was able to put two and two together. Me like, wait, that's the same guy who was taking dudes' ears and, you know, brutalizing people. It's also this silly man. Because when I came interesting in 1998, Vader was someone who was presented not as a 
world-beating, scary, imposing, bully monster, he was treated kind of as a, a bit of a joke, as someone whose best days were behind him. How do you mean? As in, you'd have commentators talking openly about, can this guy get it together? Can he be motivated? Which Vader are we going to get? He lost pretty much every... The first 10 matches I saw of Vader when I was watching as a kid, he lost every single one of them. Aww. You know, And he was very much, I think, fell into that category of... When I was watching wrestling, it was the Attitude Era as a kid. This is new. Everything that came before it sucked. It was old. Oh, right. Yeah. Because he, was he technically part of the new generation or is he? I mean, he would, yeah, he would have been part of the new generation. He would have been part, you know, he was wrestling actively since the mid 80s. Wow. So, okay. you know, a long, lengthy career. He would have been in his 40s at that time. And I think if you were in your 40s in that period at that yeah. time, you know, and I was more than happy to be like, yeah, screw Hulk Hogan, screw Ric Flair, screw Macho Man, screw, screw like every legend in wrestling. Yeah. Because I like The Rock and Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin, actually. I'm eight. <laughs> so like, I, and you can like, if you go back and listen to the Attitude Era podcast, yeah. the show I do, like, you know, we start off that show and I'm like, you know, I'm still in kid mode there. Yeah. Vader's a joke as far as I'm concerned oh. at that point. So like... You've been on a journey. I've been on my own kind of 10-year journey with this character. You have to undo all the propaganda. Pretty much, like, because, you know, when you are a kid and you're in a culture that's geared towards hating big, fat, idiot losers. Right. And he's treated like a total joke like that. That's how I I perceived him. And uh, I'll tell you, folks, if you have any preconceived notions about the big man from the, the Rocky Mountains, all I can say is... Hopefully today's episode will will go a long way to show you the infinite layers there are so cool. to this character. I cannot think of someone we've done an episode on, Joe, where, you know, even at the extent where I thought I was very well read and knowledgeable about him, we have found out so, oh, much. Yeah, so much. And I want to say a huge shout out to all the people who tweeted yeah. in and helped out in the research for this episode. I am absolutely 100% on board with fans helping out as much as possible Mm -hmm. so we can share all these amazing stories that we're going to tell you here today. I find it really interesting that you say that like you and a lot of people kind of thought he was like a joke because literally I, I did not know that. I did not. I've completely managed to avoid any mention of that. I thought he was like known as this like monster legend. And honestly, when we were doing like research and stuff because we'll watch things on youtube like compilation videos or shoot interviews and stuff i saw a couple of videos recommended to us which was like vader's waste of a career and stuff and why vader was like a joke and i saw that and i was like huh, no one thinks that though do they like it completely passed me by yeah and, and again as it goes to say the, the talk of reputation this is this is a guy who's had you know maybe and, and as, as late as 2016 had had some interesting relationships with his reputation and the fans. He's someone who a lot of fans of, say, Japanese wrestling will look to and show you, here's the difference between uh, a company like New Japan Pro Wrestling and how they can introduce and preserve the mystique of a character and WWF, where it's like, what have you done for me recently? Yeah. Because we got another show to put on, and I want I, I want the top of the best of the best of all time. Mm. So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting old story. Leon White, the real shoot name of Vader from Colorado, he comes from the world of football, which I'm not sure how much of a surprise that would be for you to find yeah, out, Joe. Not a surprise at all. Yeah, so he would have been drafted into the Los Angeles Rams in the NFL. I don't believe he ever actually made it onto the football pitch for a pro game because he suffered an injury early on in his career. As far as I'm aware, I know nothing about American football, but I've heard that that's really common. Like yes, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of wrestlers actually who have like yeah. you know, been drafted 
and then not actually use. It seems to be what it's almost like wrestling itself, like WB wrestling yeah. itself, and that they hoard talent. Yes. And then, you know, there are only so many spaces available. Yeah, they're all knocking around in the NFL performance center, <laughs> yeah. you know, pitching ideas for their football character, <laughs> making mood boards and stuff like that. Sorry, we lost a layout from the WWE this week. It's We're been still it, feeling it. it's it's still feeling it's been tough. But yeah, he literally was a lad who was performing at a very high level in, in college athletics, full scholarship, all that jazz. You know, he was drafted to the NFL, doesn't make it into the big time. He has a really bad knee injury, but not the type of knee injury that's going to stop him from maybe stepping into the squared circle. And he literally has just a dude approach him from the AWA and be like, hey, you, you're a big man looking pretty impressive. Want to be a wrestler? Amazing. Now, we've had that a few times in episodes past. I'm like Kevin Nash as well, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. Does that happen still, I wonder? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, randos walk around and go, hey, you, become oh, a wrestler. <laughs> like that. No, I, I mean, maybe. I, maybe like local promotions and yeah. stuff, but I doubt. Al Snow's walking around in, a, yeah. in Kentucky going, hey, you, become a wrestler. You're pretty good. <laughs> but no, I think probably it's like, it's such a competitive, I think it's more competitive now than it would have been when Vader came up. Yeah. There's more people now desperate to get signed with a company and become a professional wrestler. I think it's more formalized as yeah. well. Do you know about WWE? They have that first in line program. Oh, is this to do with their sports team? So, so basically they have like this thing where you will still in the middle of your college career or whatever, yeah. they will get you put pen to paper, go right. You know, it's, it's almost like, I know like banks and financial institutions do this where they kind of headhunt while you're still in college and right. they go, right, we'll, you know, we'll give you a scholarship, finish off what you're doing here. But you signing a contract saying you, you're with us for the next three years minimum. So that's why currently in, in their performance center, they have a lot of people where it's like someone from gymnastics, someone yeah. from football, someone from basketball. I think it's really smart. Yeah. The thing is, though, is that, you know, like you're saying, the hoarding of talent, you probably, yeah. for every 10 people you sign, maybe one of them actually bears fruit. professional sports. Like, that's just how it is. Like, you are, you've got the best athletes in the world. Sadly, there aren't enough companies and promotions at yeah. the moment to hire them all i wish there were yeah well no i don't wish there were because there's enough, fucking wrestling. All, yeah. there's enough wrestling to watch as it is <laughs> so the name which trains young leon weiss in his early career this is a name which might be familiar to you he did pop up very recently over on the patreon page brad renegans from the awa okay yeah that sounds familiar so we did our super clash episode for oh, pay-per-view class e yes i think i really liked him yeah he was the guy who was like the former olympian yes i loved him and he had a really really kind of believable you know based in wrestling reality style let's just say that makes sense as well because does, he's yeah. quite a big guy himself and he moved I mean, he wasn't fast. tall but he was fucking yeah, like was, a boulder himself exactly, yeah. yeah and he he moved so quickly so yeah i think the uh, the kind of stiff style or whatever it is is definitely you know obviously the man is a physical beast vader you know yeah. 400 pounds for most of his career but also if you're trained in that way where you're kind of told from the get-go you're going to be special you're big you get special kind of attention and training and whatnot. So what kind of year is this that he would have been kind of signed and how old would he have been? 1984, okay. 85 thereabouts. He would have been like in his early 30s. So. Whoa, he was late then. So late enough, like, you know. What? That's crazy. Late 20s, early 30s thereabouts, yeah. Wow. Because like, the wrestling style he has, it's so, like, um, it's... It's high impact. It's high impact, but that's not what my point is. My point is is that it's really flippy. He does moonsaults and backflips and shit. Like, for a big guy, it's really surprising how 
he moves. I mean, you can often hear a stereotype, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know, a lot of previous episodes, it comes up very often where it's, even to this day, it's the big dude who was going to be a football star, an injury derails that, he comes into wrestling, and he's kind of protected and trained a certain way, and that's where you get your Mojo Rawleys and yeah. your Riddick Mosses and all that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but Vader definitely doesn't fit into that mold, because from a very, you know, AWA, which... That's a hotbed. You know, you're wor- working with people like Stan Henson from an early age. You know, uh, Nick Bockwinkel. You have Fern Gagne at the helm of that. The man who trained Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. Like, this is a place where wrestlers, wrestlers came yeah. to learn their craft. It's just like, where is he getting all these, like, backflip moves from? Because well, it's like, you don't do that in football. It's really interesting. His early career and some of the early names before he had the Vader gimmick... Oh, baby, these are names, if ever. Baby Bull. Baby Bull. Bull. Wait, sorry, he was called Baby, baby Bull. Baby Bull. Wow. Bull Power. <laughs> <laughs> but Baby Bull and Bull Power, not only was in the AWA, he was sent all over the world. He wrestled in Mexico very early in his career. Oh, maybe that's where he got that style So picking from. up a little bit there. Because, yeah, it's not going to be Brad Renegans, because, like, he's more of a technical wrestler. Yeah, he's more of a synthesis of all these styles he's yeah. picking up. And I think a lot of the, the greatest wrestlers are the people with the most interesting styles Definitely. for their time are the ones who travel around. Yeah, he was in Mexico from an early, early time in his career. He also, as well, and this is very interesting because it starts a bit of a trend in his career. This happens famously in Japan. We'll get to that in a second. But he wrestled a lot in Europe and oh. he wrestled in catch wrestling in Germany. And the gimmick they did when they brought him in was Otto Vance, who was the promoter and the legend who was the champion there for many, many, many years. It's a slightly false equivalence, but you could say he's like the Antonio Inoki or the the Hulk Hogan of that particular promotion. Mm. And Bull Power, Vader, he comes into that promotion and he wipes out the champion, the legend, in his first match. And he kicks his ass and he takes his title. And that's like this big thing that kind of defines his career in the early days, which is the man comes in. And he wipes the floor with the legend of legends in that particular promotion. Wow. So Mexico, AWA, and Europe. The guy's already got one hell of a footing in terms of a wrestling style. And is this like, would he have been sent to those places? Or yes. is this him being like, no, I want to go travel the world? It would have been, kind of, you know, at the point it would have been, you know, go over here for a bit, come back here for a bit. You know, it would have been encouraged that you go out and kind of try these Maybe. different styles. I do genuinely feel... That like current day athletes who are signed by companies, that's the thing they're kind of missing is yes. that learning of all the different styles, learning how yeah. to work. And I think that, that like, you know, I, I, I see what they were trying to do in WWE when, you know, Triple H is like, here's my plan. And he's like, here's the, the world covered in NXT oh, yeah. logos, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, NXT Brazil, you know, yeah. NXT El Salvador. Uh, NXT Peru. But the trouble is, like, I always thought his vision was always just, like, to put a performance centre, like, his style, like, Shawn Michaels, like, style of performance centre in all of those places, rather than using their existing trainers and talents and promotions to kind of use that to learn from. I mean, I know recently they said that, you know, AEW, they're officially linked up with RevPro, based here in the UK, and I think the idea that They've got a place in Mexico they're affiliated with, a place in Japan they're affiliated with, and now a place in the UK. And it's like, okay, now start sending people there for a couple of months at a time because I think all wrestlers could benefit from that, you know? Definitely. In terms of globalization, I'm for it for wrestling (laughs) in the first instance, absolutely. 
But it all comes together for this man who is still, by all means and accounts, an absolute rookie. He's a baby bull. He's a baby bull. When he's sent over to New Japan Pro Wrestling and he literally shows up there and he's like, I know very little about <laughs> about about wrestling. He's given a stack of tapes of Japanese wrestling matches to watch wow. so he knows the type of style that it's expected. But it's not just about the style that he's going to be doing in the ring. There is a gimmick on hand, Joe, for Leon White when he comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is where I take over the research. And in order to talk about Vader's gimmick, we actually have to go back a little bit because the gimmick that was given to him was originally intended for... A couple of other people. I've heard the Ultimate Warrior was Ultimate a name banged yeah. around. Sid as well, right? Yes. Psycho Sid. Psycho Sid, yeah. who was listed as a potential. And this, when we say the gimmick, the gimmick in question is Vader. Yeah. So the gimmick, as we said, is kind of like pre-built. But the reason they came up with this is so strange. So we don't talk much about New Japan on this podcast because we don't really know much about it. So yeah, we've done a bit here or there, you know. I asked a couple of friends of ours for help. For this research so i reached out to our friend todd who is a japanese translator reached out to our friend noah who knows loads about new japan he knows so much about wrestling in japan they named him after a japanese wrestling company <laughs> and we managed to find some stories and interviews of stuff that didn't really make its way over to the west because i know all i know like the, the way I always knew it was that he went there, they wanted to have this monster to come in immediately and feud with Antonio Inoki, who is like the legend of legends in Japan. To say he's the Hulk Hogan of New Japan is wrong. It's more like he's the Dwayne Johnson because he's like such a cultural icon, yeah, you know. It's hard to comprehend here because it just didn't happen for him in the West the way it happened for him in Japan. But, you know, a legend of legends, let's a legend just of say. Legends, yeah. Literally like mythological. But basically, so we Todd found this article written by journalist Tomoyuki Tagata. And according to this journalist, New Japan Pro Wrestling was going through a bit of a slump period at yeah. a time where wrestling kind of wasn't really as over as it was historically. Yeah. So Antonio Noki, who's kind of like, if I'm distilling it down to like the very basic description, he's the Vince McMahon of Japan. <laughs> in the, he's the Vince McMahon and the Dwayne Johnson at once. Yeah. And also the Hulk Hogan at once as and, well. And a lot of other guys as well. Like, and he's just as fucking crazy as all three of them combined. He's a very important and interesting man who we will absolutely do an episode on at some point. And yes, we'll be uh, reviewing the pay-per-view that's been put on in tribute to him, Wrestle Dream, which is coming to our Patreon in October. So, Enoki decided to try and, like, revitalize wrestling in Japan. He was like, oh, I'm going to bring in guys from outside the wrestling bubble to kind of work on our show, which is so clever. It's such so, a like, good idea. So, like, kind of other stars in, in the media in Japan, basically. Right, yeah. So, not just, like, other wrestlers or other athletes, even. Because like, they, they brought in a lot of too. MMA fighters and stuff yeah, and yeah, something yeah. he was big into doing. He yeah. brought in, like artists movie stars famous directors famous composers wow. he worked with one of the composers of sega yeah you you told me this because like every time i've watched new japan particularly from that period i'm always blown away by the music it's fantastic it's so good and when you told me that yeah oh by the way it's a legendary composer for sega and there's yeah. a list of all the games that you love that he's done the music for i was like absolutely mouth agape that he, is synergy I baby know. he basically <laughs> made like a super group of like all of the best creatives in japan that couldn't have been easy to do considering wrestling is already a quite a closed off business yeah. and wrestling in japan as well is like you know still to this day like you want to talk about kayfabe and mm. protecting the business in inverted commas they do it there to the nth degree they do but differently to in the west 
wrestling is seen as quite like a prestigious yes. uh, sports or yeah. art form. Like, there's a lot more wrestling fans in Japan than there are in the West. Yeah, because I think culturally, you know, after World War Two, I think we we mentioned way back in the Shinsuke episode mm-hmm. how wrestling became this huge part of the kind of the media diet mm. of, of most folks in Japan. So unlike here where it would be like, oh, if you're, you know, a wrestling company, you're like begging these talented movie <laughs> directors to like join you. And they're like, oh, that's a bit uncool. Please, Cindy Lauper, yeah. I'll mortgage my house yeah. if you do WrestleMania. It's kind of like the opposite <laughs> way around in Japan. Like these people, these like prolific, legendary creatives would have been wrestling fans themselves and desperate to work with New Japan because they love it as an art form. So Vader falls into this kind of renaissance of sorts then. Well, he will do, but we haven't gotten there yet. Basically, Anoki brought in all these people. One of the people he brought in was this legendary founder of a certain martial art called uh, Koneho. And together, Anoki and this guy came up with the concept of a character who was three meters tall he was um he's gonna be like the biggest highlight on television they were gonna like push their whole promotion around him it was gonna be entirely unique original character and they thought like oh this guy he's gonna be yeah he's gonna be huge and he's gonna be deep from like the mountains of china or the jungles of brazil they wanted a monster basically they literally wanted a sasquatch (laughs) anoki hired an expedition group to go and find the missing link. Stop. This is true. <laughs> they wanted to go find a Sasquatch and train him to become a wrestler. Yeah, he's already working up in Calgary, lads. You can't. He's under Stu Hart's porch. You're not allowed. <laughs> you're not allowed to take him. Because <laughs> this was uh, this was an Oki's idea. He didn't want a wrestler. To... He's not many three meter tall wrestlers. He wanted yeah. to hire a literal cryptid and train him what he needed to know. Next best thing, I guess, right? right? But of these many talented people who Noki hired and surrounded himself with, because he, he was a smart guy, obviously, one of them was the absolutely legendary manga artist called Go Nagai. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is, you know, the biggest name in manga. He's like the grandfather of manga. Have you, have you got some some titles, some names, or some some accomplishments for those who maybe aren't familiar with, with Go Nagai? He invented Cutie Honey, Mazinga Z, and Devil Man. Oh, wow. So they're all big names some of them are less big in the west but they're all huge huge massive important manga and he literally came up with genres entire genres as well he did he invented a lot of massive manga genres but the most important one because it's relevant to this is he invented the mecha genre the idea of like having a big robot monster with a a, a pilot inside the idea of a little guy inside a big monster that was gona guy's invention he created that big old genre it's huge massive yeah yeah so at the time Gona Guy was working on an anime series called Jushin Liger which... based on that's what because Jushin Thunder Liger similarly comes from this this world yes. of, of manga yeah so he eventually would take on that role that was from the anime okay and Antonio Noki saw this anime and was like that's so cool I want you to do that for us so he hired Gona Guy and while they were coming up with this idea of hiring an actual cryptid and setting up that expedition group and stuff, Gona Guy had a bit more of a sensible idea for this character. And he was like, okay, guys. How I about think, a human? Yeah. Might be hard to find a creature that we have no evidence exists. 
So he was like, why don't we like design one instead? Like, I'll, I'll make you this character. I'll design it from scratch because a real life giant probably doesn't exist yet. So we'll build one. So Gona Guy came up with the idea of a giant robot. Yes. With a wrestler piloting it from the inside. Who feels no pain. <laughs> <laughs> so he designed the character and the concept and everyone loved it and thought it was a much better idea than going to yeah. the jungles of Brazil. <laughs> and... You know, considering Gonagai invented the concept of an internally piloted mecha, this is pretty cool already that he's like designing a character like this for wrestling. Yeah. He's fucking badass. He wanted this character to be kind of influenced by sci-fi and folklore and all these different places of influence. So I think he was influenced by like the Terminator. He also took a bit of inspiration from his um, manga Violence Jack. And yeah, the idea was this character called the Devastator. The, the Devastator. The Devastator, the demon beast. And the concept for this character was absolutely massive. They wanted to market it as an anti-hero. And they were going to launch a live action movie. They were going to launch an anime. It was going to be like a big, like, multi-release, huge marketing thing, all tied around this character, which was going to then promote New Japan. In the end, because of budgets, probably because they spent all that money on the expedition, (laughs) (laughs) they ended up not having an actual giant robot. Figured. And instead they just went for, like, an upper body, like, robot head thing. Okay, so that's the famous Vader mask. And it's interesting, though, you mentioned those kind of inspirations because... I've seen over the years people say it is a direct inspiration of, like, Japanese folklore. And then, like, trying to look into that and be like, well, what Japanese folklore? And people be like, uh... <laughs> he, he said it was Japanese folklore. I've heard people literally say, oh, it's, it's literally meant to be Darth Vader, you know. Mm. that's Hence the name Vader. But it seems like it's definitely drawn in from all these various kind of very diffuse uh, influences it seems so gonagai was he wanted the character to feel futuristic but also ancient so he mm. did take influence from a few different places like sci-fi but also folklore the character vader bear in mind gonagai apparently wrote a manga for the character yeah no we had some some trouble trying to find yeah. this thing and again this is where like the kind of the mystery of the internet and kind of the lack of archiving of certain things but this isn't through lack of trying to find the actual manga. I don't think it is an actual full series as much as maybe it was a few pages in yeah. another kind of another book or whatever it is. But it was by Gonagai. Yeah. I've seen a, a very blurry scan. Of it is there. A couple of the pages. It mm. does exist somewhere and I wish I wish it made its way over here, but it's, it's really difficult to find this stuff. But in the manga, which is, as I said, written by Gonagai, Vader has this like very intricate backstory, which is influenced by apparently a Japanese folklore. Now, I think the truth is it's said to be influenced by Japanese folklore, and maybe there are elements of it that is it's not like an individual story but that you can not, point at. Yeah. yeah, I think instead it's Gonagai writing this story from scratch and then saying, "And this is influenced by our folklore," because it makes a good story to say that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny though. You you mentioned those kind of influences because I think when you first saw the Vader mask, that kind of outer mask. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's apparently meant, like, the bit I knew at the time before we did research was like, oh, that's, it's meant to be like a samurai thing. Yes. And it was like, really? Yes. And then you kind of have to kind of get your eye in because it is kind of a synthesis of the futuristic yeah. and the kind of traditional and all that. It is this huge, really ornate. It's ridiculous. With like, there's, there's gas that shoots out yeah. of it and there's tubes. It is absolutely intimidation in hat format. Absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned Darth Vader because, as you say, the the helmet that Vader wore, as in Big Van Vader, yeah. 
it does look like a samurai helmet if you kind of yeah you can get your the, eye kind in. of the war helmets yeah. that they would wear yeah darth vader's helmet was also inspired yes. by a samurai helmet and so, also inspired by you know japanese stories and whatnot yeah. as well yeah yeah so i wouldn't be at all surprised if it turned out that Big Van Vader's helmet was inspired a little bit by Darth Vader, or at least inspired by the same thing that yes. inspired Darth Vader. Can I just say, a amazing fucking job finding all this out because it is kind of you know a, a lot of the evidence for these things I've heard about Vader over the years can be traced down to someone saying they heard it in a Reddit post, and yeah, you find the Reddit post it's them saying they heard it in an interview which can't be found or whatever. But Wowser's trousers, in terms of you know getting the best person for the job you get like one of the grandfathers of manga and you get him to design you a wrestling character but that's all well and good like we've seen in you know plenty of times in wdf where there's been great characters designed finding the right guy to put in there though it's you you kind of want someone who is a blank slate i guess oh yeah absolutely. you know and i guess that's where leon white kind of was he had just enough physical prowess and an intimidation factor of looking the, the the part, but maybe he didn't have enough learned habits that you couldn't tell him this is who you're going to be now. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a guy now who has been given essentially the gimmick of gimmicks. Yeah. Because good lord, I mean, Vader is just visually an amazing look. You I, know, I can't. I like. I can't imagine. There's just no comparison to any other gimmick that's ever existed to this. Like, it would literally be like hiring Martin Scorsese to direct a cinematic wrestling match. Like, (laughs) that is how important this character gimmick is. I would really, really think that if you were WWE and you have... Because I know they do it. They they did that cool... You know, they've done a few animation things recently in some of the pay-per-views. But, like, man, you'd think you'd be seeking out... Those top minds and people who are creating characters. How's no? I mean, I'm no real fan of his comics to any degree. But how did no one in the '90s say, "Here, Todd McFarlane, design me a set of tights for my wrestler"? Like, you know. I suppose the difficulty is, is if they're not wrestling fans, you have to pay them more. I, I'm <laughs> guessing in Japan, when these people are already massive fans, they'd have like probably done it for a bit of a cheaper rate. In Japan, we get people who create entire genres of media, yeah. creating gimmicks. In the West, we had Kiss making the Kiss Demon for WCW. Yeah new year's special it's simply not on an even footing here but this is this is not just the idea and not just the right guy it's the execution you know he's been handed a stack of tapes been told this is the style that you're going to work you need to be physical you need to be imposing people need to be able to buy you as you know living up to the mystique of this this visual that we've given you he's a demon beast he's a demon beast so big van vader makes his debut taking on the legend antonio Inoki. And destroys this man who hasn't lost a match in probably nine years or thereabouts in two minutes. Wow. People were bawling, crying. There was apparently a riot. They weren't allowed to go back to Sumo Hall for like two years afterwards, I heard. So I actually have some more information about this. Please. Around the same period where Enoki's like revitalizing new japan he decided to turn his i think it's their weekly show called world pro wrestling he wanted to add an element of variety to it which we kind of have variety shows here in the west but it's much more of a thing in japan where you have a bit of comedy you have like all these other kind of 
elements to it, like skits and stuff. In 1987, the Japanese actor beat Takeshi Kitano. He was a part of this heel faction, basically, in New Japan. Well, he was involved in wrestling. Yeah, so you've obviously recognised the name. Yeah, of Yakuza 6. <laughs> of Yakuza 6 and, fame. And Battle Royale fame. Yeah, he's the teacher in Battle Royale. And, and he's Takeshi from Takeshi's Castle. He is Takeshi from Takeshi's Castle. Now, he's obviously a massive star in Japan and has been for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, way throughout the 80s. He's been a huge, one of the biggest name actors in the country. How many mortgages did Anoki have to take out in his house to get... You've got Takeshi, you've got you've got Gona Guy. Like, good lord. I know. So, Katano, he had this, as I said, this heel faction. And it was called the Takeshi Pro Wrestling Group, I believe. <laughs> and he basically as this heel manager was like, I'm going to bring in all these Americans and they're going to destroy you, Anoki. And kind of a bit like Kaufman, honestly, like similarities <laughs> there because he was just this Yeah, yeah this outsider. Yeah. Like, how dare he come in? Exactly. And it worked because a lot of the wrestling fans of Japan were genuinely like insulted by this because they realized that because he was an actor, just like we have today when actors get involved in wrestling, they were like, well, he's never going to be able to take a proper bump or do a match so what's the point of so this so he's going to bring in a bunch of foreigners to do his dream yeah. so are you telling me that he brought in vader in kayfabe yes <laughs> he brought in the big american gaijan heel i love that if you, if you manage to get to the end of takeshi's castle and you find you manage to shoot all the holes with your water pistols through all of the guards and then vader's hair going <laughs> and he squat that's why no one ever won takeshi's castle <laughs> But yeah, Vader was brought in as a secret member, kind of like a surprise. So Anoki had wow. this match with, I'm sorry, I forget the name. He had a match with someone. And then at the end of the match, Takeshi brought in Vader as like a surprise. You're going to fight this guy now. And the audience kind of saw it as a bit of a bait and switch right. they, with like with regards to the booking. They were annoyed because like they were like, well, he's just had this match. Oh, Anoki obviously okay. is known for, we haven't said this on this episode so far, but Anoki is known for kind of his shoot real life. Yeah, yeah. Like we talked about fighting. the Nakamura episode. He yeah. was part of the kind of synthesis of the the, the real the strong style, exactly. so to speak. So that, that, so Vader's squash against Sanoki came after he'd already had a match. After he'd already had a match, and ah. that's why there were riots because the it fans, the fans were like, "Yeah, it's it's unfair. <laughs> it's shit booking. Nothing's going to happen from this." It's honestly like a lot less outright like boo our fave lost than it's been made out over here in the West. Yeah. It was much more complicated and a much more like. I'm marky I guess like but the, you're, what it was was basically like Vader was coming in as this ultimate sign of disrespect yes. because he was crushing this guy he was yeah. coming from out of town with this celebrity my god that is that's that, and that just shows you again, like, because I mean, set in stone. That's 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 the Vader story. He came in, he squashed Anoki, yeah. and I, maybe it's just the nerd in me that's like, no one's mentioned a beat Takeshi's involved in that. That's I the know. most interesting part about it. I would love to learn more about the beat takeshi group because Heck i yes. can only imagine what other names he brought in well it's so funny because you know everyone always points you know we talked about in the bischoff episode you know the nwo was kind of a retread of an angle that had been done already in in japan and it's like well yeah it looks like the kind of the outsider group bringing in all yeah. these you know the the outsiders that's been going on for for even longer no. still wrestling history repeats itself again and again and again which is a but nice yeah. way of saying wrestling has no ideas <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just thought i'd mention that because it is if you look this up now 
you, all the evidence you find written in English is that, oh, Enoki lost and all his fans got really yes. upset. That's not really accurate. You know, happened. though, that is part of the legend and the hyperbole yeah. of Antonio Enoki, who isn't one to, you know, raise his eyebrow if someone's going to exaggerate some, a, yeah. a story about him being too beloved. <laughs> it would be more like if in ECW One Night Stand, John Cena had won and then the fans had actually rioted. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is amazing. That adds like an even more interesting wrinkle to like what I consider to be that talk about like a risk or whatever it is but you know you can only beat him after the big legendary winning streak once and the yeah. guy they did it with it's like he's been given all the responsibility in the world you've been given the fruits of all this creativity and you know don't fumble the ball but they had big plans with him because very shortly thereafter, Vader became the first ever Gaijin IWGP heavyweight champion. That's so cool. But of course, it's like, you know, if you haven't beat someone like that, you have to go all the way. And that it reminds me, I think the first show you and I ever watched together was when Brock Lesnar squashed John Cena out of nowhere. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, after that, Lesnar had this several year long run where he was, you know, absolutely indestructible. Vader was one of those original final bosses in wrestling right from the get-go yeah now most times we're talking about a guy who's been given everything in, in the hell and a handbasket and the moon and a stick in his first kind of couple of years that's a good that's a recipe for self-destruction usually in in the wrestling industry yeah i'm amazed that he kind of i don't know had the steady head on his shoulders not to let it all kind of blow up in his face i mean it's definitely a good thing it was leon allen white and not fucking ultimate warrior isn't it yeah or i mean or city jeez could you imagine that because like yeah the character of big van vader obviously i don't think it would have been as successful if it hadn't been leon white because he is such a talented wrestler but also you cannot deny the influence from a lot of like literally geniuses who contributed to that character yeah and the story as well that's it you can't really separate him from all of that work and i think he was very well aware of all of those influences if you look at interviews with him he's often talking about like all of the help that kind of promoted that first there, debut even though you know he, he's obviously he was a big star wrestler so there's always going to be ego involved in that equation you can't be a star without having that but there is kind of a certain humbleness i think that comes with him never shying away even when he went to other places and he got to continue being that character yeah. and i think that's just the way the word I used to describe what you've given us there, Joe, is this harmony. It's mm-hmm. all these very different parts from these different worlds all coming together and it making a legendary story. I just wish that we still had stuff like that happening now. It's it's such big big league concept, high yeah, concept. The absolute maximum of what we get is what maybe an actor getting involved maybe? in a dodgy spot, or maybe like a famous musician doing like the theme for a pay-per-view like i want to see them actually involved with like the gimmicks and not just actors and stuff like that like i want to see actual creatives like yeah amazing stuff like genuine like manga artists or like yeah illustrators yeah never mind writers. about protection the business if antonio and oki could do this in the 80s yeah. what the fuck is wrestling's excuse now in 2023 you know it's just oh yeah i don't know it's so cool so amazing! I, I, that, like that's already was, it was an amazing story as far as I was concerned going in, and now it feels like it's it's just even more interesting. Yeah. you know that's <laughs> so fucking cool. So we go into Vader's career in Japan, and the man is your absolute 
terrifying gaijin who's coming into the audience he's throwing chairs around people literally recoiling in fear from this man he would devastate wrestlers in the ring high impact moves vader was all about power 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 big suplexes big power bombs big throws his finisher the vader bomb where he bounces up and down in the ring and then just completely squashes someone it's so scary also i kind of want it to be done to me i mean you say that show i'm not gonna do the vader bomb on you because no you're the wrong shape though i want someone vader shapes to do it <laughs> and also the question as well is like where in the house would you do it you no, know exactly. we've not got we've got the setup for it no. So Vader was someone who kind of existed now in this world in Japan as this unstoppable force. But there were, of course, all these whispers that would come back to the West about all these legendary encounters that he was having. And, you know, we've talked, of course, in the past about how important the magazines were of, you know, the, the photos and the stories that being been told of what was happening, you know, far and abroad. Mm. And also tape trading, which was a huge way which the myth of many wrestlers came across to the West. And there was one match that we had to do for our first one here with How To Vader, which was the epitome of legendary tape trading status. And this is, of course, when the final indestructible boss of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Gaijin Big Van Vader, took on the Gaijin Super Final Cowboy boss of all Japan Pro Wrestling, Stan the Lariat Henson. And this match took place at New Japan Pro Wrestling in all Japan's 1990 crossover event, super fight and well we'll we'll talk about the match and you'll probably find out why it became so legendary stan henson did come up on a on an episode a couple of years back though joe i believe did he i know he's come up on a pay-per-view classic yeah we recently a pay-per-view classic with with super clash he <laughs> him and rick martell ran around a baseball stadium swinging a cowbell and making people go ah <laughs> but uh stan henson i think was in the jbl episode we're talking oh, about yeah. The big influence that he had in his career. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Stan Henson, how would you describe him? Just just physically, at a glance, what's a Stan Henson to you? Mm, he's kind of like if you combined Terry Funk and JBL <laughs> and made a scary cowboy. Yeah, and then you injected him with like venom that made him huge. Yeah. And mon- he is like, essentially, I think he's meant to be like kind of what a Japanese nightmare version of a man from the West is. Yeah. He's this giant cowboy yeah. with fucking chew dripping down his face, Ugh. swinging a bell and a rope around him with his big fucking cowboy boots. And he hits so hard that I think that even Vader was a bit nervous going into this one. The thing that always shocks me about Stan Henson is his hands. He's got the biggest hands I've ever seen. They're like big show sized. <laughs> he he's a scary imposing sight and i think the scariest thing about stan henson in this match is that when he comes to the ring he's smiling yeah because he's like i think genuinely excited about it and vader has talked in interviews about when he, when he was coming out one of the big things with that entrance was the big mask you know and you it would have the pyro coming out of it and, and all that and actually lifting it up one of the reasons why vader got the gimmick was that he's one of the few people who could physically carry that fucking thing he wanted it to be brought into the ring and put in the center and all the the smoke to go off that's the thing because this mask it's not like i'm always shocked by this mask because it's not like what you see in most wrestling gimmicks where it's just like you know a bit of bit of plastic you're talking about triple h is the terminator joe i wasn't actually but now you've mentioned it no just like in general like it doesn't make sense in wrestling to have 
masks which have like moving parts to them and well it's not really been done before or since no. so you know i'm and sure there's some examples but you can kind of see why because you'd have to hire gona guy back he's <laughs> pretty busy these days i got a bit obsessed with this helmet to be honest during our research because it's just like fucking wild like it's, it, it's it's a star in its own right it shoots out steam and the cool thing as well that he does is that you know sometimes he'll come into the ring and he'll hold it above his head or whatever it is which is a physical feat that yeah. uh, like that's incredible in its own right but what i love most is when vader puts the mask down in the ring and he'll do his little vader does this kind of like crab dance where he yeah. kind of shuffles around and stuff like that going oh yeah and this thing just starts going Sometimes he'd be wearing it and that would go off as well at the same time. It's always a spectacle. <laughs> so the original idea for the mask, as I said, Gona Guy's concept was that it was going to be a full body mecha suit <laughs> and with a, a small wrestler piloting it from the inside. <laughs> and then when they realised they couldn't do that, they were like, oh, no, we'll, we'll get a big guy. And Dream we'll... big guys, you know. Yeah, I love that Blue sky thinking right imagine? there. <laughs> even work would the wrestler then come out of the mecha suit and wrestle the match oh like, you've just spoiled Shane McMahon's return for Wrestlemania 40 <laughs> like <laughs> but yeah they they ended up shrinking the concept and making it just into this like shoulder mm. headpiece thing but some of the original concept they did keep so the fact that it's, it shoots out steam it's colored steam it actually shoots out cool I was really interested by the engineering of it and like how they because it doesn't seem to have anything inside. Are there any moving parts? Like, yeah. like so there are kind of there are. It has two CO2 tanks Jesus. inside, which heavy. is partly why it's so heavy. It has a motorized engine system at the back. That's how it shoots up the, the colored steam. Fucking hell. But it's that's not that's not all of it. There's more as well because it had like light up eyes as well or cool. something. I swear. And the thing I didn't realize is that it had a wireless microphone inside it. So Vader could talk to the audience over the intercom in the arena. Wow. And a wrestler called Black Cat had to remote control the helmet and the steam and everything and the lighting eyes. And he had to be at ringside incognito at every show. So Vader had no like agency over what the thing itself would actually right. do. That was it. So it was actually piloted by a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's so goddamn cool. Isn't it? And you know what is wild about that is that that is so toyetic. Isn't and it? Yes, it was ye I know they did finally release a Vader figure that had the big mask on it yeah. as part of the Mattel range or whatever it was. But like... They, Anoki, you could have made back then engineering funds very quickly if you were selling dolls of this thing. Someone, I did come across this fun little tidbit. Someone asked Vader once if he would ever consider selling the helmet because he still has it. He yeah. owned it his entire career. And he said he kept it in his basement and... If anyone ever was willing to pay $75,000, he would sell it to them. Okay. That was the asking price. Adjusted for inflation, I think that maybe now that's uh, the price probably yeah. went up now, I would think. So we've had many matches in, in recent memory that you have generously described as being chop matches. I submit to you that this is not a chop match, Vader versus Stan Henson. Mm. This is a womp match because these guys womp the ever-loving bejesus out of each other. And this is kind of an interesting back and forth here because you've got a guy in Vader who I think naturally does hit strong. Yeah. 
he's been told to lean into that because it's Japan and this mm. is the style that we want here in this he's organization. He's a monster heel. And he's a monster heel. Stan Henson, on the other hand, as well, has got exactly the same mindset. There's a long-running feud between All Japan and New Japan. Like, they are quite bitter rivals at this point for, you know, eyes for the audience, etc. So is this, like... Would this be an equivalent of like WWE and AEW? Kinda, yeah. Except they work uh, together. You know, I mean, they're they're putting on a big show together, but it's kind of like a, a big clash. So you've got the two kind of the two top Westerner dogs here, both kind of trying to make sure everyone knows that they're the biggest bull in these here woods. And Stan Henson's an interesting fellow, Joe, because I don't know if you know this about Stan. As strong and as stiff as he is in the ring, there's one thing that he has not got, and that's great eyesight. Yeah. And generally speaking, if you're a very strong individual in wrestling, being very short-sighted, and Stan can apparently literally not see three feet in front of him. I'm really surprised by this, because I would have assumed that wrestling is like driving a car, in that <laughs> you have to pass a basic like eye exam, or at least wear contacts if you're going to nah, wrestle. that's not what he does, you know. So what happens, and I mean early in this match, and the fact that I kept this secret from you, yeah. I, I was quite proud of that because I figured you would have come across your viewing at some point or another just from being on the internet. But Vader is stiff and Stan, and Stan stiff and Vader. And Vader thinks that Stan is maybe not taking him seriously, and Stan thinks that this young guy is maybe taking things a bit too far. And there's a couple of uh, ways which a receipt can be dealt out to let someone know when they're dishing out those potatoes to uh, slow it down a little bit. Sometimes you grab the guy and literally go, slow down. <laughs> and Stan's case, what he would like to do is just gently put his thumb on your eye and kind what? of go, yep, yep, back up there now. What the fuck? And in this case, Joe, the gentle thumb, kind of the depth perception of the moment gets away from... What happens to old Vader here, Joe? This happens in literally the first three minutes of the match. It's fucking wild. It's terrifying. I don't really quite figure out what was going on until you told me afterwards. Because Vader... He takes off his mask. I hate this mask, by the way. This first mask he oh, has. It's, it's, kind of, it's like a classic black wrestling mask. Yeah. Kind of like an executioner's hood, almost. Doesn't yeah. suit him at all. He suddenly takes that off. And he's, like, touching his eye. And then his eye starts to, like, swell up and swell up. And it looks like it's about to explode out of his head. It literally looks like he's got a giant marshmallow where his eye should be. I mean, it looks like he's in total recall. <laughs> He does. Like, it's, it looks like his eyes are about to explode. It's so scary. Yeah, so what he described it as being like was that he was in the middle of the match and he went, huh, the lights have went out. Oh. This is the Tokyo Dome. Why would they turn the lights off in this building with 60,000 people? No. And then literally feeling something wet on his cheek. So he went over into the corner. And look, we've had stories in the past of, you know, I remember Rob Van Dam and his eyelid nearly coming off oh. and... You know, countless stories. You know, Finn Balor, one of the first pay-per-views we ever did on our Patreon page, SummerSlam 2016, popping the shoulder back in the socket. Yeah. Vader takes the cake here. He goes into the corner of the ropes and he pops his own eye back in the socket. So his eye came out. His eye came out. Now, there's lots of different ways for eyes to come out. I hate that we're having to talk about this. Sometimes you can see a really hot babe and your eyes go like that and you become a wolf. It's awful. Because it's not like it came out and like fell into his hand. No, it's not like cactus's ear. And then he was like... (laughs) But it did come out, but it was still kind of attached. So he just put it back in. Yeah, it it was... It had come out of the socket. He put his thumb back on it. And what happened then basically was that the orbital bone had kind of almost given way. But his... He was like, I just let nature take over. I let nature take over. That's all I did. And the Nature's eye, beautiful. It's what it swells up so much yeah. that it 
keeps his eye back in place. Well, because otherwise it would just fallen out again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally uh... like self-preservation. Amazing thing, the human body. Now, normally speaking, if you had these two lads come in and they wrestled for like two minutes whomping each other and then an eye came out and the referee went, no eye, end the match. <laughs> Fans would be like, okay, that's a reasonable end to this match. Mm. I come to you now, Lister, and tell you that the eye nearly leaving his body causes Big Van Vader to go right up into third and fourth gear. Yep. The pace noticeably quickens yeah. after the eye nearly comes off. His eye is so fucked up throughout this match. And you can literally see it swell in size as the match progresses. And this is quite a long match. I didn't realise at the time how long this match I was. I mean, for a Stan Henson Vader match, it's literally ten times longer than you think it would be. Quite a long match, though, especially considering he... Like, his eye comes out in the first three minutes. And by the end of the match, his eye looks like John Cena's elbow when it got that big it's growth on it. nasty stuff here. Is there anyone you'd less like to be in the ring with when your eye is in a very tender state than a big, blind cowboy? Because he keeps working the eye! <laughs> he works he, the eye! He can leave it alone and be like, whoops. Fucked up that eye. And I, leave it alone. No, he's like, ah, let's rake the eye. Let's do those yeah, eye spots. Fucking starts pounding him in the face. Oh. like, And like Vader as well. At one point I thought, oh, Leon's pissed here. He's giving him loads of receipts. And it's it's not. His depth perception is so off yeah. now that he keeps going to do this like punch and he just fucking Misses, punches yeah. him full force in the side of the head. You can really tell because there's a moment where Vader jumps off the top rope. He you don't go on the top rope with one eye. <laughs> and he misses Stan by like a country mile. It's, it's it's bad, yeah. I'm really appreciative actually that the video we were watching had really it was really low quality, so yes. I couldn't see the eye too much. Yeah, it was I mean, this was something that I remember seeing on Ebound's world back in the day, where it's usually like, wrestler loses an eye, OMG, gross, you know, and uh, attributed to nobody. Uh, yeah, it was uh, something that was absolutely, like, I, I thought it was fake. When yeah. I first saw it, I was like, they've, they've done something here with, no, surely not, surely they're not going to have a whole wrestling match. This is the first time I saw the entirety of the match. Well, it's so gross, it does look fake. Yeah, it, it your your mind tells you that this isn't what would happen yeah. if an eye comes out. No. You wouldn't continue. And like, they do not pull their punches. They don't give you, uh, okay, someone's been hurt, so let's slow <laughs> it down. Grab. There's no holes been grabbed here by Stan Henson. No. They just go full force. And you can see in this match as well, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to show it to you early, is that even though he's been hurt badly... There is a pace that he keeps up, the way he runs the ropes. Like, there's one point where Stan goes to that big lariat, Vader ducks it and hits a drop kick, and that's oh, a 400-pound man flying in the air. It's a beautiful drop kick. I loved that. He's quite graceful. He is. For a literal bull of a man. I mean, yeah, he, he's graceful full stop, but then when you take his size into account, it's just, like, magical. So, yeah, he finally eats a lariat, the two of them tumble to the outside and just start having what could best be described as a very real fight in the stands. Can you imagine being in the stand? I'd be terrified. Eyes gonna last on you. Two blinded men <laughs> who can't fucking see brawling in the crowd. And Stan Hens is like, "You're like me now." <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so scared they were gonna like attack me or something. They now, can't see. They just brawl into the crowd. It's a countout. No one, I think, is clamoring for. A, a finisher woodman to go over it is oddly fitting and when you have this kind of like oh shit we're in an impossible situation we've got the 
the kind of the big scary ace from both companies against each other how are we going to work out easy have one guy nearly lose his eye for real and then have them fight and people will be like just happy it's over in the nicest way possible Mm -hmm. so spectacle out the wazoo is this one as an actual match i have to ask you now for a rating for stan henson versus vader it was really hard to rate this match because like it's hard not to just take into account the eye it's less of a match and more of an incident yeah i gave it three stars out of five just because it's fascinating i can't say if it's a good match or not because Mm. that eye is so distracting yeah but it's certainly i mean if you can stand to see a man get his eye taken out if you can stomach that do watch it because it is fascinating. I, I think it is, yeah, with the massive caveat of if you can stomach it. Yeah. It is definitely, you know, we've talked before, you know, our, our friend Matt Ricardo talking about the kind of the, uh, I don't know, whatever is the soul of the performer when it's like, you know, he, he would tell us stories about circus performers and trapeze artists who would, you know, die doing in the middle of their performance and all that. And there's something here about if this isn't going to stop you from giving your performance what will i'm kind of glad we're not in this era of mm. wrestling or entertainment because this was as close to watching gladiators fight in the coliseum <laughs> as professional wrestling i think yeah. has ever come to i certainly never want to see this in high definition so yeah he had to get a steel plate put into his eye socket to yeah. literally set the eye back in but he had slightly you know worse vision after that but he had no real long-lasting, like, you know, he wasn't, like, blinded by it. He, you know, he was, you know, we talked, you know, the Rob Van Dam episode with the problems he had with his eyes. Yeah. Vader, for the rest of his career in life, you know, he was fine for the most part. He was a lucky miss. I wonder if he was stupid, though, to continue the match. I mean, probably having Stan clubbing on your face. Yeah. Didn't do it any favours. I know he did lose partial vision in that eye i think he says he has he said he had 25 percent vision in that one eye oh really mm. so i think like it's part of me is like with stan beating up his face make his eyes swell up more and actually save his eye oh, in this case thanks stan you're so kind yeah, don't 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 quote me on that yes. <laughs> but i can just say we were putting together the tweet for this episode we like to think of emojis and i was like right i ear and like i was making a face at this point yeah. so i had to like dial it back a little bit and just put in a clock instead but this is attributed to him getting booked back west back in wcw but apparently that you know the, the tape made its way around and people like jim Cornette and jim ross had seen it what and like they thinking like I, I, what was there's a tough son of a bitch right there bitch and they weren't thinking oh great this guy's willing to lose an eye for wrestling let's I mean, hire him there is maybe he can do an eye spot like that every week there is a certain old school mentality that would look at that and kind of go that's a guy we want on our roster hmm. because he will absolutely give you the performance no matter what and he's tough yeah and that's this is back in the day where like toughness still i mean toughness still is a is a great boon to have in wrestling i think there are a lot of people and I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because like, I ain't no tough guy, but there's a lot of like, you know, kind of folks who got into wrestling not because of their sheer toughness, mm. but because their love of creativity and expression right. and, yeah. and the art form. Drama kids, as you've called them in the past. Yeah. But this was a time where toughness was king, particularly yeah. when you had that WCW booking committee that had Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Ole Anderson, Bill Watts. These are the type of names where it'd be like, I want the big man who nearly lost an eye in Japan to Stan Henson. Right. That's pretty funky. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it's in WCW that he does debut in like 1990 or thereabouts. He's used kind of seldomly. He's was managing to be in WCW and New Japan at the same time. He continues to keep the gimmick, right? The, yes. the Vader gimmick. So there is an interesting kind of wrinkle to this, which is the big Van Vader gimmick was the property of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. So New Japan was affiliated with WCW in the way that AEW is now. So he was allowed to continue using the gimmick and bring the mask and all that stuff over there. Okay. So it did get over quite, quite big. He then had to call himself slightly different variations on it when he worked elsewhere. Okay. Hence why in WWE he was just called Vader or oh. the man called Vader. And when he wrestled in the UWF, he was Super Vader. Right. But it's in WCW that the myth of him being the hard-hitting, hard-nosed, big bully in the woods really comes to the forefront. And I think there are a couple of stories that stuck out to me as a kid reading books from Mick Foley and hearing shoot interviews about stuff that this man had done. Vader paralyzed a jobber was the one I always heard. Oh, okay. Where he broke a man's back with a powerbomb. A guy mm. named Joe Thurman. Mm. Uh, so Vader, quite early into his run, became the, the WCW champion. And quite quickly after that, they had him do like handicap matches. Like they did with the Ryback, you know, where you have two guys trying to take him on at once. And he just picked up this like skinny dude, big powerbomb. You saw the clip, yeah. you know. Guy landed like high on his shoulders. Yeah, he landed all wrong. Now, he was torn up about this. Who? Vader. Va oh, Vader. You know, there's the story that he was apparently, you know, visited him in the hospital. He was crying, bawling his eyes out, thought that he had, you know, this kid wasn't going to be able to, to walk. Yeah. And the story has always been, he broke the guy's back. Yeah. But, you know, if you actually look into it and read up about it, the guy had a bad back sprain. Oh, okay. I think this is the case where, and this happens often in wrestling, where the story, which kind of fit the gimmick right. of the big scary bully in these here woods, is breaking people's backs, he's brutalizing the wrestlers, he's stiff, he's scary, he's mean. So maybe the story that he broke a jobber's back is kind of not quashed immediately. Yeah, because I remember looking up, it was a fair few weeks before we did this episode, but I got into my, we were talking to Adam and Billy about Vader and they were both like, oh yeah, you used to hate Vader. And I was like, really, did I? And apparently, I apparently I've said on some early episodes of this podcast that Vader was like very like he injury prone for other wrestlers, and he'd injure a lot of guys. Yeah, whatever the opposite of being injury prone yourself yeah, is, injuring you know. a lot of other guys. So I looked this up to see if that was even true that he was like at risk of injuring other people. And yeah, the only thing that came up was this jobber, which apparently he did briefly paralyze the guy, but like literally only for a few seconds, and then he was fine and he made a full recovery. Yeah, he he's you know he he was fine after the fact. Yeah. But it was kind of scary and maybe showing you, well, encouraging pure raw power constantly was maybe going to get them into trouble. And it's yeah. it's where you see matches with him with someone who's very willing to let him do anything. And I think what Adam and Billy were probably talking about was in the Mick Foley episode. I know I showed you a lot of the, the Cactus Jack Vader matches from his early time in WCW. Yeah. And like Cactus Jack was at the time was like, hey, you know, if I can put on a spectacle by being hurt, I know I can absorb it. Do your worst. Yeah. And I think Vader's worst was a lot worse than Mick Foley could anticipate. Yeah. I mean, we watched some of the matches again for when we were researching for this episode. There's times where he just grabs his face, literally grabs his nose and just goes, bam, 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 like in the corner, wailing away, smashing his face. I mean, the one that really stands out to me is in the Halloween Havoc match. It's like the kind of the Texas death match and he has mm. Cactus Jack up on his, on his back and his shoulders and yeah. he just kicks his legs back. 
and crushes him. And like, you know, this is a guy where his first match against Sting. Yeah. You know, at the end of that match and he gives him the Vader bomb, Sting looks down and one of his ribs is poking out of his fucking body. Christ. So I'd like to know your thoughts on this because we still live in an era where like, there's a lot of times we watch AEW shows and like, I don't think you and I are into that aspect of wrestling as much as other people are, where it's like, if it looks real, if it sounds real, if it seems real, if mm. you can see the welts and their chest is bleeding, it's better. It's That's what we want to see. I, I can watch those matches and get enjoyment out of them, but there are times where I get a bit squeamish. I just, I don't know. I think that this Vader shows you here there is an upper limit to being very stiff in the ring sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And it's a complicated one as well because I feel... Mick is partly to blame because you shouldn't really say to anyone, I think, as a wrestler, yeah, give me everything you've got. I can take it all. Because no, you can't. You're a human. Yeah, and and Vader is approaching superhuman in respect to what he can dish out. But I say, I think Vader, he is a victim of almost his own strength and Mm. didn't really realise how hard-hitting he was because he's already a hard-hitting guy but then if you tell this person oh yeah you can go hard on me he's like oh i can actually go hard on you well because his baseline is you yeah, know so much hard. higher than what normally is acceptable i mean there's the other way around it as well we had people tweeting us going say what you will about vader's style look at his matches he had with hulk hogan and wcw oh my god and like talk about making a guy work hard for his money they're so good because like, it's oh my like god. if you don't yeah. bring it in that match yeah. and so i guess the same way with brock lesnar in this day and age where it's like if you don't bring the physicality he expects you're either going to a, have a match that makes you look really shitty by comparison mm. or b you're going to miss an opportunity to have a great grand spectacle but it's it's a fine line, and it I think is, yeah. that and I, word reputation comes into it. Then I do feel in the instance of like that spot with Mick Foley where he lands on him, Vader should have been more careful. And like it's a bit of common sense. Like he's the guy on plays, both guys' on ends, both yeah. guys. But like Leon White, he's a very intelligent. was a very intelligent man. He's not stupid by any means, mm. and he should have been able to realize that if you land on someone's ribs like that when you're that much bigger than them, you're going to do damage. And I know Mick Foley said, "Oh, you can do whatever you like to me," but like I think. Every wrestler is aware of the fact that having to take time off work is bad. So, like, surely you don't want to hurt anyone to the point where they have to take a considerable amount of time off to recover. Well, it's funny you mention that. And here's another thing how the old reputation for, for, for Vader kind of worked maybe against him, but to someone else's benefit. He did have a match early in his run in WCW, which was the retirement match of Nikita Koloff, who would have been one of the great stars of Jim Crockett promotions in the in the mid-80s and whatnot. You know, one of Ric Flair's greatest rivals, Magnum TA's greatest rival, etc. And yeah, he had a match with Vader and afterwards it's like, oh yeah, he's a, he's been really badly hurt in the match and he has to, uh, has to uh, retire and cash out his Lloyds of London's insurance policy that's worth $3 million. And... Vader in some sheer interviews has all but intimated that that situation was his reputation being used against, you know, against the benchmark of like, look, I clearly got hurt. Look at this really, you know, vicious man I was in the ring with. I have to retire. I need my very, very lucrative payout that will no longer be available in a few years time once the insurance industry catches up to the wow. to the Wild West that is professional wrestling retirement. But yeah, he's kind of a little bit sore about the reputation in some respects. Oh, I bet. I mean, I think it's interesting when we were doing our research for this, it took us to the table for three on the WWE Network with Vader, DDP and Sting. 
And there was more than a little bit of gentle ribbon and joshing about Vader's reputation and then yeah. him being like, oh, yeah, you know, but when how come when I get stiffed, no one ever made a deal about that? How come when I get beat up, no one seems to uh, to bat an eyelid? And Sting's like, you broke my ribs in our first match, mate. You made them stick out of my fucking sides. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I can kind of see both sides of this. because yeah, <laughs> They're all chill about it, by the way. They but are. For the that, most part. In that wrestling way of like, <laughs> <laughs> But I can kind of see both sides because like, yeah. Vader's reputation probably did damage who would be willing to work with him. Yeah, and the fact, though, that his greatest rival in WCW, you could argue, is Sting. Right. And Sting would have been, you know, for his day, it's the pretty young new guy. Yeah. Great look. You know, he's been kind of learning on the job, so to speak. I feel like with people like that, you either get one of two types of wrestlers to work with them. You either get the guy who's like, right, I'm going to show you what this business is really like. <laughs> and then they like beat them up for real. Or you get the guys like Brett who's like, right, okay, he's green. I'm going to, you know, show him nicely how to work in the business. I'll be gentle with him. But Vader isn't either of those. He's just like accidentally too strong. Yeah, but I think the fact that him and Sting made made such great business together yeah. and had this great feud and like, you know, captured the imaginations. Like so many of the tweets that came in were specifically about Sting and Vader. Yeah. And I feel like if he was truly the reputation that he had and the myth that was around him, they wouldn't have put him next night or near Sting because Sting was like the crown jewel of the next guy and like yeah. the, the person they were building up to be the legend of the next 10 years. You're not going to put him in there with someone who they genuinely think is going to end his career. Yeah. Ribs sticking out in the first match notwithstanding. But that led us to a fantastic side route into the world of Turner Broadcast Media because there's only one way we can build up a strap match in Super Brawl 3 between the man called Vader and the icon Sting. And that is by taking a trip in a helicopter to the White Castle of Fear, brother. <laughs> uh, Joe, I want your experiences okay. in the White Castle of Fear. So the White Castle of Fear. First of all, is it actually a castle? I, th- I was under the impression it's more of a cave. Yeah, it felt like kind of a... I mean, you don't have to spelunk into a castle usually. Yeah. And there was there was definitely some spelunking. light spelunking going on yeah. here for sure. But there's this uh, like kind of evil layer uh, full of goth, hot goth babes. Yeah. So Vader, who seems to reside in his in his white castle of fear in the Rocky Mountains, has got kind of a menagerie of spandex lazy ladies who are all yep. like kind of. They're all in shaylonges yeah. and all kind of like, uh, like kind of napping constantly. And Sting comes in looking like Max Hedrum. <laughs> Can I say the the fit on Sting it's here? So good. That that beautiful leather suit. He's My a God, handsome man. Sting is the interceptor. He takes a <laughs> helicopter to the cave. And Vader is old school. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Kevin? He's old school. When he invites wrestlers to his lair, he writes it on a scroll. An actual <laughs> scroll. Come <laughs> to the White Castle of Fear. And yeah, as well as all these sexy goth babes lounging around, there's a big t- like table, like a banquet table full of delicious food. So he's he's feasting, obviously, here. Vader, oh yeah, he's eating you know? mutton leg, you know, all this stuff. He's got this beautiful it's not a robe what's it called that, that kind of robert baratheon vibe john snow you've got that big fur on you a pelt it's Is a pelt a, i don't know there's probably an actual name for it i like it a lot it suits yeah. the man very very well todd our friend who helped me translate some of these articles for vader's backstory had a theory that the white castle of fear might be takeshi's castle <laughs> 
child. Because Vader, you know, he would have lived at, to, you know, that's true. Alone, we're in, we're in kayfabe here in now, is what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I, I do like that in the White Castle of Fear, we've got food, we've got babes, yep. we've got a big banquet set up. Yep. We also have Harley Race. Oh, yeah, he's there. Harley Race, who is Vader's manager through a lot of his run as WCW champion, the former seven time world champion at that point. A very tough man indeed is Harley Race. And you thought Stan Henson's hands were big. Wait till you see handsome Harley. His hands are bigger than Vader's Huge, somehow. yeah. Ugh, he gives me the willies, Joe. <laughs> and Vader's like training Rocky style with Harley Race. And he's like doing these kind of like pu- punches to the air. To, no like, pain. Training montage. Did you notice with Vader that there was a lot of talk of pain? Yes. So Vader, well, no pain, isn't it? There's I feel no pain. Yeah. So he feels no pain. Yeah. And there's also Vader's pain game. Oh, what's that? So that that's a, this kind of metaphysical concept that Vader brings up throughout his career. It happens in Japan, happens in WCW, it even happens in WWF when he's facing off against Ken Shamrock. Vader's pain game is basically what you enter into if you have a match with Vader. Oh. And it's basically can you withstand the amount of pain that the man who feels no pain is going to put you through. It sounds like a really fun game show. <laughs> Welcome to Vader's pain game. Spin the wheel. Oh, it's landed on pain. <laughs> That's the deal you got to make yeah. when you spin the wheel. Every panel is pain. I do think it's quite amazing that we managed to get over in a business that was meant to be, in WCW at least, about believability yeah. that your top bad guy is like, I, I, I can't be hurt. Yeah. I feel no pain. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the great Mick Foley story that he told about when he was feuding with Vader and Vader was stood in the ring literally going, I feel no pain. I feel no man. I feel no pain. And Mick Foley hit him with a snow shovel and, and you know, not to make the situation any more scary when you have to hit Vader with a big snow shovel, Harley Race tells Mick Foley beforehand, if you don't hit him, I'm going to come back there and hit you. So Vader's there going, I feel no pain, I feel no pain. And Foley goes, wham, with the shovel. And he goes, whoa. <laughs> so the man does in fact feel pain. I do feel sorry for Vader in some instances at least. So uh, back to the White Castle of Fear then. These mm. uh, these ladies have got eyes for a man called Sting. I don't blame him. He's a sexy man. He is. He's, he's, he's also like got that flat top going for him. He's, he's got those shiny shades. <laughs> the flattest hair. Yeah, the <laughs> sexy goth babes are seducing Sting. This is obviously inspired now by like Dracula and stuff. And he's like, sorry baby, I don't care about that because I'm here for one reason only and that is to take on the man they call Vader, so stop trying to seduce me, baby. And they're like, come on, Sting, be evil with us. No, his Christian values don't allow it. There's some random guy with an eye patch. I don't know who he's supposed to be. So he, we've seen him before. Have we? Yeah, he was, if you remember the Jake Roberts episode, we had spin a wheel, make a deal, Sting. And right. that was a similar, like... <laughs> It's a similar one of these little videos that Turner made to hype up a wrestling pay-per-view. And uh, he's kind of a returning character from us. A little dude with an eye patch just going, yeah, it's Vader time. It's Vader time. (laughs) I mean, look, can I call this what it is? Because very often the White Castle of Fear has been listed on like the worst of wrestling. The the worst things that have ever been done. Mm. Sting even like name dropped it being like, you know, being silly on that table for three. He was like, what's the best thing I've ever done in my career? White Castle of Fear Vader, DDP right? He hadn't even seen it. Yeah, and he's like, bro, I don't even know what you're talking about. And like, can I just say, for nostalgia purposes alone, I'm all about this mid-90s WCW vibe. Oh, I love it. This White Castle of Fear was insane. It was hilarious. They have 
the strap match coming up, which is called the White Castle Fear strap match, and to build to it, they have a tug of war over the table that becomes an open flame. Yeah, I don't get that. And then the strap sets on fire and explodes. And the whole time Vader's just going, Now, I don't think they were in the same room at the same time for this. This was Move Over MCU, the uh, expanded WCW universe, was (laughs) pioneering these techniques. Yeah. Let me tell you, if you've just heard that the White Castle of Fear is something that's really crappy and shitty that happened in wrestling, but you've not actually watched it yourself... No description of it can do it justice, and no mocking of it can do it justice. <laughs> you need to go out of your way to watch it. You can only find a full version of it by going onto the network, and it's on it. We'll have it on the recommended bonus viewing. It's a particular episode of WCW Saturday Night. Ooh. The best thing about it is that A, it's set up by an extremely bemused Jim Ross, who's yeah. like, Well, folks, apparently. Sting got a scroll of some sort, and uh, we'll be we'll be going over to the helicopter pad now. Scrolls in wrestling, please. Please, yes. And the only way you could top this is the fact that it ends by then cutting back to a young Stephen Regal who's coming to the WCW. So young, so handsome. Oh, I can't believe I've seen the White Castle of Fear. I think I'll be getting the ticket right back to Blackpool after seeing that. It was quite. Quite intimidating, Tony Schiavone, if I'm quite honest with you. Part of my research for this episode was going through Vader's tweets. Oh yeah, a lot of feedback from the last few episodes about you doing the deep dives into the social media. (laughs) And I think Tommy Dreamer proved that it was definitely worth doing and the true crime aspect of the Doink episode. (laughs) So that's Joe, you're doing that from now on. If there's a social media presence, I'd like to see it here, please. So... I searched for like instances of White Castle of Fear and Vader and his son both talked about it quite a bit on the Twitter. <laughs> Some fans were like, oh, was the White Castle of Fear? Was that a work? Oh, sad. You know, because Vader in real life, Leon Allen White, he likes to visit the place where they filmed it quite a lot. It's a really nice <laughs> holiday destination. Thinking about the cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh no, so is that a work? It's not real. And Vader was like, no, the cave in the mountains with all the pretty girls, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> But the best thing I saw was actually from Vader and his son about what his son thought of the White Castle of Fear. Because his son was like seven at the time this was filmed. And you would see his son at like, you know, a lot of the Japanese shows that we watch and stuff like that. You know, his, his son is like a big part of his career. Like he, he follows them around the world a lot of the time, yeah. which I think is really cute. So cute. Yeah, apparently when his son, I think his son's called Jesse, when he saw the promo of the White Castle of Fear, he got really upset because he thought that his family had another home in the mountains. <laughs> There's all this banqueting going yeah, on. Yeah, that they hadn't taken him to yet. <laughs> when are you going to introduce me to Uncle Harley? And then, separately, he got upset because he was like, oh no, I'm going to have to change schools when we move to the White Castle of Fear. <laughs> oh man, the school district with the White Castle of Fear, my God, those are some hey. rotten, rotten results they got in their GCSEs. Great teachers though. Harley Race. Yeah. Hot goth babes. That's true, yeah. Guy with an eye patch. They're all here. <laughs> you learn how to spin a wheel and make a deal. Life skills is what yeah. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, big fan of the White Castle of Fear. I can only hope at some point in future a current mainstay wrestler will find themselves in the White Castle of Fear. That'd be great. I don't know why Cody Rhodes going to the White Castle of Fear seems very fitting. Wow. 
well. You know, he he would sell it. He put it over. Yeah, you know? I feel that's what we want. But what we'd get is Seth Rollins. The funny castle of laughs. <laughs> so this leads up to the White Castle of Fear strap match. Well, the full title, I believe, is the White Castle of Fear lights out leather strap match. Now, do you know what the lights out aspect means? No. So a lights out match in wrestling is when. The ensuing bout is going to be so hardcore and balls to the wall mm. that the athletic commission and the wrestling company themselves are washing their hands of it and saying it's not part of the show. They're just going to do it and we're going to keep the cameras rolling. And the way they would put this over back in the day, and Tony Khan has done this in AEW a few times, and I, I, I appreciate the gimmick where they literally will turn off the house lights and say, right, AEW is over, Super or Super Brawl 3 is over. The lights come back on. Now it's time for the strap match that we have nothing to do with. And whatever oh. happens, it's on their hands and on their heads, be it. We, we are washing our hands of this. But it is still on the show. Yes, it's still broadcast. But we turn the lights off so it's not part of the show. Yeah. Wink, wink. I, I think the lights actually being turned off and it being explained is important. Because I remember like in 2001, The Rock just randomly once was like, Booker T, you and me, lights out. And Paul Heyman on coverage is like, are you kidding me? A lights out match? And then they just had a match. And I was like, what's a lights out match? <laughs> different from a pitch black match. And different as well from wrestlers with gimmicks where the lights go out. Yes, and different from your eye coming out in the Tokyo Dome. That was right. a, the original lights out <laughs> match with Vader. Let me tell you, Big Van Vader coming out like he's the head of House Baratheon in that robe. Love that. The follow through. The direwolf fur coat. It's time, you shits. <laughs> Fantastic. The graphic informs us the match is non-sanctioned. And in this match, Vader has informed us that he feels no pain and he wants you to play his game. And the game in question is once again Vader's pain game. Was this Vader's pain game? This is all pay Vader's pain game. His career is Vader's pain game. Oh, okay, right. I don't like the rules of this match. I don't know if this is the classic for all strap matches. But I mean, this is the vintage strap match rules. I don't like it. I mean, you've, this is different now from a dog collar match. Yeah. And we have seen strap matches. I mean, we had one recently. Uh, we reviewed it with Ricky Starks and Brian Danielson. Yeah. That was just their joined up with the strap mm. and that's it a regular match but they're joined up that bit i don't mind it's the fact that to win they have to drag their opponent to each corner of the ring consecutively and you have to touch all four corners and that would be fine but the strap is really long and you can really literally long. have each guy standing at opposite ends of the ring and they'd be able to touch them both. I would love to see a version of a match like this where they both immediately like, <laughs> ding, 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 yeah, running around. They both touch them at the same time. Look, I'm all for silly rules in wrestling, but the one thing you can't be is vague. And yeah. when Jesse Ventura goes, and if the momentum is lost while they're taking their time touching the four corners, like momentum is lost. What? Like, is there a countdown if they get hit? If they do it at a decreased speed as the last one, what definition of momentum are we going with mm. here? It is all very silly. I will say to you, though, you pick this up immediately. I probably spent around 10 years watching strap matches before I was like, oh, yeah, they've like bunched it all up in their They're arms. They're just holding it. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hold all of the slack so there's it's a shorter strap now and pretend as though I can't reach. I hate that I how hate much that so did much. it take you out of the match a lot really yeah i think makes me think that they're stupid <laughs> like i think it would be funny to use that as a storytelling device for a character who is in kayfabe very thick <laughs> but it 
doesn't really make sense why both of these guys do it. I mean, one's a himbo and one's a big dumb bully, right? Mm. There, there you go. There's a, there's your caveman explanation as to what happened Except here. Harley Race being like, let go of the strap and then he can... <laughs> Shut up, Harley. Voice. I could do it on my own. I don't need you, old man. I love just the continuity and whatever it is about about nostalgia because this isn't my nostalgia i did not grow up with this yeah i came to this in the last 10 years if that right but tony shivani saying here comes a man called sting it's sting and us you know just watching a wrestling show where tony shivani was like it's sting it's so cool that's literally 30 years apart that's amazing but man i i know you've got kind of a hokey gimmick we're working against here but this is a fabulous dynamic with the big, strong, immovable object. And Sting, you know, he yeah, he's bunching up that that strap, but he's doing the panto, trying to pull, mm-hmm. and Vader's just going, oh, I'm too big and powerful for you to move <laughs> me. Like, anyone could see this and understand the story they're trying to tell immediately. Yeah. And I think if you can do that in a wrestling match where it's like, there's no description needed, the announcers don't even need to be there for you to know this is the story they're telling I mean, with their bodies. You can literally just look at a photograph of Sting and Vader and you can get the story straight away. Man, this is just a it's it's a it's two fabulous gimmicks. These are yeah. two cartoon character gimmicks. Yeah. And I will say as well, you found some of the WCW comics from back in the day as well for oh, around yeah, this time period. Really cool comics about Vader with his big Mastodon helmet. Yeah, Vader leaps off the page and right back onto it as well. It's yeah. just that type of a gimmick. I have been transfixed by Stinger's punches since at Wembley. You were like, look how he's doing it for the people at the back of yes, the arena there. Yeah. I really like the big wind-ups, he's, the big cells. He's just great. <laughs> Harley Race made me laugh big time when he, he walked over to the announcers and he banged on the table and he said, talk about pain. <laughs> and Tony Giovanni's okay. like, we will talk about pain. Don't worry, handsome Harley <laughs> Race. We will talk about pain. I really like Vader's selling. How does he sell that? Like, because I mean, a lot of the big guys will just kind of do that. Yeah. I'm gonna fall over. I feel like yeah, big guys they either like do the silly over the top. Whoa, I'm gonna fall over thing, or they undersell and they don't sell at all because they're like, right, well, I'm a big guy, I'm a monster heel or whatever, I can't sell. But he does sell, but he doesn't oversell. He sells just like effectively. He makes it count when he does. Yeah, you know, because uh, you know, Hogan has always said in interviews, he's like, "Hey, you know, when Hiro Matsuda trained me, he said you're a big man, brother. Never leave your feet. You know, you shouldn't be taking bumps." Mm. And like, look, not to to take away from the great training that Hulk Hogan got or whatever, but like, if Antonio Inoki was telling you to you're a giant and you're a monster and you're still bumping, yeah. then maybe you should as a giant and a monster still bump now and yeah. then. But every time he, he leaves his feet, it's a roar from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And you've got Sting there, which is, you know, the man knows when to turn and go, ow, yeah. and like just get everyone amped up. And it's that style of wrestling that I feel like this current generation, and it's not their fault, it's just what the audience expects now. Mm. I don't know if you can do something so simple and get a big audience to react in that way anymore. Yeah. I don't know if it's like just kind of the tastes of change or whatever. Sting can do it still because it's Sting, yeah. but I don't know if like a rando who's at, you know debuting can get that type of fire anymore. I feel it's maybe I'm wrong, but it feels to me like it's because of the characters that you don't get as simplified characters anymore. Everything's mm. a bit more complicated. Yeah, and... Everyone's kind of like a, an athlete hybrid. Yeah. You know, MMA superstar. Or you've got to learn my super complicated backstory on YouTube to really understand <laughs> what I'm going for here. So Vader does sell and 
boy does he ever when he gets hit with the strap a few times he is wincing in agony that is a dirty leather strap and then he goes tumbling over that top rope yeah and he comes up a second or two later and boy oh boy were we hitting the rewind button to find out what happened here i love this i'm getting so i've I've come such a long way i'm getting <laughs> so good at spotting gigging now because as soon <laughs> so when you say gigging can yeah. you explain what you mean there blading blading when he came out of the ring Harley Race scurried over towards him and started like touching him in a weird way. Now, I thought at the time, I was like, well, no way is he gigging Vader. Yeah, because A, the golden rule in wrestling is that if someone is going to be blading, it should be you yourself. Yeah. But he did it in a way where it's like, oh my God, my meal tickets just went over the top rope and landed on his head. I'm going to check on him to make sure he's okay. I thought what he was doing was he was going to like take out like a weapon or something or like give give a weapon to vader like some kind of foreign object or whatever yeah scheming of some sort (laughs) but instead when vader gets up he is covered in blood on his back he is lacerated sure enough if you watch it back you can see harley race just like slicing his back open with this little razor blade talk about a commitment to trying to get over the physicality I or whatever it is. love that so much. I think AEW should do a spot like that. You've, you've often talked though about like one of the things you didn't like about blading or, or people bleeding in wrestling is that they always just did it from one place. Yeah, from the face. It's from the face. You get a very, very red face and it keeps getting redder and redder and redder and then it stops. Yeah. But this, I mean, I know in the Sabu episode, you were like, yeah, he's bleeding from his arm. Like, yeah, yeah and he's gluing it shut afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but here it's just... Straight away, it's, it makes Sting seem like he is not just a pretty face. This yeah. guy has got oomph behind those whips when he's throwing that strap. And all of a sudden, Vader becomes this really kind of... You don't feel like kind of compassion for him because he's still fucking Vader. But there's this thrill. And it's something that you only get with very few guys in wrestling where it's like you think, shit, this guy might be able to be beaten now. Mm. He's suddenly vulnerable. Yeah. And it's exciting that the baby face might be able to make an inroad. I feel Vader is such a generous performer in that regard. Huh? I mean, he's getting someone caught up his back. I know. Like how it's many... Sca- and you could definitely tell as well, they cut way more than they need oh, to. Oh, yeah. Harley you know? Race has a strong hand. <laughs> like, yeah. He was pr- it looked like he was drawing on him. Hold still. <laughs> you know, he literally is trying to skin the man and tan his hide. Like. But, like, I feel there's so many big guys and just like top stars in general who like would, wouldn't want to put over someone else like that. And then to go so far as to let someone else like gig your back. You have no control over that. So you have this moment then where like Vader is like, you know, wincing in pain and in agony. There's blood dripping off of him. Sting, and this is something I did like about the gimmick, he starts touching the posts on the outside of the ring, oh, which I, like I thought that. was really but cool. It was also really stupid because he's like dragging Vader <laughs> along with him. It's like, come on, man, you are making this way more hard than it needs to be. Talk about making it more hard than it needs to be. Vader starts bumping like big time he's bumping more now that his back is cut oh yeah and landing on that back Leaving you know smears yeah there's big vader shaped blotches in the mat yeah. and on the ring apron on the outside is absolutely horrible so we head back into the ring and vader this is the first time we got to see it in our watching he hits the vader bomb which is as we said before where he bounces on the ring ropes and then he splashes you coming off the top but my god that old ass wcw ring that's been around since the olden days it literally shakes. It's like a trampoline. The squeaks from it. It's like. Yeah. 
like he feels like he's going to break the ring just mm-hmm. building his momentum there it was terrifying and he starts laying in them strap shots onto Sting yeah. and the only thing that took me out of this because I was like oh my god like like I often feel Sting's going to die oh no <laughs> Jesse Ventura who was basically asleep on commentary for this mm-hmm. whole match just randomly pipes up this is what you do to your kids Shivani and Tony's like uh, uh uh, Jesse, I'll have you know I don't whip my children with a giant leather strap. No, that's what you do. You do it all the time. I've seen it. Yikes. Why would you say that? Okay. It's a miracle he kept his job for another 12 months afterwards. Mm-hmm. He deadlifts Sting on his back up to that second rope. Yeah. And he does that big fucking Samoan drop off there. Absolutely terrifying. But the real thing that's always a guaranteed gasp fest in a Vader match if you go into that corner, and much like in that Stan Henson match, if he starts punching you, those punches are horrifying. Yeah. And Sting is getting clobbered every which way. But those punches are scary for a different reason, Joe. Not just because they're really, really sore, but because Vader has infamously, and I'm really serious when I tell you this, he's got smelly gloves. Oh no. I heard about his smelly singlet and I heard about his smelly mask. Those gloves are smelly too. So they? yeah, you're getting this fucking hard shot where he open hand slaps, goes boom, and it also leaves this taint on your face. Oh. I think everything about Vader that I've heard in terms of him being too brutal in the ring, there's so much hyperbole and myth and character and reputation, politics all mixed up in it. The one thing that is unquestionably true is that that man is fucking smelly in the ring. He always comes up as... if. Any wrestler gets interviewed. Type in smelly yeah. wrestler. Who's the smelliest wrestler? <laughs> Every wrestler from like 1990 all the way up to like 2014 is like, oh, Vader. Vader is the smelliest. Unquestionably Vader. Stinks. Really like, bad. We, you want to see a who's who of wrestling yeah. talking about people being smelly we had everyone from gerald briscoe being like well i heard big van vader was a particularly pungent individual and the descriptions of the smell as well it changes throughout his career sometimes he smells of shit sometimes he's described as smelling of vomit yeah vince russo was like bro he did not get over because he smelled of hot vomit he would walk by and you literally would think someone got sick on a human day in florida Bro, I'm telling you, he stank. He was really smelly. And like, you know, you've had these in-depth discussions of like, well, you know, what would happen is, you know, Jerry Lawler has this like 10-minute video where it's like, you know, Vader, he would sweat a lot in his match. And, you know, he'd have that smelly singlet and a smelly mask. And he'd just put it right in that gym bag and, you know, it would smell. And, you know, you'd ride in the car with him and say... Mm. You're, you're, you can come with me, but your bag can't because <laughs> it's so smell. I just feel like it's really disrespectful. That's the one thing about him that I think is unquestionably you 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 were unprofessional in that matter. That's it because I can't remember if it was Jerry Lawler or someone else, but someone was saying like you know in wrestling it's kind of like a given that before your match you have a shower. It was Aaron Anderson. You, that was it. And you, you, you brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Brush you know, your teeth, man. It's like basic respect for your opponent. That yeah. You smell okay because you are right, right up. up into their face, into their genitals, their you, ass. Imagine being in a headlock from Vader. Yeah. You're under his armpit and he's got his smelly mask and his smelly breath and his smelly glove. Every bit is smelly. Did Vader ever talk about the fact that he stank he's not spoken about it because he seems like a nice normal guy however 
the legend that I had heard in many a shoot interview back in the day was that Vader subscribed to this belief. I don't know if this is total bullshit or not, but there's a few lads in Japan who this believe this as well, where that if you washed your gear, it was bad luck. Oh, I have heard that. And I think that's in athletics as well. I've heard yeah. some other people, I'll never wash my jock strap because if I don't smell like day-old bread, oh. <laughs> 10 day-old bread, then there's not much point doing it. But this is to the point as well where like, Apparently he had a reputation of being really professional otherwise. Yeah, that's what's so confusing about it. He always would talk through your stuff in the back. If he wanted to leave it to be out in the ring, he was very fine with that as well. But he was one of the most prepared wrestlers. He would always be there ready to talk, you know, business and be professional. Just not down at the laundromat cleaning his fucking clothes. Mm. Awful, awful stuff. So yeah, Sting is bloody now. And he manages to German suplex Vader. And again, you talk about generosity there. Yeah. Like, you know, my God, not many big men in wrestling would let you go. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, use a smaller guy, throw me over your back like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another moment where Sting's trying to touch all the posts. And he, again, is such a himbo. He gets Vader on his back. Oh, he's a Vader backpack. And he's like, I'm going to carry him to every ring post. Like a really massive, scary Yoda. Put him <laughs> down, Sting. You're being ridiculous. So he's touching all them corners. The referee is down, though. And this is a really cool moment when the referee was down and Harley pulled the unconscious referee into Sting's path so that Sting, whose vision was obscured, tripped over the unconscious referee. But we have Vader then managed to take advantage. He hits those four corners instead. And the blood loss on Vader at this point, Mm -hmm. he's cut open on his back. He's cut open over his eye. And like I get the idea here. The bad guy has won the match in a screwy fashion. Stings the baby face. You got to get your heat back, you know, make sure the crowd knows you're a fighting guy or whatever it is. And he just lays into him in the corner. He whips him back and mm-hmm. forth over and over and over. It's one of the only times I've ever seen Sting and went, whoa, you're like literally taking liberties. Yeah. Did you know what happened to Vader here with this with his ear? He did tweet about this. I don't know if this is true, but he said that Sting, because as you said, Sting's bleeding at this point in the match. He's obviously gigged himself. Yeah, I, yeah. I spotted the moment where he did it as well. I'm getting so good at it now. See, you love blood wrestling when you're you're in yeah. control exactly. and you know what's happening. Yeah. So apparently after that, Sting didn't realise that he hadn't put the blade fully away. So he was still kind of in his fist. Oh. So when he was hitting Vader, he was actually like cutting him open. Right, because I thought, because he had, he had ruptured his eardrum here with yeah. this. And you could see he's bleeding from his ear. There's a lot of blood coming out of his ear. And yeah, it's it's gross. Yeah, it is. Um, It's quite the sight to see. And like Sting in defeat, it's one of those rare occasions where he seems like a much bigger deal having yeah. lost. Because his bloodthirsty quest. And like, it, this is what is so weird about this period of wrestling, and particularly WCW, is that you've got Eric Bischoff being like, well, folks, we've got a really great family-friendly show here. <laughs> Check out the White Castle of Fear brought to you from our friends at TCM. It's going to be really, really great. And then these lads have one of the bloodiest fights I have ever seen. It's so scary. The White Castle of Fear did not prepare me for the White Castle of Fear strap match. And then this, I thought, was... It was mind-blowing. You know, it really was. It, these lads were giving you pints of their blood. You want to talk about, like, physical sacrifice? Well, you could really write down very easily a bullet-point list of the physical sacrifice both men gave in this match. But, mm. you know, as Vader kind of sheepishly said in his, you know, table for three, it's like, yeah, we don't talk about, you know, me getting my eardrum ruptured or... That's you know. it. Like, Sting doesn't have a reputation for hitting people, like, hard. No, and this is... You, 
brazen sting yeah. went too like he's the guy who went too far here yeah. but if you have the reputation of going too far someone's going to preemptively go too far to make sure you don't go too far yeah and i think it is ultimately not a very healthy way for wrestling matches to be put together in this day and age i don't think oh no definitely this whole idea of like if someone hits you too hard you give them a receipt to let them know it's like you're just escalating things. That's not how we should do it. Yeah, tell tell the folks your great idea for if someone stiffs you in a wrestling match, what you should do, your your tailgating scenario. Yeah, so I think you should treat it like tailgating, or at least how <laughs> I was taught to deal with tailgating, which is if someone's tailgating you, you should go really slow to like kind of wind them up and show what they're being ridiculous. Slow down. So I think, yeah, if someone <laughs> hits you too hard, you should like go really soft <sighs> with them. Yeah. yeah, those PWG slow motion spots, they actually started <laughs> when Chuck Taylor, he just went into business for himself. They wanted to really teach him a lesson, you know, in a new kind of a way. Because otherwise, you're going to hit them hard. <laughs> they might not even realise that you hit them hard in the first place. So then they hit you back harder. And then suddenly you're just in a shoot fight. Yeah, I mean, if I was being hit by Vader, Stan Henson or Terry Funk, I certainly think hitting them back harder is not how I'm going to get out of that situation. No. For sure. But... White Castle of Fear, strap match, Joe, a spectacle. We had cinematic moments. We had multimedia. We had blood loss. We had all sorts in this one. So tell me, what did you get? What was your rating? What, how did you get on with this one? I liked this match. I didn't love it. I liked the blood, surprisingly. I like Sting. <laughs> you, I'm going to say you're not the woman I first met. You, I know. You certainly are not. I know. I've come a long way. You know loads more about wrestling now. That's, that's for sure. definitely true. <laughs> Yeah, I like Sting. I like Vader. I, there's just something about this match that didn't... I didn't love it. It's It's got to be the gimmick of it, right? What I think I maybe... I, the fact that from the get-go you had issue with the... You know, I have to okay, yeah. spool the fucking strap. That definitely did bother me. I think on some level as well, it just kind of like... Psychologically, maybe it didn't quite make sense. Like mm. why Sting was going so hard yeah. on Vader. Like Vader's supposed to be the monster from the lair yeah like sting like... was being seduced by sexy babes and he's like no don't you dare i'm gonna burst your eardrum for that like it doesn't make sense <laughs> no but i think he wanted to show a different side of him here and i think i don't know maybe know... if i'd swap some stuff around if, if sting had decided to blade himself earlier in the match maybe and mm. then in response vader had like whipped the shit out of sting like i just maybe some moving some stuff around narratively it just didn't quite make sense to me i feel like maybe i picked the wrong sting vader match because there were other oh. ones you know they, they like pretty much every time they had a match it was huge big business yeah. you know so maybe maybe, maybe. it was the, the wrong choice because that gimmick i think i ultimately i wanted to show you the white castle of fear yeah. this was a means to an end but give me your rating for us i gave it three out of five it's a solid fine match but i don't think i'd particularly go out of my way to watch it again it definitely dispels the myth that you know that vader was this kind of uncompromising guy in the ring because yeah. it's one of the most generous performances from a big man i think definitely. i've ever seen this yeah. one he really put sting over here so the downfall of vader in wcw he was you know pretty much set up as their as their ace like their top guy their final boss they made huge moments for him they made superstars like you know sting became a next level superstar because of his feud with vader ron simmons the first ever black world champion he defeated vader and that was like you know an insurmountable you know feat to overcome it made the moment even more special and tantalizing but when a certain man was making his way into the WCW at this time, a man by the name of Hulk Hogan, it all but spelled the end of Vader's time, it felt like, because mm. Hogan was coming in, Bischoff was going to be absolutely the man with the plan, and he had the vision. And I don't think Eric Bischoff's vision, if you go back and check out our episode, it didn't involve 
old school bloodletting Harley race cutting your back and eardrums been split open in the White Castle of Fear. Yeah. They were definitely going a different direction and one I don't think that Vader necessarily fit into. He's too good. I mean, even though I did appreciate people sending me tweets fantasy booking Vader and Goldberg versus the NWO. <laughs> yeah! So he did have his few matches with Hogan. It was built up at the time as being like, you know, Hogan's going to come in and face the best of the best. It's going to be like the match that no one can can predict what the outcome would be. But they did some screwy stuff like some DQs and stuff like that or Ric Flair doing run-ins. But ultimately, Hogan did get his wins over Vader. Even though they were matches that I think the clips we saw of them, it was a Hogan we were quite unfamiliar with. He, oh yeah, he was running. This was like Hogan in Japan almost. It was a different breed. I feel like if you show me one of these matches in the Hogan episode, I'd have had a slightly different opinion of him. But again, like, this is the type of thing where, like, you know, uh, these ma- were matches that I had quite a low opinion of because it was like, oh, he got kind of run out of the territory. But you know, he had great matches with yeah. Hogan. Some of the best of Hogan's career in the u.s unquestionably yeah vader definitely brought out the best in hogan so they started to tease around the time of his exit that maybe he was going to turn face to feud with the dungeon of doom and rick flair which is kind of an That's intriguing such a idea natural next step though isn't it yeah From, like, the white castle of fear to the dungeon of doom i mean the white castle of fear walked to the dungeon of doom yeah. could run brother that's all i can say about that <laughs> oh poor vader's kids gonna have to change schools again oh no the, the dungeon of doom school and the headmaster is the taskmaster Kevin Sullivan brother <laughs> but yeah what happened here was and I think it's kind of salient because we've talked a lot about you know AEW and parallels with this kind of old style of, of wrestling and trying to replicate that in, in modern times to, to various degrees of success but would you believe it Joe Vader's career in WCW came to a cataclysmic end because of a backstage fight oh so that's really surprising to me I didn't think he had any beef with anyone well, it's it's an interesting tale, and it's a tall tale as well, because there are, from my account, 27 different versions of what actually happened in this story. Oh, it's like AEW. V- very much so, except we didn't have Wembley footage to seal the deal and go, all right, you know. Is Leon White the CM Punk of yeah, yeah, exactly. generation? Yeah, he got in a fight, and then Eric Bischoff got trapped under some monitors going, let's fucking go. <laughs> I'd fucking love to see that. <laughs> I'd pay money to see Eric Bischoff trampled under monitors. More on that in our AEW all in and all out reviews available now on our patreon page but he was late for a show one day and he was late for a show because eric bischoff wanted him to do the photo shoot you know for you know the next set of trading cards and promo pictures and i was very gracious of vader to describe what this is like in an interview because people just never really go into detail about some of these things but he's like photo shoots fucking suck because you have to go there in your full gimmick yeah. and you have to get a pump on you have to get ready like you're, you're oh, you God, know you can't just go in and be like alright here I am you have yeah. to be like all vascular and like Absolutely, red and yeah. you're ready to fucking go so you have to go to this fucking studio you have to get into your gimmick you have Work to get out. all worked out yeah. you have to get a lot of pictures taken you have to you know, change outfits do different poses over and over and over again yeah. he says it's like it's really one of the worst things you can do tiring as tiring. well yeah. yeah particularly if you're you know, a big man as well it's, mm. it's even more sucky so He's doing this photo shoot and he says to Eric, look, I'm going to be late for the show. You need to tell the people down there at the show I'm going to be late. Right. And of course, all this I'll say is according to Vader, they didn't say, oh, you're going to be late, by the way. So Vader right. shows up to the show late. Eric and no Bischoff one... too busy drinking beers on his hog with Hogan. <laughs> yeah, he's riding down to spring break for yeah. hog wild, baby. So he shows up late to the show and the agent, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who 
from the name you could probably guess is an ex-wrestler mm. and has kind of a slight chip on his shoulder about certain people including Vader okay. and he's like you're you're late you're needed for, for pre-tapes you have to be doing interviews and apparently in front of everyone he curses out Vader tells him he's a fat fucking piece of shit oh, he's Jesus. fucking lazy he never does things on time he's a lazy. fucking diva he's a diva he's a prima donna all these fucking horrible things again this is from Vader's point of view what he says right, okay. and Vader it was very clear, apparently, to him when he signed with the company, there was only two people who he would answer to. And one was, like, Ted Turner and one was Eric Bischoff. Nobody right. else is my boss, okay. you know. So, like, you know, agents can't come up to me and tell me what to do. Right. Probably not a great situation to have in a backstage environment, mm. you know. Reminds me of certain recent situations where heads of talent relations aren't allowed to talk to certain members of the talent roster because yeah. they don't like them. Never works out well. So, Vader stews for a little bit. And he had a bit of a temper on him at that point in time. By his own admission, he was someone who would, you know, have had the odd drink after the show and you know, maybe was a little bit more hot-headed. And he walks over to Paul Orndorff and he smacks him right in the face. Whoa. Which Paul Orndorff takes as being a total cheap shot because, you know, you walk up to me after we've had an argument and you just fucking hit me out of the blue. Well, I don't understand how you can hit anyone and it not be a cheap shot. I know. Like, if, if unless... You know, whoever starts it usually can be construed as a cheap shot unless someone says, let's fight right yeah. now. Or like, you're going to hit me right now. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Round okay. one. Fight. <laughs> you know, it, it's generally it's a speaking a lot of consumed. words to say, I got hit. Yeah, I got hit. <laughs> cheap shot, brother. <laughs> All the different versions of this story. The version I heard was that this happened in the shower. Uh, uh... Kevin Nash uh, legendarily say we... Paul Orndorff with the fucking flip-flops on him with the toe gimmick, you know, and he beat the fucking shit out of Vader. Hang on, so if this happened in the shower, though, does that mean he was yelling at Vader in the shower? No, he was yelling at Vader, then he went to have a shower, and then Vader, then Vader went and he found him, hit him, the fight ensued. According okay. to Vader, yeah. the fight happened in an area near a tool shed what? where that if they hit, they continued fighting where they did, they would have fallen through where all these, like, sharp items were. And he's like, and honestly, brother, if we fell into that wall, I would have killed him and I'd be in jail right now because I would have murdered that man. It would have been manslaughter, you know, because he's like, <laughs> so, okay, there's one story. The other version of the story. I have no idea, sorry, that like, you know, next to the locker room and the showers, there's a tool shed. I know. Just there. Just there, backstage. Yeah. You know, you go backstage in these wrestling shows, there's all sorts, you yeah. know, there's all crazy, crazy characters the doing all sorts. in there. <laughs> so, the, the other story I heard was that apparently, like, you know, Vader got his shot in or whatever it was, and Paul Orndorff beat the fucking shit out of him. Okay. Uh, uh, Paul Orndorff, you know, he was had retired because of, like, nerve damage and stuff that he had. Like, his, mm. his hand was kind of, like, almost withered, so he oh, wow. starts kicking Vader. Yeah. And apparently he nearly bust up his own foot because he was doing it in fucking flip-flops. <laughs> so this, and then Vader claims that he grabbed him in a headlock and he pulled him to the ground. It was a big pull-apart brawl or whatever it was. Oh, wow, it is like AEW. It is very like AEW. So after the fact, Eric comes up to Vader and he's like, well, it's a bit of an incident yeah. and what we'd like you to do to make good in all this is we're going to dock you six months pay. <gasps> what? <laughs> Which, looking at the... Six months? The, looking at the... Uh, this, this has happened in wrestling. Wait till we get to the Batiste episode. Big fines happen in wrestling sometimes. But I feel there's a difference. I, I am aware of the Batista fine. Yeah. I think that's bullshit too. But I do think there's a big difference between a one-off big fine and, and garnishing your salary. That's like such a fucking seedy promoter shit of like, oh, yeah. you're still going to work for me for six more months, yeah. but I'm it, not going to pay it's you. It's basically oh, saying... Oh, also, I'm going to put you on the road a lot more now. It's basically saying, quit, motherfucker. That's yeah. what you're saying to him. That's awful. So that's around 400 grand at the time. You know, adjusted for inflation. That's, that's like in 1994, 1994 thereabouts 
that's a that's a lot of money and you're a top star and you're basically saying i'm going to take half your pay and again that's what that's what vader is saying you know i, love the idea I think well. that's all a lot of tall tales involved here <laughs> i know this isn't what happened but in my mind it's like eric bischoff like he's doing the finance and he's like oh, we're paying hogan a lot of money <laughs> is there any costs we can cut oh, i know why don't we like make out as though vader fucked up in a yeah. shoot fight well this is what happens when your salary's not covered by turner home video yeah. like hogan's was so yeah as a result of this he is basically he's out of wcw the way it ended up working out was that they actually went to court to kind of buy him out of his contract mm. and his contract was for like six or so years at that point he was meant wow. to be there for a long time so he got like a couple of million out of it in the oh, end good lad. but he would have made More. millions mm. you know if he'd stayed there so he's kind of he's left in a kind of a bad setup now because he had a nice situation as a kind of a top guy in wcw yeah working with hogan even if you're not on top you're going to make a lot of money that way mm. and now because of a stupid fucking fight he's out in his arse yeah i think it just goes to show that fights happen in wrestling shows yeah i think that is a given unless you have that extremely sanitized corporate environment that wwe have that i think only comes from decades of you know bureaucracy yeah and policy yeah like they've got binders full of yeah. shit about any incident <laughs> that could happen in any other wrestling company stuff like this is going to happen yeah. eventually it's how you handle it and i dare i say i don't think this was handled particularly well no. but you know the fact is that paul orndorff wined and dined on this story for years and everyone who said they saw us wined and dined for it for years pick a name who was there dave pencer tony shivani they've done a 20 minute segment on a podcast talking about what they saw right. what actually happened long story short there was a fight he lost someone wore flip-flops okay. <laughs> those are the guarantees that i can tell you definitely happened there okay. so vader has got an opportunity at this point and this is a little side venture we took into and we took a couple of extra days to do some watching he is offered an interesting opportunity there's a promotion there over in japan that wants to do something that's never been done before an actual legitimate worked shoot organization that has the backing of everyone from luthez billy robinson and some of the legends in japanese mma and mixed martial artists from all over the world and heavyweight boxers and wrestlers are all going to descend into the uwf to have a shoot fighting tournament literally blood sport with jean-claude van damme amazing now, what country did you say this was this is japan this is japan of course it's japan it's it's wild so is this anything to do with anoki because i know that's kind of his bag isn't it so as far as i know the uwf it was just greatly influenced by enoki's style you know, mm. and that desire to combine the real you know aspects of various fighting leagues with the kind of pageantry of wrestling. Right. So this has been presented to me, like, you know, I've, someone sent me links going, hey, this is a real fight that Vader had with this guy, Takada. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is it actually real? I did some research. It's like, no, it, they, they are worked. Oh, you know, it, so as, the outcome is predetermined. The outcome is predetermined, but they were encouraged and told to be as hard-hitting as you physically can be. This is meant to be a believable style, and there was, like, no room whatsoever in this world for anyone other than legitimate athletes so would it have been choreographed i mean to what, what do you mean by choreographed so in some wrestling matches not all obviously it's kind of like the big the main spots are kind of like predetermined and agreed upon beforehand like okay we're gonna do you know a big powerbomb moment at like five minutes in right I, I to the extent is i would think that it'll be like i'm gonna go in i'm gonna hit you then you're gonna hit me but like do they even then we'll do some that? submission if... stuff okay you know? right like 
I don't think anyone's going to be caught by entirely by surprise about things that they will do. Right. Like we watched this legendary match with Vader and Takata, and like you know, he power bomb, he scoop slams and power bombs this man over and over. Because I'm interested by this because in obviously in amateur wrestling, it's not predetermined or choreographed, but it's kind of like just the ebb and flow of like yeah. and that type of fight. Mm. So it's just like the the pacing of that fight will be determined by whatever position your body is in so that you can overcome your opponent at that particular moment. But if they're doing two different styles in this match, they can't really do that. So I mean it it feels like this is a beautiful synthesis because we watched this match with Vader and Takata and like Vader comes out in full Full Vader gear with the mask and everything, yeah. you know. In to, character. In like. character, doing the V signs and all that. And like this dude, Takata, who is the most legitimate shoot fighter I think I've ever seen in my life. And Vader clobbers the shit out of him. Yeah. This guy is going for these devastating arm bars. The torque and the contortion on all of the submissions that they do. Like, they're cranking this shit in. Like, yeah. this is as legitimate as you can get while still being predetermined is all right. i can say it's so interesting because at the start of this match you can see they both look terrified yeah i mean you would be oh you would be of course you would be i mean it's really 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 strong stuff like, even by yeah. vader's standards because he's doing these like slams where it's kind of like well it's not believable to pick someone up and slam him yeah. So he just kind of grabs him. He just fucks him on the ground as quickly as possible. And he does it over and over and over again. You know, I showed you this because I know one of your favorite matches of all time is Vader and Ken Shamrock. <laughs> and there are many, many echoes on that match from this match here and the right. stuff that was happening in the UWF. It is just pageantry enough that I wasn't like completely terrified. But while watching this match with you, there was this pervasive sense of... Oh, God, I hope everyone knows what they're getting into here. Yeah. Like, it was apprehension abounded in this match when we were watching it. I am amazed. I mean, I might be wrong. Maybe someone did get hurt, but I'm amazed no one got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was genuinely incredible. Yeah. It was breathtaking. It was around 15 or so minutes. The crowd were absolutely in the palm of their hands. There are moments when Vader does submissions where he just yeah. grabs his leg and he leans his entire weight I'll on tell it. You, I love seeing Vader do submissions. I don't I don't normally love submissions in wrestling. I you're, feel... all, you're always there like Stone Cold being like, yeah. tighten up that headlock. That's it. I've got <laughs> all my favorite wrestlers are kind of like the best of the best in terms of like submission wrestlers. Yes. Like Bret Hart and Ric Flair. Samoa and Joe. Samoa Joe. Yeah. So I, I do have like kind of unreasonable expectations, I think. But oh my god, Vader's submissions. There's I can't remember the name of the move, but he gets the guy on his front and he pulls his leg back and he puts all his weight. Oh, is that Achilles lock that he does? Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Now absolutely horrible. You and me, we like to do a bit of wrestling for fun. We sure do. And exercise. Don't do that move, Kevin, because you will not be able to walk anymore. I am so well aware of like the advantage that someone heavier or larger than you has in mm. a shoot fight or yeah. like, a, like a real play wrestling match or anything like that. Like, and just seeing Vader use that to his advantage. He is so big. He just covers the guy. And the fact that it translates so clearly to the audience, you know? Yeah. I like, you know, I think the UWF, like we, we, we barely cracked the door open and peered in to see what it was all about. This match, I think was, it was a really good advertisement i think for mm. the 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 kind of the the values of that promotion and what they were trying to achieve yeah there is kind of a never-ending pursuit of realism for some people in wrestling if you want to see it at its realist it's here you know i can't even begin to imagine the the injury rate 
the dropout rate, the people who kind of did it once and were like, all right, never, ever, yeah. ever again or whatever it is. Not for me, no thank you. But it is something straight out of a storyline in an arcade fighting game or something yeah. like that. No doubt part of the reason why Vader inspired so many video game characters in arcade fighting machines was partly because here you see it, it's not just for show. Vader is as legitimate as the kayfabe wants you to believe. Yeah. And when he wins this match and he gets two trophies <laughs> the biggest so check big. in the world the trophy is as big as he is it's massive i cannot imagine if the other guy had won i don't know how he would have lifted it up i know it's huge and he's there with his kids and he's like got luthez giving him a championship belt like i've never seen a look of pure undistilled pride in a wrestler <laughs> than vader there because when we saw him coming out i'm like Hope you don't fuck this up, big man, because you're dressed up like a fucking cartoon character and you're going into a real fight. Man, I'm sure they would have loved to see the silly cartoon character get his ass whipped. But he literally struck a blow for wrestling. And not many people go into the lion's den and go wrestling, you know? I also think it's really cool that he didn't do it as Leon White. It's Super Vader. As Vader, yeah. Yes! It's so cool. It's uncompromising. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm I'm a pro wrestler. I play a character. My character is going to do this real fight. That's so wrestling to me of like blurring the lines between what's real and what's not real. It made that Ken Shamrock fight seem all the more intriguing mm. yeah, we, 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 we watched it again of course yes I'm, like, I'm obsessed with that match Joe would watch that match like 10 times a week I think if it was my first was it my first ever 5 star match I can't I think, think it would have been it was, I, it's the one that I remember standing out as your favourite yeah. and has echoed throughout this podcast since but yeah it kind of added this extra layer of understanding Vader and I'm really glad that we checked it out because you know UWF from what I could tell changed the landscape in Japanese wrestling, which in turn changed the landscape across the rest of the world. It's where people like Minoru Suzuki first found themselves in wrestling was because of that. It was realizing a kind of a concept, again, a quite an out there concept from Inoki and making it a reality. No shortage of issues along the way, but like I I read on the Wikipedia that they were like, yeah, all Japan decided after UWF came around that there'll be no more disqualifications and no more countout finishes in their title matches because the bar had been raised for realism. They didn't want to go back to that old bag of hokey wrestling cliches. Was it for the better or not? I don't know, but it's fucking captivating. Watch it. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I can't say that it's good or I enjoyed it. Because it's weird in the way that all wrestling, when it tries to be real, is is a bit weird. It's it's kind of what I hoped MMA would be any time I turned on a UFC yeah. event back in the day. I hope it's as bombastic and as hard hitting and as action packed. They are working. Yes, they are. They're but selling as well. Like it's the the, the, the selling is is a lot more realism than I, yeah. I you know the, you have to sell because you were fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean it kind of reminded me of what I felt when I first started watching pro wrestling of like Mm. not really knowing what's real and what's not. And it's kind of like that dialed up to 10. I think you could show this to 10 different, extremely knowledgeable wrestling fans and they would all take away different degrees of what they think is, is legitimate and what's a fight or, or what's just purely, you know, make believe or whatever it is. But you know, if you want those lines to be blurred, there it is. And it's another cool thing about Vader is like, you feel like you had this big part of his career and then it stops and then he gets re-energized, reinvigorated. He goes somewhere else, has another run, stops, re-energized, reinvigorated. Because like, we're looking at this point now, we're coming to him being signed in the WWF. 
This is like early 1996 he's coming in thereabouts. Mm. And like, we're over 10 years from the start of his career. The man is like won multiple world titles all over the world Amazing. you know legitimate and i think as you were pointing out because there was like kind of a three to four year gap between every match that we watched yeah he ain't aging like a normal dude he looks exactly the same now okay i realize there's a certain advantage in being a, like a fat bald man yeah because you don't age in the same way like those those markers of aging don't really apply to you that's true you can't see the graying hair like you're not going to get wrinkles in the same way but he looks fantastic like all throughout it's like it fits his and also character. being in a mask as well that's is definitely going to help with and that it, also it fits his character so well because he is a cartoon monster mm. so it, you don't want to see him age that would be really kind of depressing to see the big van vader monster slowly shrink and get old yeah like, instead it's just like no he's just fucking huge he is all a constant the time. yeah you know but it's what's even more impressive is his wrestling style doesn't change no i mean this is the point you know we should mention when he's in wcw the man starts busting out moonsaults yeah. every other night that is incredible you There's know one clip we saw where he did like a backflip into the yeah ring. into the ring and landed on his feet <laughs> it's Good. It, it is that is what I what I like most in yeah. wrestling is seeing unanticipated athleticism. Yeah. If you're athletic and you do athletic stuff, cool. But if I expect you to be a literal mountain and you're moonsaulting and backflipping, yeah. there's a school of thought that says that's going to remove any value from your character. Why would you, you know, why would I want to see a big man do that? Jeez, why would I want to see a 450 yeah. pound man do a moonsault? Yeah, I, do, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's fucking awesome. So cool. And way more impressive. It's way more weight to carry around. Like, yeah. I can't fucking do a backflip and I'm like, me size. <laughs> like, I just, it's so much more impressive when you are 400 pounds carrying all that moment oh my god it's just the coolest thing ever it's so fucking cool so badass yeah I, the word moonsault always brings that impressive stuff like a terry funk doing a moonsault because he's so old it's so impressive yeah. you know vader doing a moonsault it's so impressive because he's so fucking big yes love it so he is being courted now by the world wrestling federation that's looking for a few monsters to fill out the roster during the new generation with old Shawn michaels and bret hart on top of things they need a couple of big names to come and maybe and shake things up he had a lot of people who were massive advocates for him uh, jim Cornette probably being chief amongst them who knew him from his time in wcw knew about his legitimacy in japan and all the things he had accomplished thinking you know you want to get over a hero baby face this is your monster right here and vader is one of the few people i think i have ever heard of getting courted by wwf and straight up saying Nah, that does nah, I don't like that. Because Vincent Mann didn't want Big Van Vader. He oh. didn't he didn't want that. He wanted the Mastodon. Oh right, yeah, because Vince loves coming up with his own ideas. And the word Mastodon has come up so many times in our podcast because yeah. it's it's one of Vince McMahon's, quite frankly, favourite words. Yeah, it is. What is a mastodon? A mastodon is, refers to someone that's part of that group of animals that like the woolly elephants and woolly mammoths. It's an extinct genus. Well, that seems kind of rude then in so concept. You're big, monstrous. Is he calling Vader old? I think he's saying he's like kind of from a bygone era okay, type of a cool. thing. It's but a cool sounding word. It's definitely a cool sounding word. I can it's see... It's a marketable word. Very marketable word. 
I can see though why Vader didn't want to change it. Yeah, because he's Vader. Because Vader, but also all his shit says Vader. The the credits that go into the making yeah. of the character. If like, you're given that, you you're don't give it up. Disrespect Gona Guy, the legend manga artist. Well, quite frankly, I've never really was a fan of uh, of mecha anime and uh, <laughs> manga and things of that nature. Quite frankly, uh, I didn't get into it until JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, Only really is overrated. Quite oh, frankly, all those sexy men. Uh, my gosh. <laughs> quite frankly, whoa. I could get Jotaro Kujo in the WBF. Well, I don't think there'll be a WWF anymore, quite frankly. I did hear that Vader apparently, because at the time, obviously, he didn't want to change the gimmick name. Mm. But after the fact, apparently, he kind of regretted yes. not going along with Vince's idea because he realized, I think, after the fact that Vince would much more likely push an original creation that he came up with. Yeah, and I think from the get-go, this is a period in time where like they needed stars, so he was going to come in anyway, I think. But you know, from the get-go, if you're saying no, you're going to get the classic WWF weird push. Yeah. As in the one where it's like, hey, all your accomplishments, everything you've done, the legend, the myth surrounding you, it's all there. But we'll see what we're... We're not really sure. Like They debuted him in the Royal Rumble. And they had all That's these, cool. they had all these videos of like him in the mountains going like, and like this. The White Castle of Fear. This monster is coming down from the Rocky Mountains. This Kodiak bear, and he's going to maul twenty nine other men and win the Royal Rumble. Now he was eliminated in the Royal Rumble by Shawn Michaels immediately. No, no. So that, no, like, that's his no, first night on the job. No, Kevin, no. That, that, like, that, no, please tell he, me that's not true. It's true. He did. He, not he, even he, like six guys teaming up. Yeah, he eliminate. eliminated like a couple of guys, like three or four guys, and Shawn Michaels eliminated him. No. The guy who you're bringing in to be the no. undefeatable monster to overcome, he overcomes him on the first night. I, I think mean, his <laughs> size alone means you have to have at least four guys team up to get rid of him. Well, is that old piece of shit Jim Cornette you know, very adequately put it? Well, hell, man, Frankenstein went over on a few villagers before he did the job, you know? <laughs> and you, you, you know, a monster is only as good as the, the story you tell surrounding him. Yeah. But one thing they did do is the night after this, and this was the first time ever in WWF where... An official, like the the president or the the, the general manager, or whatever, was beaten up because Vader came out. He had a match. He squashed Savio Vega, and then he beat up a referee, and then he beat up another referee. And I was like, oh my god, this this unhinged behemoth is destroying all the officials. And the president of the WWF, Gorilla Monsoon, came out and he's like, Big Van Vader, you need to stop what you're doing right now. And then Vader starts roughing up Gorilla Monsoon. Wow. We got to watch fucking 68 year old gorilla monsoon start laying in chops to vader <laughs> and there's the match i want to see but yeah. vader squashes gorilla monsoon and like you have his manager jim Cornette being like please no don't don't do it we're gonna lose our jobs and like the crowd is in this like absolute stunned silence because it's this beloved grandfather figure <laughs> who gets crushed like a bug and then they suspend vader for months on end he's gone then and they kind of he's in and he's out that's weird and again it's a push and it's a big story but it's weird right yeah you have him come in lose and then do something spectacular and then go away and then the first person he feuded with when he came back was 600 pound yokozuna okay but that's a that's a cool idea. Yeah. I like that as a matchup. Battle of the Kaijus. But like, why would you put him in with the only man on the roster who's bigger than him? Yeah. You know that's what I true. mean? I mean, I I put him with the smaller guys. I, I build up that of, that status. I agree, but I can kind of see the appeal because of the way Vader moves. Like Yokozuna mm. is an impressive wrestler, but he can't move the way Vader can. Certainly not at that point in his career now. No. Yeah. So. So I could kind of see it being like 
you know, oh, here are two big guys, but look at this big guy. He's like, you know, a mecha robot, see? <laughs> like, pretty cool, huh? Does steam-powered. steam come out yeah. of Yokozuna? Not literally. <laughs> so, yeah. So the idea was that coming into the summer, he was going to have a feud with the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, for that world title. They were going to fill out a big old stadium for SummerSlam. There was talk that Vader was promised when he came in, you're going to win the world title here. Mm. And he was very excited about that because that would mean he won the IWGP championship. He won the WCW world title. He won the international title in WCW. And he was going to be the WWF champion. That would be like a resume unparalleled at that point in wrestling. And it was going to be a couple of matches. And it turned out to only end up being like one match. Mm. And this is that match. It's Vader versus Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 1996 for the WWF World Championship. And 1996, cast your mind back to Shawn Michaels, HBK Part 1, that episode. Yeah, this is peak sexy Shawn. Peak sexy Shawn. Peak sexy boy Shawn. Yes, boy also toy. peak <laughs> dickhead Shawn Michaels as well. Why, why do you love Shawn Michaels for the folks who may have not seen this episode? The only ever two-parter How To Wrestling episode where we looked at... A, good Sean, yeah. inverted commas, and B, bad Sean, inverted commas. Do you know what? I think I love him the same reason I kind of have grown to love CM Punk. It's just like... You love the drama. I love the drama. <laughs> he's such a like, piece of shit, but he's so good. Yeah, good old Lord Almighty. I just can't make myself hate him. You know what this is? Real drugs. <laughs> Go cry me a river. <laughs> so, on paper, this for me, up and down is a dream match. Yeah. I mean, good Lord Almighty, mm. you're giving me the big fast man Vader and you're giving me probably the most athletic person to ever lace up a pair of boots yeah. in Shawn Michaels. And it's worth noting going into this that Vader said that this was probably one of the best matches he think he ever had in his career. Mm. And he also says that on record, he thinks Shawn Michaels is the greatest wrestler he's ever wrestled against. Wow. Which is high praise, which he did not get from Bret Hart. I think you were disappointed to find out the hitman's opinions on a on old Big Van Vader. I always love to use Bret as a kind of benchmark for wrestlers. He is he is the kind of icy core at the centre of your wrestling fandom. Because I really respect him as a worker. I don't always agree with him. But you know his point of view. But I understand his point of view. And yeah. he, I think like his priorities are kind of really good. Like he always like the reason he doesn't like Vader as a wrestler is he felt that he was disrespectful to his opponents in terms of like respecting their body right. and throwing his weight around a bit too much. He was mm. always a bit too stiff. And Brett has gone on the record to say that like, you know, compared to like Yokozuna or Bam Bam Bigelow. Guys who made their main meat and potatoes in the WWF, I should yeah. probably point out but as well. big guys, yeah. like equivalent size, if not larger than, than Vader himself. And Brett was like, oh no, those those guys were always, they were so delicate with us and mm. so respectful of like don't have the, protecting your body. You don't have the rap sheet that Leon does in terms yeah. of injuries that have accrued from other wrestlers you've been in the ring with. Yeah, I think Brett figured Vader worked too stiff, which is saying something because Brett Hart grew up being tortured by his father yeah. in the dungeon, like being put in stretches and stuff. It's It's an odd fit for the new generation because i think you know we've done a few new generation pay-per-views over on the patreon page for pay-per-view classic you know we, we've been there a lot for for goldust diesel razor ramon sean brett like there's a lot I love to, the new generation it's one of your favorites it i is, think yeah i think when you list the values of the new generation and what vader brings to a wrestling contest there's not a whole lot of crossover is that fair to say because he's mm. about hard hitting style believability yeah. 
Whereas the new generation is more about athleticism, flash, yeah. family friendly. Mm-hmm. The kind of stories that are emotive, yeah. not because someone has got their eardrum ruptured or their eye is hanging out <laughs> or they've removed someone's ear in a mm. match, for instance. It's it's usually a little bit more PG in a good way than that. Yeah. But I think it is a absolutely fantastic presentation here that Vader is like this outside force. That promo they do and you start on his face. I've been doing ambient Vader noises all week. Mm-hmm. Vader can make himself square. He can like sink his head into his body and just go. <laughs> I love him as a promo. Yeah, he's great. I am surprised that like, I don't know why I'm surprised, but he talks with this very kind of like weird voice. Like Aah. He puts it. Yeah, yeah. Because normally, Leon, why? Well, I've actually invested my money in some uh, real estate and uh, I'm very excited for the car park that'll be opening up in colorado there's another one opening in colorado springs uh i'm a very soft-spoken individual but when the man who feels no pain talks i feel no pain and i get it because i imagine in japan when he came up with the character it was a lot more fitting for his gimmick to speak like that yeah but personally i would have found his character a lot more scary if he'd spoken in his normal voice yeah you like the idea of the soft spoken big monster i love the idea of like a big scary looking monster who is very intelligent Mm. they've they've tried it a few times it's funny because you mentioned the comparison to like frankenstein and Mm. in frankenstein's monster he's actually he's very well read that's true yeah <laughs> so i really like the idea of this big scary monster guy who's like you know who, who can beat you in a verbal debate i'd love to know if anyone's got any other examples to add to this because i know like wwe they had like you know disgraced ex-wrestler lara sullivan his whole idea was that you know he was a very cerebral intelligent individual mm. you know that when he did his promos he was soft-spoken and he 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 knew about, and they did this also with a guy called Mike Knox, where they had the gimmick of he had studied human anatomy, so he knew the ways which he could use his body to hurt you. Mm. And it's, it always comes across sexy. Like, it's not meant yeah. to be that way. Oh, you I know? think it should be sexy. <laughs> but, What's the point of doing it if it's not sexy? All, look, all wrestling should be sexy. That's, that is, the, you heard it here first. Yeah. That is the, uh, that is, we're nailing that to the church doors right now. It doesn't have to be sexy to everyone, but it should always be sexy to, to someone. someone. Someone should be getting off at someone some point, right? Someone should always be getting off at any one time. <laughs> So yeah, Vader, not definitely not soft-spoken. I I was always intrigued that he almost always seems to have a manager with him to yeah. do a bit of the talking for him. I like him. that. Yeah, but I, I'd like, though, that he still has a few bits to say himself because that makes me think you don't have this manager because you can't talk. Yeah. It's part of the presentation as a whole. Uh, it's controversial for me, but I think I would have preferred if he didn't really talk. Yeah. I, I don't know, the way he talks, it's just like, I just feel like you should just be grunting and stuff and like saying hardly anything rather than... And what's the point of having a manager if you're then going to cut your own promos? Yeah. he's certainly not bad. He's no, good at no. cutting a promo. I like him. I like him a lot. But I just feel like for a character as iconic and cartoonish as that... Mm, I get you. doesn't need to talk. No, it definitely doesn't need it. But we have all these scary close-ups of him during the promo. And it's like, you know, you couldn't pick someone more far removed from his opponent, Shawn Michaels. It is a... Match made in heaven slash hell, all That's, rolled into one. Again, why I think Vader is so great in this era of the new generation wrestlers. Because, like, yeah, he does stick out. And that's why it's so cool. Like, characters like this should stand out. Yeah, I don't want to confuse them. anyone for anyone else. Yeah. You will never confuse this man for any other wrestler no. at any point in history. And because the new generation was so, as you say, like, 
family friendly. It's for the kids almost. That he is legitimately so scary. You tune in and you're a Shawn Michaels fan. You see this big red fucking bastard starting. Absolutely. You think of all the the women who are like throwing their underwear at Shawn Michaels. They're going to be booing the heck out of this guy. And they do. The heat he gets when he comes out is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, this is a big house that they've drawn here. Many of them paid. <laughs> <laughs> I love Vader just being this ornery fucking bull when he comes out. He comes around the ring. He picks up the stairs. And they're like, put that down. No, Ben. No. <laughs> he's just, he just kind of has this uncontrollable aspect. I love him having the manager... That is like Cornette has this kind of like vibe of like he's this kind of hapless idiot who doesn't realize his meal ticket it is way above his station. Reminds me of like the the circus ringmaster who has the lion <laughs> yes. and he doesn't realize that any <laughs> that lion can turn on him and eat his head. I absolutely love it. You got Vader straight away in the ring with Shawn Michaels and he didn't get the memo. Shawn don't like to be hit so hard, brother, but. He's just doing the Vader stuff straight away. He's hitting him hard. He's hitting him fast. I think that's his style. Like, it's how he was taught. Sean bites his tongue, gets through it, and we get some really interesting back and forth from these two. Sean, like, to gain his advantage on Vader, he does stuff like he starts sweeping the leg, he hits him low. Mm. He uses Vader's own momentum against him. There's kind of, like, more than just Sean has flips and flash here. He's got, like, kind of a brain to him. Which I don't think you necessarily get in many of Sean's matches around this time. Like, it's often about the performance. Here, it's about he's having to approach it from a different angle. It reminded me a lot of his match with Mankind. You know, Mm. where it's like, you can't just go and do your regular stuff, Sean. This is a different kind of cat. Makes this match really, really unique. I do like, as well, Shawn Michaels scaring Jim Cornette and making him run around the ring. I think Cornette is sweating more than either of the men in the match by (laughs) around the five-minute mark. But... You tell me you've got Shawn Michaels and you got Vader and it's a championship match, my mind would immediately go, okay, the big man's got to, you know, put the heat on him, slow it down. Ah, the heat and the pop. No. <laughs> Damn you, billions. The heat and the pop, huh? But no, I thought it'd be like, you know, you want to see Shawn do his flashy stuff, the big bullies here, squash him, keep him down, smother yeah. him. No, this is Shawn Michaels in the ring with anyone who's got a gas tank, it's fast. Yeah. They're against the ropes. They're doing move, move, I'm move, so move. I'm so glad as well, because I'd be really disappointed to see a match where Vader is kind of told to slow it down. Because like That's not him. Yeah, what's the fucking point of having someone like him? I would have thought Vince McMahon would be like, you're a big man, you're a mastodon. Mastodons don't run, pal. Yeah, they, still, flip. <laughs> they stand still and get encased in ice. Yeah. That's what I want. Like, fuck it, if you want that, hire someone who can't do the flips. Don't hire someone who can, and then like don't let them do it. And just at that moment where you think, oh, we're doing a Shawn Michaels match here. He dives over the top rope, Vader catches him in a powerbomb and just goes... This dude lets out Godzilla baddie grunts throughout his career, and I love it. I'm saying it now. He has the best grunts. You reckon? Full stop, I think, yeah. You're going to petition Adam to put him in the Grunt Hall of Fame, do you think? Get yeah. his own way. Is, is, has Adam seen much Vader? We saw a bit of Vader threat in 1997. Uh, yeah, and, yeah a, think, and a bit in the attitude as well. I think he puts The Undertaker to shame. Yeah, he's he's got load-bearing grunts as we like to say on the AE podcast and they're not repetitive grunts they're always different they're always context specific yeah they're definitely yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's when he's generating power to do yeah. something he reaches in deep and goes Bruh! absolutely adore it and Fla- sean is doing you know all of his twirls and his flips mm-hmm. and whatnot but it seems really fitting because you've got like when vader hits sean 
it's not like when Hulk Hogan hits Sean and like because when he hits him and he goes woo, it's like yeah, of course yeah, you're gonna spin out because he's big, exactly, and he's strong. big and he's really hard hitting and he's hitting him probably for real. Whereas Hogan, it's like a little dainty like Whoa. missing him by like three inches. <laughs> My favorite moment in commentary is he got Mister Perfect and he just casually goes. I was thinking of coming out of retirement, but after seeing Vader in here with Shauna, I think I'm going to leave it for a few years. <laughs> oh, man, though. Mr. Perfect Vader match would have been amazing. Yeah, because you know he would have done the perfect plex on yeah. him. He could have figured it out some way. Oh. I love how Vader does these moves as well, where he doesn't even move. Like, Sean will hit the ropes, and Vader just puts his arm out, and Sean flings into a mm. neck first. He flips around. Like, they give such a sense of weight and momentum to him. Mm. That's like, it's there anyway, but Sean's gussying it up. Mm. It, like, at this point in the match, we're in 10 minutes in or thereabouts. It feels like these two are, like, made for each other. Yeah. Like, they're making magic in the ring. It's, mm-hmm. it's honestly one of my fave matches, I think, yeah, this one. Yeah, so good. And then Sean goes up top. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you realize this is that... This such classic Shawn Michaels. You're having an all-timer. Yeah. And I think this moment here makes people remember this match as this is the match where this happens, as opposed to this is the one of the matches that Vader has multiple times said is one of the greatest of his career. So what happens with Sean here, Joe? I, this is, like, just so social michaels something switches in his brain and he decides you know he goes from performing amazingly and putting on one of the best matches of his career to he's fucking sulky now and he's throwing a little tantrum he goes up to the top rope to do a move to vader could do the elbow drop i think yeah and he misses and it's a jump he could have made i'm sure he could have made it he's made further jumps before it's fucking Shawn michaels of all people but he misses and then he like throws a little tantrum and he starts like yelling at Vader and kicking him in the head. Yeah, and when you say he misses, it's like he just stops doing the move. He's coming down for an elbow, then he just like lands on his feet yeah. and starts going, Move, fucking dumb shit, move. It's so strange. So apparently Vader was meant to roll out of the way and you know, Sean's meant to miss the as in land the elbow drop, go, wow, and then the next part of the match starts. Vader hadn't moved in time. Now, it would have been the end of the world if Sean hit an elbow drop on Vader there. Because right? he does like two others later in yeah. the match. The idea that Vader can absorb lots of your signature moves and still keep going is par for the course. Yeah. I think he was just literally, you know, a little bit out of time there, out of step, because they're going this is fast. It. Like, Sean takes it fucking personally or something. Like, And I swear in the episodes that we did on him, there's like a couple of different instances of him doing this stuff, type of stuff. Where oh, he yeah. Just, one tiny thing happens and he takes it way out of control. Yeah, he screams, move, 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 Invader. They tussle to the outside. And the... he is like kicking him in the head, like for yeah. real. And then they go to the outside. The cameraman has like a shot on Sean. And he starts fucking swiping at the cameraman. I love like... that. I love that so much. You baby face wish... champion who little kids love Joe. What I the know. fuck? He's an arsehole. I'm not saying it's right, but I do want that more in wrestling. How come we don't see that ever in wrestling except for when it's real? Of like wrestlers pushing the camera away. It's so cool. Expensive. I know, but they don't actually have to push them away. Just like put the hat. Like I think it was in a one of the matches we did earlier. It might have been the one with Harley Racing where he yeah yeah the camera. Yes, it it was actually when we were watching uh, Cactus Jack against Vader. Harley had the taser and he went yeah and he he, he wanted to see so he pushed the camera away. I love it. It's so effective. It reminds me of like reality TV or something like that. Well yeah this definitely reminds me because it was a meltdown mid-match. It's a bit strange. I couldn't believe it because they were making magic you know. I I just I've I've seen that happen a few times where I've seen bands I'm like 
you're all going well or whatever yeah. and like I've, I've seen like you know front man just immediately throw a tantrum out of nowhere because yeah. you know something in his end yeah. he can't hear it right or whatever and it's like fucking it's all ruined I'm like yeah. you were fine you are fine no one else cared but you Vader cried after this match mm. and look I, I know I'm fucking infantilizing the people all the time and all that jazz but it's like look if you brought this man to tears because what it is is when i saw this this reminded me of i used to work in uh, a tailor's when i was like 15 16 years old because i wanted to save up and get an ipod one i know very exciting indeed maybe i'll have enough left over to get a second controller for my gamecube (laughs) and one time the boss was having a bad day and he was the most lovely boss in the world he's really nice i've met tom birmingham yeah he there's a shout out for you there (laughs) if you're ever in mullingar a grand pair of trousers he'll give you it's lovely pay me cash in hand what oh a, good lad what a gent like you know like a, like a proper wrestling promoter <laughs> but one time he was having a bad day yeah and i forget what it was but it was like i had not done there was a, a, someone come into the shop and there was three members of staff and two of them were dealing with him so i just kind of stood there right and afterwards Ooh. he blew up he's like yeah. you stood there like a fucking idiot you should be doing something mm. and he pointed he's like look at all these suits over here they could all have been dusted down with the yeah. rollers why the fuck did you do-? and he just i think everyone who's worked in retail has all, experienced it's happened that. that yeah and it wasn't because of me it was he was having a bad day he took it out of me i was 15 and i went over and i dusted the suits yeah after that you always learn look busy yeah and i i certainly looked busy and i certainly learned how to pretend to dust suits and yeah. that time i was basically wiping my tears off the suits because mm. i was having a little cry it's not nice to be shouted out in front of co-workers oh, or to no. be told you're doing a bad job yeah and also like for it to be such a out of proportion reaction that's it like fine if you want to like tell him off a little bit like hey just so you know i'm disappointed in you and you shouldn't have done that but to like scream and yell it's just unnecessary and i think that's that's where sean was at here was like he just he blew up at him but for vader it's like you've got all the adrenaline you're in front of sixty thousand people it's the biggest match of your career at what point doing really well yeah yeah oh no it's it's like what oh there's nothing worse than the feeling of thinking everything is okay and immediately being confronted explosively with no it's been bad for ages Ah! you end up going back and your mind's racing like thinking of everything that happened and like did i do anything else wrong and you know what i thought at this point if i was vader like i'm like well he's fucking gonna check out now no 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 the big man gets motivated they go back in they start hitting stuff twice as hard they go at an even faster pace like this match still kicks ass and the fact that it's overshadowed by that very botchamania worthy moment Mm -hmm. it is kind of it's sad because it's a real I guess it kind of shows you like kind of he was on the back foot for most of his WWF run. Yeah. Because Sean's in Vince's ear and all of a sudden this guy who he's meant to have a three month feud with and give the belt to. No, no, no. This is when the discussions about bringing in Psycho Sid instead to drop the belt to start happening. Mm. They still have a great match. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of use of these kind of old timey, almost Dusty Rhodes like tactics of giving you false finishes because you have a count out on the outside and Vader wins by count out and Jim Cornette's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Shawn Michaels, you gutless coward, get back in and start this match again. And they go back in and we get another hot three minutes. It's weird though because they make out as though they continue the match because Sean wants it. But Sean's, Sean's throwing, like, fucking He's throwing fun. a little tantrum and stamping <laughs> his foot around. He not like, a good look. It just seems like he wants to go home. Yeah, because he does. The hero's return is definitely spoiled by the big ass tantrum that he is in the midst of, unquestionably. And then like, he goes up to the top rope again and he does the same spot as the one which apparently went wrong where yeah, Vader did the elbow roll. drop, yeah. And he 
leaps way further this time. Well, I'll tell you what. There's one way that Leon can give you a receipt and he doesn't stiff him. Instead, we get the covers with the armpit. Oh. One, two. Are you going to kick out into my oxter, do you? Malicious compliance. (laughs) The hot comeback. We get another elbow drop from even further away from before, for fuck's sake. And then the racket that Jim Cornette has at ringside comes into play and shades a sting at the end of that match where Vader's yeah. like, please leave me. Doom, 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 doom. Waffles him with that thing. And then to DQ, Shawn Michaels, you gutless cowards, do the match again. <laughs> and Vader's like, I don't want to be champion, Jimmy. I just want to go home. Yeah. So we got another do-over. Jim Cornette is literally blown up as well at this point. He is sweating buckets. He is out of breath doing this promo. We get the sunset flip. The crowd are hot as hell. The big sit-out from Vader misses. Sweet chin music. Vader kicks out. He goes for a moonsault. That misses. Move. <laughs> and then Sean does a moonsault. And mercifully, for everyone's peace of mind and well-being, this amazing troubled match ends. Mm. Out of pure drama, they made gold. Yeah. Speaking of AEW, like, you know, I I don't know what it was about this. I still loved it. It was weird, though, with the two false finishes. One false finish I can kind of get my head around, but two? The reason they were doing that was so that they could say, Vader had, you know, Vader beat Sean twice. He beat him by count-out. He beat him by disqualification. Right. He's got two wins over Shawn Michaels and Sean got a fluky little uh, moonsault okay. roll-up pin or whatever it is. You know, they're setting up for more matches that right, no, never no, happened, no. yeah. Sean's straight from here to Vince's office going, oh, I'm never working with that yeah. big smelly bastard again. I felt so bad for him. Yeah. But the fact that he could still take pride in that performance years mm. later, I thought was very, very notable. So when you say Vader cried... I'm guessing he didn't cry in the match. No, no, it's backstage, backstage. afterwards. Did, like, Sean continue to cuss him out or something? Or no, he just, like, was just sad about what happened. Back he, and had a little cry. I think he knew that everything got a bit fucked up for him, you Aww. know? It was fucked up. Yeah. It was really bad. But what was your rating for this one, then? I mean, can you... You're an empathetic person, Joe, I know. So I don't know if you can separate or man Vader crying from the sporting event that we just witnessed, but... I love the drama. <laughs> yes, you do. I do. And I You're a messy old podcaster, I am, aren't you? I'm messy. <laughs> <laughs> so my only issue with the drama is that it was just like kind of it was kind of blown out of proportion. Yes. There's no need for it. There's no need for it. And the match was really good anyway. I gave this four and a half stars out of five. Like it's it's so close to being a perfect match. Yeah. If all Sean had done was throw the camera around, you know, like push the camera out of his face and like kicked vader a bit but he's not meant to be this edgy baby face he's but meant he to be is, a wholesome though, that's just what he is, is. Yeah, yeah yeah and wrestling is just exaggerated mm. real people so i'm okay with that if he'd just done that it'd been fine it's all the weird stuff about the match finishing and then it's like oh but sean wants it to continue while sean is sulking and stamping his feet. that's where the, that's, that's where those weird. two parts really don't work together yeah yeah it just doesn't narratively make sense so that's like kind of why i knocked off like half a star but it's such a good match and i would love to watch it again honestly yeah the athleticism on display you know and the, the both men proving why they're great mm. because they worked so well with each other in spite of the clear lack of trust that was there yeah. on, on, on at least one party's part i i think it is really really one that people sleep on a little mm. bit you know yeah you can enjoy the drama it's still a really good match it's an amazing match you yeah. know and I, I would that's my one thing i never want great matches to be overshadowed by drama because mm. it's one thing about people talking about it on twitter in the in the moment 
But it's like, I feel like as the years have went on, this match doesn't get lifted up the way it should. Yeah. Because people are like, oh yeah, that's the one where he goes move. Mm. It's so much more than that, yeah. you know? But yeah, Vader, his career in WWF is definitely on the back foot even more so at this point. And it's not through a lack of plans and a lack of trying. You know, he is put into a feud with The Undertaker. You know, he's got Paul Bearer as a manager. He gets a few wins even over Undertaker. He is put into a tag team with Mick Foley where there's a little bit of a wink and a nod that these men have a history together. But it's really interesting because like on the house shows, he's wrestling like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, you know, big events. Mm. But on the TV shows themselves, he's very often the guy who starts taking the losses. He's kind of treated less and less seriously. A big thing happens in Vader's career where it is an absolute perfect encapsulation of old school wrestling ideology colliding into the reality of being an international company that's trying to work all these different markets and be a family-friendly show where we can make money everywhere in the world and Mm. maybe become publicly traded in a few years. They start doing these tours out in the Middle East. They did some shows in Dubai. They had all across Africa as well. They head into like South Africa. Kuwait is where they do a couple of shows as well. They even do like a tournament over there, the Kuwaiti Cup. And during this tour over there, they put two of their top stars who are going to be having a match at the big show in Kuwait onto morning television and The Undertaker the World Wrestling Federation champion and his opponent Big Van Vader are going to sit down and have a chat on Good Morning Kuwait and what happens after this is the stuff of legends Joe (laughs) you've got this uh, very normal looking sort of chat show this like nice respectable looking young man dressed in a suit kind of like michael parkinson vibes like you know serious interviewer yeah light light but serious yeah Yeah. but like respectable definitely and you've got undertaker there asleep (laughs) sitting down not moving i honestly you could tell me he was dead and i'd believe you i'm living the gimmick brother yeah (laughs) and at one point the interviewer mentions he goes well wrestling's fake isn't it because he has to he has to ask that this is the 90s when it's like that was the question question, yeah yeah. everyone has how many people on gmtv in the uk how many wrestlers had to look stony faced as dick and dom were like is it fake (laughs) is this fake is that gunge fake (laughs) (laughs) and the undertaker gives a very brief kind of answer of like no it's not fake quite diplomatic of him and then Vader's like, whoa, hang on a second. Don't move on. I haven't said my piece. This, this is where Joe fell in love with soft-spoken Vader, yeah. by the way. My, uh, my astute colleague over here. Yeah. Perhaps his opinion on things, or maybe that, but... I'm, I'm misaligned. With I'm my misaligned own. with my own values. Yeah. And He's oh boy. He's just so eloquent. He's so well-spoken. He's ready for this. Absolutely. But also not ready for this. And he gives an amazing answer as to why wrestling isn't fake and how the injuries are real. And, you know, he's it's a very convincing argument. I think he says his piece really well. Yeah, the, the main point he has is if wrestling was fake and so easy, why isn't everyone living this incredible lifestyle that I live? Yeah. The money I make, the places I go to, the traveling I do, the status that I have. Because he's, a, you know... Vader was the type of wrestler as well, by the way, folks, where it's like, you know, he had a rider. Vader had the fucking big Cadillac. He was the Bon Vivore after shows. He'd be going out for the big fucking meal, the good whiskey. You know, that that man knew how to live. He lived. He was a star 
because he lived like a star in his mind and that was part of being in wrestling for him that was the appeal but then he undoes everything he just said i mean he may as well have just gone and like decked the guy (laughs) for all the good it did because immediately after he says this very coherent arguments to why wrestling you know isn't fake which everyone myself included when i recap this in the edge of podcast we all missed that part of the story that he has this really well spoken yeah. little bit first and he could have just ended it there and the guy would have gone good point let's move on now but no instead he comes over and he grabs the guy by this tie and knocks the over the, the table yeah. this fake this fake and this he like fake. shakes him he's really aggressive and the poor guy is small he's not a large man anyway yeah and vader towers over him he's terrifying he looks so angry i never seen vader like that before yeah it is uh a bit of the old school that was absolutely not required now behind the scenes here the legend was was that they were told by the agents going in a they're gonna ask you about being you know fake phony wrestlers right and b we're selling tickets for this big show in kuwait so ham it up yeah be larger than life characters which is just enough plausible deniability between vince mcmahon bruce pritchard etc and you know vader doing what he was in his mind told to do yeah so the legend of this is then that it's an international incident they take vader's passport away from him he is held captive in kuwait which a lot of people took to mean as vader's rotting away in a kuwaiti jail wow and the other legend as well is that apparently like the justice department were approached like can you send in like some commandos to like (laughs) Like how, how viable is this to rescue like, Bill Clinton's like oh. can, can we save Big Van Vader is it possible Anoki had an expedition party <laughs> ready to go to find yeah. the original Vader why not send them they've got all the skills and, the, and tools the, for the job the greatest minds the reality was was that Vader had to stay in a nice hotel in Kuwait for two weeks oh. while, while, while the diplomats figured it all out yeah all the while, back home in America on Monday Night Raw, we were getting live updates of Vader with jail graphics over while Jim Ross is like, this man embarrassed the World Wrestling Federation. I know the question. I disagree with the question. But he handled himself like a fool. He's a bully. He's an idiot. He shouldn't have a job. And like behind the scenes, Jim Ross was, let's just say, not his biggest backer. And I can see why, because I imagine it must have been difficult for Jim Ross to... I mean, that's the international incident right there, folks. You not know. just that, but also, like, Vader's wrestling style, because mm. he is so hard-hitting. It's a difficult... Jim's the person who has to kind of, like, yeah. deal with the politics of that. It's a difficult talent to be the head of relations with, let's just yeah, say. Yeah, when your job is convincing people to wrestle him, it's, yeah, yeah hard. <laughs> so, you know, they're hamming it up on, on commentary, and they're, you know, saying, oh, this guy's an idiot, and all that. When Vader is brought back, they literally, you know, have his Titan trying to be like, Vader, bully, and they, like, show clips of him on Good Morning Kuwait. I showed you the the interview where JR is like, I'm gonna go give this big idiot a piece of my man, and he just dresses him down in the ring, and he's mm. like, why are you so stupid? Why'd you do that? You're you're an embarrassment. And Vader's like, you know, squaring up to him. Jim Ross is like backing down and all. He's like, you're stupid. You're an embarrassment. I feel that did a lot. There's a way that could have built mystique, Mm. which the man already had in in bucket loads. I felt it made him kind of look foolish. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're having someone say, you are a fool. And that guy is like, it's the announcer. Mm. You're an idiot. Now it goes further beyond the scenes as well, because... I can't remember what episode it was, but we did talk before about how the WWF at that time sent a few of its wrestlers to a, f- 
I hate the term. It's what they used at the time. I don't think it would fly in modern times, but a fat farm. It was a oh, study in right. weight loss that they were doing. And I think it was at Stanford University and they wanted high profile athletes to be like, hey, we're going to like, you know, give you new techniques for, for, for your weight loss and, you know, how to be in better shape, be better athletes, more longevity. Because JR was making the point that this guy is like putting on weight. He's getting older. He's already unsafe. He will become more unsafe we've paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars we've made an investment i'm not going to be here saying this guy's you know dead in four years because he couldn't look after himself mm. because vader as we said lived the life yeah the downside of this though is that yokozuna for instance was like the lad who was like breaking out of this place and going to like you know get mcdonald's and <laughs> you know, they tried to wire his jaw shut and stuff like you know all these types of things were being threatened and pulled over his head vader on the meanwhile he did get on with the program but as a result of this, and this, you know, let's call it what it was. It's, you know, 1997 or thereabouts, mm. and it's new techniques. It's crash dieting. Oh, no. And yeah, Vader, they wanted him to be under 350 pounds. That's dangerous, surely, to it's lose that lot. much weight in that short amount of time. Well, as a result, yeah, he came back. But his right. blood pressure was through the roof, apparently. Oh, Because no. when you lose that much weight in that amount of time, and you're still doing all that stuff, you know, and yeah. he's still, you know, hey, I'm going to have my, you know, my fun times of the weekend or whatever yeah. it is. And, like, a lot of people could easily point the finger and go, that's a bad way to be living and all that. But, like, ain't no stories about Vader being hooked on painkillers, you know? And, like, if your vice is that you like to have a nice meal on the weekend or, you know, live well or whatever is in your mind, I think this is an exact case of trying to help, doing more harm than good, and ultimately telling us, the audience this guy's no good. I don't understand why they need to tell the audience it at all. It It's... It seems to really be detrimental to all of the characters and their gimmicks. I hate it. I absolutely hate it because it's the head of talent relations basically being a bully. Yeah. You're telling the audience, this guy who's heavyset, where it's perception is reality. You bring out a heavyset guy and you tell me he's unmotivated, he's a slob, Is it, can he get it together? This, guy's, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He, he's been underwhelming. Like, literally saying underwhelming on pay-per-view. That's awful to say about your own Yeah, talent, and like, like, you know, seeing is believing because, you know, when I started the Adjure podcast, I was like, it's Vader, he's overweight and underwhelming. Ha ha, let's make fun of him for being shit. Because mm-hmm. it's like, that's what the announcers were telling us. And I'm like, okay, so it's all right, I guess, isn't it? And it's like, you know, it's a part of my my podcasting career I'm ashamed of. And I, you know, will, will, will always jump at the opportunity to apologize for anyone I've offended by saying that type of a thing. But I just felt like, it's really a miserable thing to do to someone. Mm. And the fact that off the back of that whole Kuwait nightmare, we got that golden Ken Shamrock Vader match, which is like, I think one of the highlights, if not the highlight of his entire WWF run. What is it about that match that appealed to you so much? Is it the shoot fighting aspect of it? Is it that Ken doesn't know what he's kind of doing? And yet they somehow make magic because they apparently called it all in the ring. They didn't have any plan going in. <laughs> it's a few different layers to it, which I love, which is the shoot aspect of it is, is great, but also the kind of like the perception of each guy and how much of this is real mm. and how much of it isn't real. And also the miscommunication. It's like such a perfect encapsulation of how important communication is in wrestling and <laughs> how like, it's like jazz isn't it yeah. where it's like one guy's accidentally doing something over here and this guy's doing something completely different and 
somehow it actually overlapped and it worked really, really well. So well. And no one got hurt so spectacularly badly that you have massive regrets about putting it on in the first place. Yeah. So for people who haven't seen this match or aren't familiar with it or haven't listened to our Ken Shamrock episode... Basically, Ken Shamrock is a legit MMA fighter. Just come in from UFC. Yeah, just hired. And he was told, oh yeah, we're hiring you because you're a legit MMA fighter and we kind of want you to do a bit of that. It's your gimmick. (laughs) And he's like, great, fantastic, love it. So he comes in, they tell him ahead of this match with Vader, they're like, look, just so you know, Vader, he hits people for real. He's stiff. So you got to look out for yourself here. Look out for yourself you know? and um, just hit him hard, as you know, as hard as you can. That's basically. the way yeah. he likes it, after likes all. It, yeah. yeah. You know, he can give as good as he gets. <laughs> so Ken goes, great, amazing. He's never really had a pro wrestling match before. He's used to real fighting where you Slow give down. people concussions on purpose. Slow down. And he just beats the shit out of Vader it's so funny. I mean, it's it's kind of upsetting as well, but it is funny because Vader, Vader gives as good as he gets. He does, you know. And but it's uh, just like weird seeing Vader on the back foot because, like, you see him like in defensive position yeah. for most of the match. Like he's like trying to stop Ken from like just hitting him again and again and again. I think the idea was that it was going to motivate Vader and bring something kind of bigger out of him than what he had been giving. And I think you know, yes, case in point. It was kind of a trial by fire. Everyone rose to the occasion that it was one of those rare one out of 100 cases where what appeared to be a shit show on paper ended up making, you know, wrestling gold as far as we're concerned. But I think it is like, it is a pivotal moment in both men's careers for very different reasons. I went back to my notes for the Ken Shamrock episode because we reviewed this match for that. It was a five star match by your... It was five stars. But there's a line in my notes, which I thought was very funny, which was, I wonder if they booked this match just to see what would happen. <laughs> just like, fuck around and find out. And it's great. It's so good. Yeah, they fucked around and we all certainly found out. Because in this, like, Vader, it's a couple of different points. You see him being like, ease up, slow down. To Yeah, Ken. yeah, yeah. Ken, I saw an interview with him after the fact. He did not hear any of this. <laughs> He didn't realise that... The blood was pumping so yeah. hard in my ears, I couldn't even notice what he it was saying. He didn't realise when Vader... Because like Vader gives him some receipts. That's what yeah, you're yeah, told yeah. in wrestling. If someone hits you too hard, you give them a receipt. Which, I, as we said earlier, I think it's ridiculous. Mm. Ken didn't know this because he was new. He didn't realise. And he's an MMA fighter. So, if anything... It's my first day! Yeah, he thought this was a nice, easy, gentle match for him. And he, he says... He was like, if I'd known he'd hit me for real... I would have fucking killed him. Yeah, I like, mean, he, good he lord. He thought I was hitting him badly. I was, I was going <laughs> gently. Ken was like under the impression before before he got the feedback from everyone backstage. He was like, "Oh, my match was probably really bad because it was really light on him." And oh my god, really soft. Yeah, this was basically like this is how you you calibrated your Ken Shamrock settings. Was yeah. putting you there with uh, with Vader in this instance. But I feel like you know there was that. There was obviously the matches with Sean. There was a few moments, you know, in the the tag team and McFoley that were good. He had a really great showing in the they did like a fatal four way called the final four with the last four people who were in the Royal Rumble that he was in, and they really used it as like you know three guys being like dominated by Vader. He really felt like the Vader of old there. But by and large, you know, his career in WWF, it's like it's not considered to be a good run. That's why it's always been sad to me that so many people, myself included, only knew about his run in WWF and that's Vader's career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's such a sm- Like, literally, if you put the entire time span of his career there, it's like a tiny sliver of it. Yeah. And it's also kind of underwhelming and it's not like a great period for wrestling, generally speaking, anyway. So by no means should it be the way by which you judge Vader. 
as we rolled into the added chair into 1998, you know, once again, times are, are not going to be so hot for Vader because you're the big red monster. And we've just debuted a guy called the big red machine. It's mm. the Undertaker's brother, Kane. And they decide the one great way to get Kane over as we're building him up for the final confrontation with his brother is to have him squash Vader. And he did. He squashed Vader a whole bunch. So I did show Joe the finish of the mask versus mask match between Kane and Vader. And like, it's indignity abound. You've got Paul Bear wearing Vader's mask going, it's Paul Bear time dancing around. It's so fucking, so miserable. Yeah. And then Vader cuts what I consider to be one of the most tragic, miserable, sad promos of all time when Michael Cole's like, hey Vader, what happened? How can we lost so resolutely to Kane there? Do you remember what he said in his promo? Yeah, I've got it written down. What did he say, Joe? It starts off kind of cool. Like, what he's saying, I really liked. I actually, If anything, and now's a good time to mention it, look, I, I think Vader is a hunk. Okay? Oh yeah, we got a lot of tweets to that effect from you're not the only one who feels yeah, that way. he's sexy. Heck yeah. Like, Throughout his career, I think he's pretty hot. And it starts off, he says this thing that, like, I I found what he said to be kind of sexy. Because he says, look at me, I'm so big. And he makes his body huge and he flexes He does the arms. classic Vader yeah. pose. Yeah. And I was like, wow, amazing, cool. But then he continues, he goes... His voice like breaks, yeah. Yeah, he goes, look at me, I'm so big. Maybe Vader time's over. Ain't nothing but a big piece of shit. A big fat piece of shit. And he like breaks down and it's really sad. And apparently that was scripted. Like they were like, oh, we're going to make something about this. Wait, so they told him to say that? Yep. That's really I sad. Like, I don't think there's ever been a particularly well-produced, tasteful angle about a guy who needs to lose weight in wrestling. It's kind of like if you're talking about that, it's like probably outside where you should be in terms of a form of escapism because it's like not something that people really want to think about no, you know absolutely. i mean if sam was going to do it why not fucking bobby lashy the lad in that episode where he's like hey he wanted to gain a bit of weight and then like yeah. have his story no, <laughs> no 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 we want to choose the guy who's already got you know he's self-conscious and we've yeah. skyrocketed his blood pressure and then told yeah. him go do a promo about being too fat like and it's just... so this is after they sent him yeah, up yeah. for this weight loss yeah, thing. yeah 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 did it, he first of all with that weight loss thing did he like volunteer or did they just yeah, go you're going it was kind of like you know hey paid vacation you could view it as you know yeah. still gonna get your downside or whatever yeah. it is but you know after this did they have big plans not really i mean he came back and fell over and, like, you i just know, don't know what the goal is with making him do that i think for a lot of outsiders looking in they would think the goal is they kind of want him to go you know maybe make way or kind of lower his value or his stock so, so that he's not shit. worth elsewhere just like release him because you know in before he left he had pinfall losses to you know he lost to mark henry he lost to the rock he lost to kane he put over you know pretty much everyone like his last match he lost he put over a very young as in had only been in wf for like a month or two edge like when wow. edge is just you know the guy screaming on a train yeah so like it's one of those old adages of like oh yeah you should be putting people over and all that on your way out the door but it's like if they devalue you so much yeah. that literally like Edge beating Vader did nothing for Edge's career. It was just kind of, it's a weird factoid you can look mm. back on now that, hey, Vader's last match was on Sunday Night Heat against Edge, and that was the end of his WWF run. A pretty wasted opportunity, but, you know, I I would have always thought at that point, if you're a wrestler and you've been buried and buried and buried, and they've, you know, clearly played on your nerves a little bit in terms of your presentation... 
Like he, this guy who's saying he's a fat piece of shit and Vader time is over, he couldn't be further from the White Castle of Fear and Noki beating, you know, absolute monster that we've been enjoying so far. It just felt so, like, why would you do that with that character? Mm. Like, don't you know what you have? Yeah. It'd be so much more valuable to do absolutely nothing than to do that. It didn't make anyone any money. Yeah, like who's it for? It, Vince McMahon? Is it though? Like I don't. That's the so thing. He'd have is like it, a little chuckle in his office. Yeah, I I don't think that Vince had a vendetta against him. It's just that I feel like there was a lot a lot of varying opinions about him that were swirling around, and I think that he was not well liked overall. That's I think ultimately what it was. He was voted off the island in this wow. case, you know, through brutal burials. Yeah. The coolest thing in the world I found out in the research for this episode was that after that moment, Vader did not wallow in self-pity, nor did his career spiral down to new lows. No, instead, he went straight over on the next plane to Japan, where instead of going back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, he decided now he's going to have a stab at the other promotion, All Japan Pro Wrestling. And he immediately joins up in a tag team with Stan Henson, and they run roughshod over several tag tournaments. And he ends up having an absolute renaissance in his career Amazing. at this point. He wins the Triple Crown Championship in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow. He has incredible matches with the likes of Kenta Kabashi, one of which we stuck on and was absolutely hard hitting and reminded us of the vader that we had seen years prior mm. it did not affect him long term at all it feels like yeah. he was there he made a load of money their loss i guess yeah. he went off somewhere else he made a load of money there it's fucking huge business he did so he had another kind of career renaissance you know stan hence at that point would have been in like his 50s or thereabouts mm. and i just think it's really cool to you know, the monster gaijin of the 80s joining together to form a dream team in yeah. the late 90s. And he was having these kick-ass matches in like 2000, 2001. You know, doing really, really well for himself. A second run, you know, on, on the top of the world as he is himself approaching an age at which usually people stop accomplishing great things in wrestling, at least in the, the 90s and 2000s. Mm. Very, very happy. There's a load of like of footage of you know those matches from All Japan is up there mm -hmm. on YouTube from some of the matches that he had. You know, go out of your way to, to check them out. It is always a hard-hitting good time. I will say overall about Vader, finding his stuff from Japan was an absolute nightmare mm -hmm. for, for this, this episode. I really struggled to find good quality versions of things. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh it, it it was basically up to the goodwill of YouTube uploaders that we were able to do a lot of the research for this episode. So Vader did then kind of wind down in the mid 2000s, his career. He did have a few appearances here and there. He showed up in TNA for like a match. He was randomly included in a Jonathan Coachman versus Batista match that yeah. happened at a taboo Tuesday. Don't ask me why it no. just kind of happened. Okay. So he did kind of, you know, right off into the sunset a little bit, never fully retired, just kind of taking fewer and fewer dates but there was a second life. I keep this is like the tenth time I said second yeah. life. The the Madonna of the world of wrestling. <laughs> but Vader found himself quite at home using the bold new platform that was all coming out in the 2010s. Joe, I was shocked when you told me that Big Van Vader was nothing if not a prolific user of Twitter. Mm -hmm. And you've done a little bit of a social media deep dive, which I think will lead us in nicely into today's final match. <laughs> yeah, so I've been taking it up on myself in recent episodes to 
do the the media research we call it so like you know instances of like wrestlers appearing on television shows or looking at their social media and stuff like that and i mean we can't talk about this i guess without first mentioning that he was quite a big character on boy meets world yeah he had like three or so appearances he was on three separate episodes yeah as a named character he played there's a character in boy meets world who's like the bully and he played the bully's dad but the great thing about this is that <laughs> much like in wwf it's like oh no i'm not coming in as the big bully's dad i'm vader yeah so he is, va- he he is canonically vader, vader he in this world is canonically vader but he's not even though he is a wrestler in this. And in the WWF. And in the well. WWF. He's not canonically Leon Allen White. Oh, of he course. He has a different name. I forget the name because they had to name him, obviously, yeah, after, the, after the bully. The bully yeah. But he did one of the appearances when he was with WCW and one when he was with WWF. Oh. He's the only person I know who's done multiple spots for Boy Meets World <laughs> while working for different companies. Apparently his characters... We watched a couple of clips. We haven't seen the full episodes. But apparently, um, I think it's in the final episode he's in... He has quite a sweet storyline with his Aww. son, which is like quite like compassionate. And... Well, I know there was the kind of the one that we saw. It was about like kind of him not appreciating the fact that his son was getting into like it was like poetry as yeah. opposed to wrestling. Want to be a wrestler? So the, the the boy meets world gang help help them kind of bond together and become mm-hmm. closer, and includes a gratuitous appearance from Bruce Pritchard, who's like, I think I should be in this. <laughs> yes, the fans came to see Bruce Pritchard. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> And he hasn't been in loads of stuff. Like, I think he's only got two acting credits to his name. I might be wrong with that. But Boy Meets World is one of them. That's the biggest one. But he also, Says you. Says me. But he also showed up in an adaptation of something that you love. Yes. And I always love it when I can find out how it links to Kevin's interests. Like, when I found out that Tommy Dreamer's kids were in The, the Sopranos. <laughs> But Big Van Vader was in the live action adaptation of <laughs> Fist of the North Star. Yes! As a character called Goliath. Look, all I can say is in every issue of Fist of the North Star, a bunch of bad bastards show up and try and steal food from the people trying to survive in the post apocalyptic wasteland. Right. And then Kenshiro kicks them and they explode. <laughs> and that happened for around 20 years. Mm. And. To say that Big Van Vader fits the bill of a big man, like literally bad guys in Fist of North Star say things like, I feel no pain (laughs) and I'm so big. And that's why they're apt for exploding. So I was very happy that we were able to track down the clip of the very peculiar... I don't know how I can finagle it so that I can review this for Cinema Swill maybe, but Mm. I need to get my peepers on that full Fish of the North Star. Spin-off for How To. Yes. Where we do movies. Well, we already did one with Ken Shamrock, didn't we? That's true. Wrestling B-movie theatre. I like that a lot. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) So, yeah, I just had to mention his acting work. Well, those are some serious acting chops right there. Boy Meets World and Vader Meets Post-Apocalyptic World. Ah, very good. Very good. His Twitter is a really great I, I love him on twitter he's i love certain wrestlers on twitter i love and i love that when they oh this sounds awful how can i say this okay come on now he's he's got big hands is all i'll say is he's that... got big hands but also all right so the thing about vader is he is a very intelligent man oh yeah very well spoken as you've said earlier on in the episode like financially very savvy and stuff he has investments he's an astute individual but he's not wise okay 
So he's intelligent, but he's maybe not smart. You know what I mean? Okay, I understand that. Hence, I think, how he ended up in a few of the problems of his career. Okay. Like, ma- making stupid mistakes, like the one in Kuwait. Where... Yeah, it's, it's an unwise man who gets detained in Kuwait, and an unwise yeah. man who dares to fight Paul Orndorff when he's wearing his flip-flops of doom. Yeah. But the way he tweets is so like just everyone's dad. Yes. Like full of spelling errors. Like no inflection. No. No. Uh, no, no. No correct use of punctuation. Just a a, a half baked stream yeah. of consciousness. He's he was so funny on there as well. Like just always cracking jokes. He got set great sense of humor, and he's just like yeah, got a great sense of humor. There was one tweet I found where. <laughs> He, uh, it's a picture of him looking terrifying, like screaming at this little girl, it looks like. <gasps> and he said, it looks like I was trying to scare her, but actually I told her she was very pretty. <laughs> and it's like this like five-year-old girl and he looks so scary. I feel no pain. Also, you're a pretty little girl. <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned one time, someone asked him if he ever walked around the house with the Mastodon mask on. And he was like, oh yeah, one night I tried it on and my girl was asleep. And when she woke up, she uh, went home. She was terrified. She went home and she didn't come back for a week because I scared the shit out of her so much. What if the gas is going on and everything as well, you know? Interesting thing I learned looking through his Twitter as well is that he actually designed the leather mask that he wore throughout most of his career. Yes, someone told us, and this is uh, mind-blowing, whether it's 100% true or not, but it, it definitely seems true. That the mask is composed of a series of V's. Yeah, no, he said that was on purpose. Really? Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. He said himself, I designed, he spells designed with a Z. Yes. I designed the leather mask. If you look close, it's a series of V's. Pretty cool from someone that brain dead. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> But the, the fact that like he was part of that generation where I'm like, you're not going to use Twitter. That's it. Stop I love it. it when old, old men use Twitter <laughs> and they don't really understand it and they use it wrong. And I think that's pure and beautiful and I love it. He talked a bit about the Stan Henson match where he lost his eye. And he actually said that as well as the eye coming out, it broke eight bones in his eye socket and completely shattered his nostril. So his nose, as well as his eye bone, his nose is steel as well. Eyes, nose, ears, everything with Vader. Yeah, I I would say as well, we didn't check out his Hall of Fame induction speech he did for Stan Henson, where he had a special googly eye glasses that popped out. Sweet as sweet as can be. Watching that made me tear up. Oh, it was just so... if you can make light of nearly losing an eye, you're a bigger man than I. That's all I can yeah. say. I, I I respect it big time. A great one I found about. So I was trying to find more about his movie career, and he said that at one point he read for a role in an indie movie in LA, and the character he was like, the character would have been great. It was a giant vampire that could moonsault and only survive on children's blood. Whoa, man, come Sadly, on! Sadly, never got made. God, he can't get funded for anything these days. Yeah, so the Twitter use was—I uh, mean, that was something I thought was really, really sweet, and I like seeing it a lot over the years. Like, I remember he was a. An early follow when I started with the Attitude podcast. And like, fucking Vader's on there? Heck yes. Right. But he did find himself in that old place that often wrestlers find themselves in online. That's right. They were into Controversy Corner. And I can say now, with the full clarity of being in 2023 and everything that's happened between now and then, that this is objectively extremely funny. So Vader... Being the old school man that he was, he still had his toe in the water. You know, he was mm. making the odd appearance here and there, doing his autograph signings. He'd show, you know, it was one of those gimmicks where he'd just show up at a, you know, an indie show in the mask and people would pop for him. 
We actually saw him and Heath Slater at that Raw show. Loved that match. You know, it was flash forward to 2013 and like... How that was Mr. The, B, who's yeah. honestly as good as ever. That was the point where you were like, this guy, we've jumped forward, we've time skipped like mm-hmm. six times and every time he looks exactly the goddamn same. Yeah. So it was around that time where he's thinking that maybe there's another little bit of a bit of a run, a little bit more money to be made here for me. So he does what anyone would do. Keeps his ears to the ground on Twitter. All of a sudden, a gift starts kicking off. Everyone's talking about it. All the old timers are throwing in their two cents. Every wrestling fan is talking about how amazing it is and it's changing the game. Wrestlers up and down are divided on the nature of it and what it says about wrestling as an art form and a, and a sport changing. It's Will Ospreay and King Ricochet going toe-to-toe in an epically flippy encounter. And this is when Will Ospreay was like... 23 years old thereabouts he's a he's a young lad on the rise Mm. and his style and ricochet style together people were saying it was like it was too acrobatic a flip fest you know this is the type of thing where it went beyond wrestling twitter into like it was on the front page of reddit and people were talking about it you know on kind of internet roundup type of videos look at this crazy thing that we're seeing no one was necessarily in the mainstream saying if it was good or bad but vader he came out strong and said this is fucking ridiculous this is not a sport. This is not what wrestling should be. Talking about how it was all flippy dippy bullshit. And I looked this up on his Twitter and I am 100% certain he was working here. He, uh, he was. Completely working. And he this is, said as much. That's why I love that generation of man on Twitter, especially if they're wrestlers, because I feel that they understand the business of getting yourself over more so than guys who kind of came after them a bit. You generate heat, you get interest, yeah. you get eyeballs, and then maybe there's a payday coming and on. He was and he's basically trolling. He was. He was trolling and he was and it was literally like, look, Vader's talking about it. Like and that 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 yeah. in itself was a meme that Vader yeah. was commenting on a Will Ospreay ricochet yeah. match. Will Ospreay, world at his fingertips, whole career ahead of him, solid head on his shoulders, age 23, no mm. doubt. First of all, he blocks Vader on Twitter. Right, of course. <laughs> Secondly, he starts doing, in all of his matches in Japan, he starts doing the Vader bomb in his matches ah. as a spot. And he's like, bruv, you was bullying me. I was being cyber-bullied by you, bruv. So I'm going to stop bullying you for real life, bruv. And doing like... Vader bombs in matches, bruv. The idea of, like, old man, you know, Vader, he's, like, in his 50s, like, chuckling away, typing <laughs> with one finger in, in, the, in the white castle of fear <laughs> and Will Ospreay with a bright red face going I'm going to do another Vader bomb bro and people are like oh cool yeah I guess so anyway Will Ospreay tells the story then all of a sudden he gets a message from Vader saying hey look can I get your contact details I want to talk to you about something and he's like yeah sure whatever and Vader sends him a really long email. And of course, Will Ospreay... Really badly typed, I'm sure. Will Ospreay's like, oh, he's saying all this stuff, bruv. I don't even know what he's talking about. He's bullying me, bruv. And basically, long story short, what he's saying is, is like, look, I don't personally like the style that you're doing. However, I understand that the style is changing. Mm. Also, I think that you and I have created a lot of interest here. I think there's scope for you and I to make a bit of money, do a big indie show... I want to come over to the UK anyway. Do you think we could do something together? Smart guy. Smart guy. I was listening to Lance Storm the other day and he was talking about, you know, literally like three months after he retired, some lads from the UK running an indie show were like, we'd love to have you do a, one of our shows. And he's like, oh, I don't really want to do it. So he's like, well, look, my wife wants to come to the UK on a trip. So he's like, right, okay, if you give me and my wife yeah. first class plane tickets and this crazy number that I'm pulling out of my arse, so he spotted an opportunity. Yeah. And if you're an old timer and your wrestling days are mostly behind you and an opportunity presents itself, 
Fuck yeah. Take it. And take it from me, a guy who was banging his head against the wall and wondering, like, how in the name of God I meant to keep up with the infinite fucking infinity that is all the British wrestling that was happening around the 2015-2016 time. Uh, many of them weren't fucking diddlers and sex pests as well. <laughs> Imagine that. So when I found out that Vader had challenged Will Ospreay to a match, like, you couldn't pick a more newsworthy... I'm clicking on that. Yeah. That blew my mind. It made me a guy who had seen Will Ospreay gifts, had heard his name. I'd even seen him wrestle a bunch at that point. You and I would seen him in What Culture. We'd seen him in Fight Club Pro. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd seen him loads. But this was the first thing where I'm like, whoa, what's happening here? Because I know you're going to give me a great match. But like, is he going to give me a great match against 60-year-old Vader? Mm. I got to check this out. I searched high and low and I did eventually have to give because like RevPro had a streaming service and then it's discontinued. So I had to go and find their premium Vimeo account to buy this show so we could watch this fucking cursed match. So there you go, suffering for the art form right there. Will, even in recent years, has went out of his way to say that is the worst moment of my career. It's the worst match of my career. It's absolutely the worst thing I've ever been involved with, bruv. Because apparently... Vader, who comes to the UK, and he's like, I got this great show coming up at Rev Pro. He got like four or five other shows. Yeah. Got himself a load of paydays, a couple of signings, a couple of appearances. Mm-hmm. And he decides, shit, there's so much buzz around this. We can't just one and done it. Mm-hmm. Will, I've got a great idea. Why don't I beat you tonight? And then I'll come back in three months time and we'll do the even bigger show and you'll beat me. Getting- That's... You know, wrestling, right? I mean, yeah. But, but also very opportunistic. It's a bit greedy now. And this is the point where it's literally like, Vader is holding them up for money because he says, yeah. if, if you're not doing it my way, I'm not going to show up. And I've been paid £15,000. <gasps> £15,000, sorry. Oh. So yeah, Will Ospreay is beyond pissed at this point. Mm. I know, I've seen Will Ospreay pissed when they don't let him bring his favourite diddler to come onto the show with him. He'd be awful <laughs> sour. Fa- I'm not going to the Progress show unless the abuser is there. Yeah. I'm not coming. Hmm. So, we take you now to Revolution Pro in 2016 in your call as Will Ospreay takes on 60 years young Big Van Vader. Joe... This is this is ridiculous. Yep. This is hilarious. Right off the bat, we get fuck you, Vader chants. These fans are nuclear. Yeah. Vader comes out with the old WWF Titan Tron, his yep. WWF theme. Yeah. He's wearing the she old torn up shirt. Yeah. He is in the worst shape of his career. Yeah, he doesn't look well. No. And he doesn't really look like Vader. You could tell me this was someone else and I'd believe you. Like Yeah, this was the first point and the only time where we were yeah. like okay it's caught up with him time finally, has finally yeah. caught up with them and i think he gets quite shortly after this match he gets news to the effect of like you're in a very bad way yeah. you know health wise mm. but he's got this shit eating grin on his yeah, face he when he comes out very happy to be here honestly the first thing i noticed and the main thing i noticed throughout this match was that my friend from school was in the front <laughs> row first time i've ever seen anyone i know and he, in research for an episode of how to wrestle and he hates vader as well it was he great did. he was getting right up in their faces so funny there so are, good proper wrestling fan yeah there's around say 50 50 split of the fans who are like enjoying the spectacle want to be part of it yeah 
think, you know, this is an absurdly unique situation. Yeah. There's also a set of the fans who are literally like arms folded. No. Human. Like, that th- this is even what? happening. It's, I don't understand why they're so angry. Like, I mean, I get the fans who are like fake angry, who are like going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fun to being rowdy. Yeah. I'll tell you, I haven't been to a live wrestling show when I went in and I've like had maybe like something on my mind or in a slightly bad mood or whatever. And then get to be like, no, that's a good form of catharsis right there. The heat and the pop. The heat and the pop, huh? (laughs) Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the the fans who are just sulky and just like don't like because why would you come? Why would you go? The wrestlers want you to get rowdy. They want you to have emotions and feel things. They don't want you to just sit on your hands and seem like you don't want to be there. Well, I'll tell you, the one person who really feels like you just want to be here. Have you ever seen a sour puss? Like Will Ospreay oh, when no. he came out here, Face like a smack He looked fur- He looked like a multiverse of madness of Sasha Banks being told that he's going to lose the match. Yeah. He came out and the finish was written all over his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wrote in my notes here, I really question the wisdom of this, but this was probably hardly the biggest concern in British wrestling in 2016. Yeah. There's probably a lot of worse things going on that needed your attention than Vader getting 15,000 reasons to have a big shit-eating grin on his face here. We start things off and Vader immediately flips off the crowd and the referee. <laughs> and then he decks the referee as well. And even though he can barely move, there was that element of... Like the Vader you saw coming into WWF at the start, where it's like we like this guy is too big for Rev Pro. He looks huge. I, I you know, larger would, than yeah, life. I would love to have seen someone like Vader live because, like, when we went to see AEW at the stadium, that was like kind of one of my main takeaways. Was like, God, the size of these men yeah. really makes a difference. Television does not do them no. justice, and as they you, like to say. When you see these people in person, like it just is so impressive it probably did more for vader's sense of self than will osprey's because osprey looks like a little teenager boy like he looks so wee and he's just dwarfed by him and it it kind of makes like when vader comes in he's like yeah fuck the referee and he he very lightly puts will through a table he kind of like force pushes him off (laughs) it just has this kind of very strange chaos and that's the thing like people shit on this match and it is an awful match Mm. But that atmosphere of like, this is wrong. No, that's the hottest thing that can happen in wrestling, I think. It's like when Jerry Lawler shows up at ECW. It's like, no, not not yeah. this. Fucking Vader squashing everyone in Rev Pro. No, not this. This is We're meant to be better than this. <laughs> the crowd are there for every single step of the way. Vader thinks that, uh, you know, he's got the match kind of figured out here because Will's been put through a table. They do the big kind of, he crawls back into the ring dramatically and all that. And they do. They get the heat and the pop. You know, they manage it. They do, yep. In the most basic sense of the word, this is a wrestling match. Mm, Yeah. Kind of. Strictly, I guess. speaking. The commentary team trying to thread the needle of an old man dominating their promotion's absolute standout ace and Mm. star and the next big thing in wrestling is... um, it's tricky. I think they wish they'd rather not have to talk about it. Yeah. They're kind of just, well, he's kind of, um, you know, he's, he's very dominating, isn't he? Uh, Big Van Vader, of course. Even at 60 years old. This match kind of makes me think of, like, if Shawn Michaels, did, you know that match where he had against Hulk Hogan where he, like, fucks himself around? Yeah. It's like if he did that, but sulkily. Yeah, like, Will could have done something like that here. He kind of does do that a bit. Like, he is just wrestling himself. Yeah, like, he does moves to... Like, he chokeslams himself. Yeah. 
he puts like, himself through a table vader stands there as he runs against the ropes and then he like kind of ricochets off yeah. him and like honestly that in itself is spectacular mm-hmm. and I'm like i know you think it's the worst match of your career will but the fact that you got reactions from the audience with the most immobile yeah like and he's motivated by one thing and it's money and his and himself that's it because like you know kenny omega he wrestled like a nine-year-old girl but yeah that she's at least small and light and you can fling her around the stuff you can't can do, do that with vader hell no <laughs> <laughs> time has finally caught up with vader here so the crowd start chanting flippy shit <laughs> which there is a bit of the invention that i miss mm. you know before we got onto the greatest hits of british wrestling crowd chants yeah we used to have a bit of innovation vader i wrote here also had funny trousers they? they kind of kept falling down a little oh, bit yeah, no, and then he move up his yeah. shirt and he revealed that he was wearing his vader time singlet underneath why would you just take the top off let's see it i think the he wasn't happy with the pecs maybe I hate that so much with big guys being like ashamed of their bodies and it's just like be be proud of it like <laughs> I hate when they try and hide what they are it's like it's you're you're unique for what you are yeah well we're hiding the plenty here because uh we get into the stretch of this match and we get not one but two interference spots in Rev Pro which I'll tell you is definitely like there's a reason they're aligned with AEW and New Japan and it's not because they love to have interference finishes on yeah. their shows <laughs> as Ricochet runs out and this is a this is a legitimate thing I'm going to say. This isn't like an AI generated how to wrestling podcast where things like this get said. But Pete Dunne and Vader yep. on the same damn ugly diabolical page. They're like they're literally doing like the heel handshake. Going, That's right, brother. I am allegedly your friend. Yeah. The power of Pete Dunne to smile and grin at this lad who's probably taken three quarters of his payday Mm -hmm. because of how much it's cost them to bring him in. Yeah. It beggars belief. But I have been led to believe that this type of behavior can be described in some circles as king shit. (laughs) (laughs) They both do. We have uh, Ricochet and Will doing big flips on Vader who like kicks out at one because Mm -hmm. of course you can't have the happy finish and make everyone go home happy. No. So Vader... Makes Will choke Sam himself twice. Yeah. And then very gingerly gets down, gets the pin, mm-hmm. and the smile from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's going to be a return match. And no. that's why I'm probably thinking right there. But it happens. The commentator bursts out laughing when Fader <laughs> wins. <laughs> what a shit show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I honestly do this. It was it was really funny to me. It's chaotic. It is. It's it shouldn't have happened. No. And you can't tell me there weren't enough red flags along the way that made yeah. you kind of go, "We shouldn't have done this." And if you were to do it, not like this. Not like this. No. I totally see why Osprey was upset. I don't even like Osprey. Massive. This I, is bullshit. Chance at the end of it as well. I, but I like. I get it. Like I don't. I don't get why the fans are so upset. Shut the fuck up. You got to see Vader live. You got to see <laughs> Will Osprey. I know the match sucked, but come on, get over it. But I do get why Will Osprey was probably upset because he probably got paid less than he was. You consider the amount of work that he was yeah. doing in this match compared to the amount of work Vader was doing. Yeah, he was. He was wrestling for two here he tonight. Was, yeah. <laughs> Literally, like. And then for Vader to get paid all that money and like pull the rug out from under him last minute and stuff like that, like it's a bit shit. I, I, I get I get it. I think there is a way and a world in which they figured out a way to do this right. Mm. 
you know because i think the the immediate idea there of like we've made something happen online let's make something happen out of it that's smart and i think it was those other bookings that he got and then vader getting it into his head this isn't just a one-off yeah. I, this is this is the start of my my last run but he just hasn't got the ability he couldn't at this do point. it he can't do it physically he was just he was really out of shape at this point yeah. in his in his life and like if I it know... was the, if it was the vader who took on heat slater yeah that you could have maybe worked or there even, like a little bit after this because like as you say he he like got some really bad health news and then he got in really good shape and he probably yeah. could have done a better job in this match if he had just been like you know six months or a year into the future he's in a weird place at this point because this is when he is like actively campaigning to get into the hall of fame right and if wrestling has taught us anything in the past few years that wanting to be in the hall of fame is like mm. oh no 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 that's the ultimate yeah. black mark against you you got to be literally too cool for us mm-hmm. you know you got to be above it and then they'll approach you because otherwise they think that you're trying to use it as a platform, which is not what it's meant to be. That's how I can kind of ascertain people being like, it would be a great honor being construed as, I'm a fucking Mark idiot and Mm -hmm. I I want my prize. So yeah, this is a period where he's, you know, in the headlines, his name is out there and he's campaigning for something that he's probably not going to get. And he's also told randomly when he's just in the hospital one day, having a, a checkup with his doctor about, you know, other issues the cardiologist walks in and goes, oh, Leon, I've been meaning to talk to you. Um, Yeah, we had a look at your stuff there and you've got two years left to live. And he, like, he, the way he told the story, as soon as he was told the information, the guy was literally out in 20 seconds. What the fuck? Like just going, to go, by the way, two years, catch you later. And like, he'd never seen the lab before. Oh my God. And I don't know, Joe. I mean, we all reflect on our own mortality all the time, I'm sure, in our own different ways. I cannot imagine what it's like being given a time limit like yeah. that. The fact that his passing happened literally two years to the day of him being told that, but his reaction to that news was not, okay, you know, my time is winding up or whatever it is. We watched some shoot interviews and you saw it on his Twitter as well. Mm. He used this as motivation, rocket yeah. fuel, whatever you want to call it. He got into the best shape that you could conceivably get into at that point in his career. He posted like a before and after picture of like him in his late 20s, yeah. like topless compared to him in his early 60s. I yeah, think he, was. he was like 63 again, topless. He looked in way better shape yeah. than he was when he was in his 20s. Like he honestly, like he was still big, but like it was all like kind of yeah. barrel chested muscle. Yeah, he yeah. Was carrying it so well. He looked fantastic. I think as well, like if you're being told, you know, and he, he made the news public, I think a few months afterwards where he was like, you know, this is the reality I'm allowing myself to kind of to share it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I know he... But he was in denial about it, it felt like. To be fair, like you know. if he was told like that, you can totally see why he might be like a bit dismissive of that yeah. doctor's opinion. I know he went and spoke to a few other doctors mm. to like kind of get second well, you opinions. want a second opinion in that case wouldn't you yeah. eventually he did meet a doctor who was like oh it may not be so dire as that first yeah. guy said but three out of four did say yeah i'm, I'm sorry yeah this is it and i mean it's heart failure and like if you're trying to angle to get you know he was like trying to get himself booked and stuff like that and yeah. it's like i don't think there's anyone with it, even the most unscrupulous promoter who's going to do anything with you on that front so his passing was was untimely and tragic he was 63 i think mm. which you know it's 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 no age i mean you know and i think even you, you compare it against kind of the lowered standards that a lot of wrestling fans have for what's considered to be a good age for a wrestler yeah. but it's just kind of strange that he kind of felt like he was i don't know about to start like another chapter or whatever it was mm. you know there was never any thought in his mind of the kind of the post-wrestling career because 
I think in those last two years we saw a lot of stuff like from you know the, the interviews etc where he's like he's literally saying I'm refusing to accept this as a reality yeah, yeah I'm going to, to do things I'm going to stop this I'm not going to die mm. you literally showed me a t-shirt that he had oh yeah made. it said something like Vader will never ever die yeah I think you know at that point it's probably more for his own you yeah. know headspace that was I think something that he was doing for himself I'm not sure for the family and f- fans and friends and whatnot, you know, that's probably made the passing all the more tough, I think, was that he was so determined and he had such a, such a defiant, you know, such a fucking Vader mindset in yeah. the face of actual literal death. But it wasn't just, you know, he had, he had heart failure, but that wasn't actually the cause of death. You think he looked into that? So, yeah, it was congestive heart failure he had. Yeah. For which he had numerous open heart surgeries. He had a quad bypass put in at one right, point yeah, yeah. he had a lot of work done on himself like in the months leading up to his death i know he was trying to like lose with ddp like a hundred pounds oh he did like that. he lost yeah. loads of weight so he had he was on this like Incredible very harsh regimen yep but i think the reality is is that you have surgery like that that's a level of trauma that is you know yeah it's difficult to cope with and he he got pneumonia basically yeah. a month or a couple of months after yeah. he had the the open heart surgery that's kind of that's common enough i think where someone has a a really difficult surgery to recover from exactly because your immune system is all kind of Mm. fucked up when you're healing and yeah i think that's technically actually how he died yeah i think he's he's definitely always going to have his place because in a in a world full of athletic big men he still stands out because not just of his athleticism not just because of his size or his physicality or even the long lineage of great matches he's had. It's it's the fact that so many of these individual, you know, independently formed parts, mm. how he wrestled, the name, the gimmick, the design, how he was booked, how he was brought in, how different companies handled the legends surrounding him, how he kind of dual wielded his reputation behind the scenes that those fans thought he had, yeah. while also being this kind of professional guy. Mm. You know, he was more than meets the eye. I think Vader definitely had a lot more going on under the hood than most... Like, even if you're a wrestling fan in many, many years like I was, and I thought I had him kind of sussed out, and there's so much there. And that's mm. before we even get into the fact that I think, you know, certain walls were hit here, I think, in the research in terms of mm. how much we could find out not being, you know, in Japan with limited access yeah. to those resources. I mean, yeah, again, massive shout out to Todd and Noah, who both, like, allowed me access to information that would not have been possible otherwise. Like, yeah, I think that the episode has definitely been elevated as a result of that. So 100%, 100% yeah. big thanks. And to anyone who's ever, like, there's an episode coming up and you think there's an aspect of the, the topic that you think that you might be able to contribute to. I think like wrestling itself is a great collaboration and I always want this podcast to be uh, a great collaboration. I am long, long, long since past the point of considering myself an expert in all aspects of wrestling because there's just so many different parts to yeah. wrestling, you know? The only way you can consider yourself an expert is if you close yourself off to all the other amazing <laughs> things. And it's something I love about this show is that, you know, as you've learned along the way over the years, I mean, good lord, I've I've learned a lot in mm. the last few episodes, and this one more so than most. This was a very wild ride. But where does Vader stand for you in the pantheon of great wrestling stars that we've covered in this podcast? I love him. I love him so much. The fact that he apparently was a nice guy—he certainly seems like a nice guy. When you see interviews with him, 
He seems like so much just like everyone's dad. Yeah. I can't imagine what it must have been like for him to actually have been your dad. Well, I think you want to talk about legacy in wrestling. I think, you know, from the Hall of Fame speech to the fact, you know, how well curated his kind of social media and the presence yeah. and the kind of, you know, the fact that there's all these fabulous Vader figures out there and all that. I feel like his actual legend has been kind of preserved quite well. Yeah. You know, think, compared to a lot of other people who just kind of seem to have been kind yeah. of lost. You I know? think most of that is down to the fact that he was such a success in Japan. Like, yeah. I cannot overestimate, like, just how significant he is over there. Like, he has influenced so many games, so many villain tropes. Yep. Like, we'll get into it with the tweets, but he is, like, an icon over there. And I know we, like, we consider him, you know, quite a big name here, but it's just, like, it's nothing compared to how he was received in Japan. Like, he yeah. was, like, a mythical legend there. Th- that's, that's why I think it's so, so cool, that extra chapter there where you think that, like, the, the lowest of lows when they're having him, like, run ragged in the WWF and it's, like... Mate, I'm big in Japan. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers who've said that over the years. But, but he really was. That That is the benchmark of what being big in Japan is. Because you can be a, someone who has great matches in Japan and is well regarded with wrestling fans in Japan. Mm-hmm. But he made himself a part of that culture there. Yeah. He became a huge, bigger than wrestling star. Yeah. And that's not happened very frequently with Westerners. I mean, we no. talk about maybe Terry Funk and a few others. The, the list is very, very short. And talk about a gimmick that... It's just so unique and will live on forever. Yes. It's just like, I mean, the origins alone are so cool, but also just like... The reality of it. like not, not... How it translated into a Western audience. It yeah. worked so well because it just is it's simple and easy to define. Yeah, I think that it is a perfect, perfect marriage of putting in thought and time and energy into mm. a concept and then executing it perfectly yeah. and then carrying that torch throughout the career. I think it is, it is a very rare, if the only example I could think of that from like the moment a bunch of men in Japan sat down and decided how are we going to shake up the business here? Yeah to you know him in fucking your call causing a near riot (laughs) like that's a that's a strange road that he's taken and (laughs) i wouldn't have it any other way the fabulous career of big van vader i want to throw it now over to you guys to see your tweets about the mastodon the man they call vader first up a tweet from our good friend todd who helped me with some of the research of this episode and the translation of japanese articles and such yes thank you for our resident japan expert helping us on everything from the history of the manga to some stuff about potential mistranslations yeah so todd says though i have come to terms with my absolute fave wrestling monster officially being a big van to this day (laughs) i refuse to believe it wasn't a mistranslation of big bang the name in japanese is pronounced biguban okay which is interesting i mean he definitely gives off more of a vibe of a cataclysmic event or a creative event in the universe as opposed to Van Morrison, for instance. So maybe that is... I mean, choose your poison. I'm happy for him to be Big Van or Big Bang. Another interesting tidbit that lends itself to that theory is that Vader's powerbomb in Japan is called the Big Crunch, (laughs) which is another physics scientific Mm. term. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought it was just a delicious bar or something No, no, it's apparently, it's something to do with this, like, theory of the Big Bang. It's like the Big Crunch is the the end point of that. If you subscribe to the Big Bang, you subscribe to the Big Crunch. Yes. So Vader, definitely a physical being. That's what Michael Cole says. He means physical. 
He means literally like he's he's steeped in the lore and history of physics. Yeah. <laughs> Next up from Branavan Khan. The fact that Vader at 40 decided after a less than spectacular run, putting it mildly in the WWF, went to All Japan Pro Wrestling in 1998 and thrived almost overnight was a testament to how the big two of the time didn't truly grasp the talent of Leon White. Yeah, I don't know if that's like possible for anyone to do anymore because I feel like the idea of Japan and Mexico, like they're, they're not islands unto themselves in the wrestling world anymore. Mm. I feel like wrestling companies are kind of more aware of each other and more linked up than ever before. Yeah. But man, in terms of like, you know, if I was writing my dream fan fiction for a wrestler, them, you know, going off after the worst run of their career and having the best run of their career, like it's, you, you couldn't make it up. Like it's so fantastic that he managed to have that set, like that entire second run, like that whole second legend he took over and dominated in the other wrestling company in japan and i don't think many people can say they've done that if you could pick one wrestler from the west to put in japan and get over big in japan <laughs> what like you would in the 90s yeah who do you think would get over most i don't know i mean i'd pick someone like there's, there's a world where maybe there isn't an aew or whatever it is you're just to say you're not allowed to pick brian danielson i'm not because obviously that's cheating, that, right? yeah no i'll pick with someone who actually doesn't have much of a career in yeah, japan yeah who could have maybe after not reaching the levels that he should have in one company could have maybe went over there i'd pick like claudio castagnoli you know, was he not big in Japan? I mean, he was not. No, he only had a what? handful of matches in Japan, which is crazy. Wow. But you know, he maybe after you know he had his his run in WWE and it didn't maybe work out as well as it should have, and he didn't reach the heights that we we certain fans felt he should have. Heck, I'd send him over to Japan, have him be the ace of any company any day of the mm, week. I'd pick Baron Corbin. <laughs> And he had to have a new version of his gimmick as well, like obviously to fit like, you know, big in Japan Corbin or whatever he could be. <laughs> Next from Cash the Quick, Vader was the first heel I liked as a kid. I just remember seeing him splat HBK on an episode of Monday Night Raw, <laughs> moving faster than any man that size should. I remember yelling to myself, how do you even fight him? And grinning ear to ear. It was Vader time that night. Yeah, I, I like that idea of someone who is a villain, but is just so kind of spectacular that... You you can't help but become a fan and i think he throws a lot of that idea of like the villain has to cheat and he has to be despicable and you know not you, you can't like warm to him at all i feel like he, he flies in the face of that mm. you know because he didn't need to cheat he was kind of a cheat already just by being as big and powerful and fast as he was next from mr alex sheedy i could simply never put my finger on if vader was a big bad serious bastard or not as in one week he was presented like a monster and the next he was pissing around and being ineffective muscle for some stable or manager i mean you've watched wwf my friend and yeah. that is the presentation of vader that i think i was most familiar with like I can understand now from having done this episode very clearly why you might think Vader is like wrestling God, mm. but also why you might, you know, if you watched what I had watched growing up or the had the kind of limited exposure of WWF, yeah, you wouldn't think that much of him. And mm. there's not many people I can think of that where their legacy or their legend is like very dependent on what bits you actually watch. Because usually yeah. most wrestling companies will take advantage of the legend and the legacy of wherever they've been, even if they're just alluding to, oh, this person was in 
Japan or whatever. Mm. Felt like they really didn't want to tell you that Vader had accomplished much of anything no. in the WWF. Almost like, like they're ashamed of it. Yeah, like oh, you might accidentally watch other wrestling or yeah. something like that. Yeah, classic WWF. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Next from C Martin One Six One. My issue with Vader has always been one of consent. I love very hard hitting matches as long as I know both wrestlers are willing. But so many times with Vader, he decided he was going to hit people for real, whether they wanted him to or not and wrestling is about trust that's a really interesting one because i think you know we've seen that in vader's career i know there's like kind of context for some of us but i think the reality is is not everyone who stepped into the ring with them had the maybe ideal wrestling experience do you think it's true that he was intentionally trying to hit people for real no i think that particularly in his wcw run and also in his run in japan i think there was definitely that kind of understanding where like this is something that the booker has decided and the booker is the one who's maybe meant to tell you or the agent or whatever, by the way, this guy is going to do this type of a style. Yeah. But I think then that it behooves you to pick the right people to be in the ring with. Yeah. You know, I remember from reading, you know, we always think of these things being a big scary monster wrestlers, but like I remember reading in the Young Bucks autobiography about the first time they faced Brian Danielson mm. and they were, you know, not on board with the style that he was presenting whatsoever. They had a match in PWG and he kicked the absolute shit out of them and afterwards they were like, they were traumatized. Yeah, and that's really interesting because it's another wrestler from, who had a big career in Japan. Yeah. and it obviously is like that type of style. Yeah, I, I, I think like for us to kind of point and kind of go, that's, that's, that's an altogether inappropriate style. I think that's just kind of naive because that is a huge part of wrestling and now more than ever i think there's a load of wrestlers who do that style yeah but i think it's on you then as the promoter to like hey maybe don't put in the weekend warrior jobber who's just come up as a favor to some guy you got a hot dog from once mm. maybe don't throw him to be absolutely crushed by by vader i don't like the idea of like job people being brought in just to be like literal human cannon fodder you see i just i don't know if there's much of a similarity or not between like someone like vader and someone like jbl who does hit people hard yeah, for real that's true yeah i don't i'm basing this on nothing but it feels to me like vader is more kind of like a victim of his own size and inadvertent strength like i mean if you have that size and strength and then the person who's signing your paychecks is like make sure you do this yeah then in your mind because i think you know, when he talked about the joe thurman thing it was like there was an understanding with the bookers and the people putting the matches together that mm. this is what I'm going to do. This is how I do the moves and make sure you know, you can take them. And I don't know. I feel like maybe that's a bit more of an old school mentality. Cause it kind of oh, feels, yeah, is. I, I don't know if there's as many people these days where it's like, I'm going to, you know, this guy's going to beat you up for real. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it goes back to that thing we talked about with the Mick Foley aspect of it as well is like, if someone gives you ultimate informed consent, then what you fucking beat the shit out of them and just brutalize them and injure them for real but they're mm. okay with it because i mean See, i just don't think i don't believe that was vader's intention to like actually break mick foley's ribs no. it seems to me like he really didn't realize just how strong he actually was and how much damage he could really do to people yeah i feel that's an office issue i feel like if you're in the office and you know that guy is super powerful and you've got a guy who's super willing to do anything that maybe someone should come in and have a quick word before they literally kill each other in yeah. the ring, you know because i mean i saw a video of him this is like just before he died he was like late 50s early 60s doing a one-armed like 300 pound lift jesus like Christ. he was so strong and this is like 
end of his life, like, and mm. he was still super strong. I mean, it, and just to say as well, like, I don't think it, again is necessarily a size thing because I mean, like, I think we did the Mark Henry episode, and I don't think there was many cases of him being like brutalizing people because no, of his size. That's again, it's like a size and style yeah, that's combination. It. It's because Vader came up through the old school way of like kind of doing things kind of for real because it was like a bit more important of the the working people aspect and then also working in Japan. Yes, you wouldn't be allowed to beat Anoki with Mark Henry's resting style no, in the late exactly. 90s. <laughs> but then also he is genuinely super strong like Mark Henry. It's just Mark Henry I imagine would have been brought up in a time where it's like right just so you know, you are super strong. You need to go yeah. soft as fuck, man. But it's the, it's the classic thing of like threading the needle in, in wrestling where it's like someone's actual legitimate power is a benefit. That's something that people want to see. It's spectacular. Yeah. But it's on you as whoever's putting together the matches or the wrestling company that you can harness that and not just have people go out there and get absolutely maimed. I you guess know? this is as well why practicing matches not necessarily the whole thing but at least like working with your opponent a bit in the ring beforehand is yeah. important so you actually get an idea of what they can take and what you are capable of giving them yeah and i always reckon as well that if the context of you can take my move it'll be fine but only when you're like full of adrenaline or whatever it yeah, is yeah that's fair you know but mm, yeah definitely there's a lot of people who fell foul of that and i think there's a lot of blame to go around in the consent for what someone's going to do in a wrestling match uh, uh, game and I think that even to a lesser degree but it still goes on to this day I think there are yeah. people where wrestlers maybe overstep the mark or get overzealous or mm. their style isn't you know uh, taken for what it is let's just say yeah you know when I hear about agents I think are doing a good job it's the people who are linked up with the same folks over and over again so that it's not just oh randomly you've picked Lance Storm or Dean Malenko to agent this match it's like this guy works with these four or five wrestlers he knows their style he knows how to navigate and introduce that style to maybe new people who are coming in or job guys or whatever but you know, that, that issue of like kind of, you know, taking folks' bodies for granted, I think that came up a lot in the Jobbers episodes. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, you were showing me a clip the other day that you saw someone posted of Yokozuna just squashing some Jobber. Oh my God. And like, Terrifying. Talk about like, you know, throwing someone's livelihood and their well-being to the fucking wolves just so you can have a cool spot. And mm. I don't think that's ever necessary in wrestling. There's enough cool stuff you can do where you're not going to nearly fucking kill someone. Yeah. And Vader showed that he could do stuff that looked cool without actually really hurting someone. Yeah. So it's on them, and it's but it's ultimately, I think, on the, the people putting those matches together to make sure that they are informed about what's going to happen. I don't know. I think wrestling training, it's like... A basic thing I think every wrestler should learn to do. This is going to sound ridiculous. But I think they should all be made to do that Ric Flair punching a piece oh, of string. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely think that's such an important skill to have. Learn how to pull your punches, yeah. folks. <laughs> like it's, it's good to know how to do a strong punch too. But like, there's always going to be certain opponents who can't handle that. Yeah, and Terry Funk's like, you don't need any of that shit. That's not <laughs> necessary, guys. You don't need it. Next from Outliers Pod Adam. Being a bigger guy made Vader my instant favourite. Not just by his size, but how athletic he was for his size his physicality and intensity was believable and legit and he wouldn't just dish it out in the ring but would also take a beating from his opponent yeah i mean i, th I think the old ken shamrock match was probably a, went a big way in making you ready to enjoy him as a character because i think 
once you've seen him take X amount, yeah. you kind of feel like it's fair game or whatever. But there's a lot of other monsters back in the day who wouldn't have taken a tenth of that punishment in a match. Yeah, absolutely. Next from VCOM7418. Personal thoughts, best big man to ever exist, mm. to the point where everyone, from Keith Lee to Volta, absolutely feel inspired by him. Yes. The stories of him being a big, friendly, if awkward giant also <laughs> endear the dude to me. Yeah, I mean, I th- there's a lot of people who are spectacular wrestlers in this day and age who do I mean you've, you've listed two of them there yeah there's a reason I think one of the first things we did when the new wrestling game came out was put Volter versus Vader yeah. in, <laughs> in, in, a, in an absolute heavyweight dream match I think we do that every other day when we play <laughs> that game as a result next from Jeff Maxfield one aside from Abdullah and Brody Vader may have appeared both officially and unofficially more in video games than any other wrestler yes. he was the influence of the designs like Alexander the Greater from Muscle Bomber and Raiden slash Big Bear from Fatal Fury there's also a theory that he um, influenced a character from Dragon Ball Z whose name I can't remember what oh yeah you're right there he is what's his name uh, Proshki I, 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 I wouldn't know his name but that that is that's the Vader mask that is yeah. the Vader body shape that right? is 100% steam coming from his helmet fantastic that's so cool good lord Dragon Ball and Fist of the North sir what can't Big Van Vader do <laughs> now from Red Mage Jack just by existing Vader let me know that you didn't have to have the McMahon preferred body to be a successful wrestler and in a way you didn't have to have the archaic 2000s idea of a body to be healthy and happy always fights Owen Hart for whom my favourite of all time is oh baby and that's why one of my favourite moments in the history of wrestling is <laughs> Own heart making fun of Vader and mankind at the Slammy Awards and then Vader trying to chase him away in a tuxedo and falling into a big tray of drinks. <laughs> but like, that's what's so cool about him is that there's so many people where it's like, uh-oh, you've not fitted Vince McMahon's expectations. Ergo, you're going to have a bad time. And yeah, his run in WWF ended quite poorly and it had low points along the way. But talk about like sheer force of will did anyone else ever go to Vince McMahon no fuck you I'm, I'm being me yeah and still with the handcuffs of the presentation that they were doing at that time still make a lot of people go oh shit what's this guy all about mm. I think genuinely Vader probably got a lot of like hardcore wrestling fans who are just watching American wrestling I guarantee you he got so many people into Japanese wrestling in the west back in the day just from the sheer like who is it? Like, what was he doing? Like, yeah. you know, when you hear about what he, you know, the legend they told about him when he was in WCW and in WWF, they're always kind of alluding to this amazing stuff he did over in Japan. And it works to this day because I want to see more of Vader's stuff in Japan. Oh, me too. Unquestionably. Yeah. Next one from our friend Noah, who helped me with, again, some of the research for the stuff in Japan. And Thank the, you. Noah, our resident New Japan wrestling expert. Noah says, Vader makes you question what side of the I want everyone to be safe and hitting people really hard is cool line you are. <laughs> Noah says, I am in the stiffness is cool camp. He was never going to work in the WWF. Yeah, I, I mean... kind of want like a Western promotion like designed for like hard hitting big boys. Okay, well, we'll do our episode in the Brawl for All. We'll see what you think about that. Like, oh. it can't all be the UWF, okay? Mm. <laughs> Next up from our good friend Reese Indigo slamming Sammy. I audibly yelled with joy in my car when Howdy Wrestling announced the next episode was Vader. When I started wrestling training, he was the guy I gravitated to as someone to emulate in terms of wrestling skills and style. 
while big, I wasn't as muscular as the really big guys, and I wasn't as fat as the fat guys, and I didn't really know where I fit in terms of the wrestling style. Then I found Vader, a man so huge, but not a body guy, nor just a fat guy. He did big guy stuff, and then some, as he could do moonsaults. Yeah, there's something about his body shape and style, that kind of powerful stoutness to him. Yeah. I feel like he's the type of guy as well, you could point, even though he looks like kind of a cartoon character with a crazy you know, mask and outfit and all that, but... Most people know a guy the shape of Vader from their from their from growing up or their town or their village or whatever, and they're a scary bastard as well. I mean, I this is so silly to say, but like I feel he's kind of like English man shaped. I feel there's so many guys in there's England. There's a lot of Mitchell brothers in yes, like, you know, absolutely. like if they merged like yeah. in Steven Universe, they would become Big Man Vader. You go to any pub in England, <laughs> and there's some old lad who looks like so like him, and he can beat you up for real. And he's been to Japan as well, and he's beaten Inoki, and it was really <laughs> fucking scary when he did it. There were riots in that Weatherspoons. They weren't going to go back there for two years. <laughs> well, Joe, I think that's going to do it for How to Vader. This has been a fabulous time. Um, I think anytime we come away at the end of an episode where you've got a new fave, job well done, everyone. Mm. Thank you so much for all of your fantastic tweets. This was an episode where I think I felt confident to a certain degree about what I knew or what I could show you, Mm. but I think everyone, by coming in and helping out on the tweets, etc., pushed this over into a transatlantic, trans-Pacific absolute history lesson and then some and we watched a lot of fun wrestling along the way as well so thank you everyone for that and i will put my cap out once again and ask for the coins of knowledge because our next episode is also going to be someone who made it very very big in japan and has steadily become one of my favorite wrestlers in recent years it was someone i was always very very familiar with but has exploded like a supernova here on the west since around 2018 2019 Yes, the next episode is going to be about the fallen angel and Canada's favorite son, Kenny by God Omega. Our next episode is How to Omega. And I am going to say to everyone who is intimately familiar with his entire career in Japan, outside of the big meanie moments that obviously I know about and Joe is probably aware of blow-up dolls and nine-year-old girls, etc. Yeah, was one of the first wrestlers I think you introduced me to after I revealed I liked the flips. <laughs> you were like, okay, you have to see this guy wrestle like a nine-year-old girl or an inflatable doll. Like, he is so good. He is someone who has appeared in this podcast in the past. I do believe we have watched his seven-star match for this podcast as well. Oh, was that in long matches? That was in the long matches episode, right. yes. We also, as well, have been reviewing his pay-per-view offerings on AEW since that company has formed all the way mm-hmm. over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash wrestling. So in terms of the modern kind of career of Kenny Omega, I'd say he's probably a wrestler that you and I are on similar footings of being familiar with because I think you and I have watched and reviewed all of his main matches in the US yeah. since you know AEW has formed. Yeah. So I think we want to try and find out what made him so special in Japan we're by no means going to be able to do an entire analysis and breakdown of everything in the Bullet Club. But, you know, we would like to get some of the beats along the way. We need to find out about the Golden Lovers. We need yes. to find out about the Elite. How he fit into that company that has formed. Where he stands in modern wrestling. Is he someone who only truly thrived out East? Or has Kenny Omega finally found his footing as a top guy in a promotion in America? I'm very excited 
for all of your thoughts, your tweets, your memories, stories, moments, shoot interviews. Video game appearances. That's the thing. Like For a lot of folks now, I know Kenny Omega is going to fall into the category of not just being a guy in the ring, yeah. but a guy that a lot of our fans have kind of gravitated towards because of his lifestyle, his values, who he is as a person mm-hmm. outside of the ring. I think he made being a kind of nerd in wrestling cool. Is that fair to say, do you think? I, you say that, and then I also think of him doing cringy Undertale cosplay at an AEW show, and I'm not entirely sure if he was successful I in that. I liked that. That's not what you said at the time. Okay, well, in hindsight, I liked it. <laughs> I, I'm just intrigued. Like, To what extent is Kenny Omega, if you're listening, to what extent is he your guy? Because... I love him as a wrestler and I I love him as a personality. Mm. But I do find that he's one of these people who's got quite a little bit of an air of mystery to him. Not because I think that he is an overtly mysterious fellow, but I think that he's kind of private, you Mm. know. And if there's any shoot interviews or any pieces that have been written about him, particularly from Japan, I think I'd be really interested to find out because I know people... People stan Kenny Omega, Joe. They certainly do. And they don't do it for any other reason other than the fact they think he's great. And I want to help understand, above and beyond, he's the best bout machine. Because we know the man has fabulous wrestling skills. I want to know why he's your guy. Use the hashtag, HowToKennyOmega, and let us know your thoughts. The tweet will be up and will be available on Facebook as well to let us know what you think about the man from Winnipeg. And on this episode as well, don't forget on How To Vader, there is loads of recommended bonus viewing. There's actually a few articles as well from the research that has went into this episode. All of this and much more, all the past episodes and all the show notes, etc. available on your hub for How To Wrestling, which is howtowrestling.com. And don't forget, we like to keep this mega show entirely ad-free and fan and listener supported. And the reason we don't have ads every few minutes here is because of our amazing backers over at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling, a minimum of two to three new pieces of content every month, all the WWE and AEW pay-per-views, as well as Totally Divas, Pay-Per-View Classic, YouTube wrestler reviews, and so much more for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling but joe i think i'm going to uh, say we're gonna keep ourselves here in how to docked in the harbor of tokyo japan yeah for uh, another little bit and i think you and i've got a lot of watching and a lot of reading up to do about kenny by god omega i'm excited i think it's gonna be good i think the time is right yeah you know he's definitely someone that i don't think his first impression on you is the lasting impression that he's made how do you mean as in i think that you came across him at a time where maybe you weren't entirely you were still forming what is you liked about wrestling mm. is that fair to say yeah that's fair and then this guy bursted and you had people like Dave Meltzer saying he has matches so good they defy the logic of the star rating system that I have implemented yeah so we're gonna try and put all that noise aside yeah get to the meat of the matter the heart of it and hopefully we don't have to watch too much BTE in doing that as well well, can oh, we just... 400 episodes. I'll watch it, but can we skip the bits with, with the young books? Yeah, skip the bits with the young books and all the fucking people named and speaking out. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> well, until next time, it's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.